Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 78, Nina Turner or John Stasevich for 2024. Who would you vote for in 2024? John Stasevich is running as an independent. Nina Turner is a possibility as well. Let's go ahead and talk about it. So I see that we already have people lined up. <laughs> I really want to hear your opinions on this, guys. <laughs> I, I tried my best not to look at the chat during John's interview. That was not the first time I've brought him on. He's been on before. Um, but let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. You are on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy. What's up? Uh, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Is there something controversial about uh, Stasovich? You said you don't like to look at the chat. <laughs> I think you'll hear from the other people when they, uh, the other callers when they call in. Like the chat was, I don't think the chat was feeling John at all. <laughs> okay, I must be really stupid then, because I would not. Uh, anyway, so, so I have a, so uh, I want to say something about Nina Turner. So, uh, what, what was it reported that that she might go independent? She had an interview with Jordan Sheraton, and he brought up, um the idea of her running as an independent, which he had mentioned to her before when she lost her second election. So he brought that back up with her again. And she said, well, somebody needs to start it like the third party, you know, run. Um, I, I don't like the framing of that. Cause I did say this earlier tonight that I don't like it when people frame it that way, it makes it sound like no one has ever done it before. And we've had people run third party and independent before. Um, but the way it kind of came across is that she was open to the idea. Now she didn't say, make an announcement or anything saying that she definitely would, but she seemed to be open to it. Oh, that, yeah. I remember seeing that, that interview on status two when she lost last time. Well, it seemed like it didn't well, like, right. Well, I just want to be clear. Cause he interviewed her again recently. And he brought, oh, okay. he brought that up back again. Yeah. And she seemed to be a little bit more stronger uh, against the Democratic Party this time in this interview. So I had a poll tonight and I did ask people, would you vote for Nina Turner in 2024? One, if she ran as a Democrat. Two, if only if she ran as third party or independent. And then three was no regardless if she was independent or Democrat. And then the last option was not sure. Most people said no, regardless if she ran as a Democrat or um, independent. But second was yes, if she ran as independent or third party. Yeah, I definitely vote for her if she was independent. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't think she'll run for independent. Like, I, I'm, I'm not even convinced that she'll run at all because um because it seems like a a, a a lot of those types are uh coalescing around marion williamson to be honest like i don't know why but they're really pushing her hard but uh would, would you support her would i support nina turner yeah no for me it would be a no regardless um there, there's a there's a couple of reasons like i mean she hasn't stated like her positions on policy yet but for me, it was going back to what I saw with her other campaigns. I felt like she had a softer stance there than she did when she was on the Bernie campaign. How she wasn't as, yeah, she, she wasn't as, uh, 
she wasn't like that power Nina that we were all used to, the one that brings the fire or brings the ruckus. And so that was a big thing. And then the other thing too is um, I did feel like, and I, I forgot to play this part of that interview tonight. I felt like her stance on policing was not really where I wanted to be. Like, you know, you you really got to, and I pushed John Stasevich on this tonight because it was very clear to me that he didn't want to answer whether or not he wanted to defund the police. That's why I kept pushing that because I said, on your website, you it's stated here to reallocate the resources. So are you trying to defund the police? And he didn't want to give a yes or no response. And that was very telling to me. So, um, you know, with Nina, like obviously she's against police brutality, but some of the things that she said in that status quo interview, I felt like she was still kind of defending the police in a way. And so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, also too, it's like, where is this shift coming from? Like last year she was saying the exact opposite. Like she was like defending the squad and saying they're under a lot of pressure. They're the best option that we have. And in this interview that happened, I think this was just like a, a couple of days ago, she was not defending them and it was the other way around. So I have to ask, like, I don't know if I can trust it, you know? So there's that too. Maybe she's mad that they threw her over the bus or under the bus, you know, because they all supported um, Chantel Brown. But she wasn't after that happened, though. When he interviewed her right after that happened, she said, you know, yeah, she's disappointed that they didn't support her. But she said that they were threatened and they're under a lot of pressure. So she said that, you know, she didn't want to speak badly about them. I, I've never seen so many people treat politicians like their children, like their babies. There's a lot of uh, infantilization. But about her stance on cops, um, isn't, like, her husband a cop or something? Or isn't she, like, on some, like, police union border? I, I know she has some connections to policing. I know. Uh, last time I looked up, she I think she was a part of a police union board. I don't want to get into talking about people's families, though, because I don't like when people come after my family. Um, but, I, yeah, she was a part of a police union board. Yeah, I guess it's tough to uh, criticize cops then. But also, um, I she she really broke my heart when I, I know this isn't that important, but she kind of broke my heart last time when she was like uh, wishing ha Obama happy birthday because we all know what that means. You know that 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 means she's trying to like be uh, part of the club, part of the circle. Right. So this hard shift that I just saw from her on Jordan's show, I'm like, OK, where is this coming from all of a sudden? And so for me, I just can't trust it. But I don't want you guys like the thing is, I want you guys to be completely honest about how you feel. I don't want my decision to influence how you guys feel, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I it, Yeah, she's really uh, been disappointing. Uh in me. Uh, did you have any thoughts on uh, uh, Stasevich? So, Eric, you can chime in here on this one, too. Um, we've we've met John Stasevich in person. Um, I met him at the Assange rally and I thought he was a, a, a good contender. Like the first time I interviewed him, there were a couple of, of policy positions that we did have to push him on. More so, Eric, Eric was... Um, helping him a little bit. But one of the ones was reparations. That's why I asked him about that again tonight, because prior to tonight's discussion, he did not have that a part of his platform. And he said that he didn't think that that would be a good idea, that we need to just focus on the working class. And it was actually, 
you know, Eric and JB that pushed him on that and said, no, like you got to have some type of reparations uh, plan. So I was happy to hear that he's he's willing to support reparations now because he wasn't before, but he still don't have a plan. And so I told him tonight, I think you need to talk to some police abolitionists because your criminal justice reform uh, policy here, it's it's a little vague. Like if, if you're trying to defund the police, just say, you know, what you're trying to do. And then the other thing too was that he said that, um, oh, what was in reparations? Oh, in reference to reparations, he did, like I said, he didn't have a plan. And he said, well, what would it look like basically? And I said, I think you need to reach out to people who are part of ADOS, people who are part of reparations organizations so that you can get a reparations concrete plan. And I say that because Marianne Williamson is very strong on that issue. And right now it looks like she is going to run. So I said, so you would be running against her, someone who is very strong on that issue. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Last thing I'll say is like, don't you think this whole Marion uh, Williamson run is a scam? Cause she can't actually run as long as like Joe Biden runs. Like, so I don't know what all this talk about. It's, it's, it's like a uh, r- running in a fake election. Like she can't actually run as long as Joe Biden runs because he's the incumbent. What do you mean she can't actually run? Well, like le- 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 legally she can, but because there's already an incumbent and like and incumbents don't get primaried, you know, because it's not like there was like any like uh, debates or town halls or media when, when, when Obama ran for re-election or Trump or Bush or um, Clinton, you know? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I think what they're trying to do, and and don't quote me on this. You'd have to talk to the people who are, you know, pushing the Marianne run. I think what they're trying to do, because Marianne Williamson has such a big name, they're trying to get as much buzz. Oh, yeah. A lot of people know. My parents knew who Marianne Williamson was before I did. (laughs) I don't think she got a single delegate, though, when she ran last time. That's because, well... (laughs) She part of the problem was she didn't really get that much time on the debate stage. That was a big part of it. The other part of it was, remember, that was when Bernie was running. So all of us, a lot of the people who are pushing Marianne Williamson right now, they were pushing Bernie Sanders during that time. So Marianne Williamson's campaign didn't get that much attention from left independent media. The other thing, too, back then, Marianne Williamson was not for Medicare for all. She changed her position on that issue after her 2020 presidential oh, yeah. she, she 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 flipped up like twice in the campaign I remember. Right. Supporting it right. to not and then back and forth like twice. Right. She that was one issue that she was able to they were able to move her on. So and she was one of the speakers at the Medicare for All rallies like she's done a lot for like that effort. Um but that being said, yeah, like my parents knew who Marianne Williamson was before she ran for president because that was Oprah's spiritual advisor. My mom saw her on Oprah's show. That's how she knew about her. Yeah, my mom did too, actually. Okay, uh, thanks for thanks for talking to me, Sabby. Awesome. Uh, go ahead, Eric. I see you want to chime in here. Yeah, I feel like some of the, the Marianne thing too is the plan is is that she'll inspire like a, a, a mass of people, like, like a, a mass movement, and that'll like push, that'll, the theory is that'll push her, you know, and so that they have to have her on a debate stage is is kind yeah. of the, the theory. I don't really, you know, I don't really buy it myself either. But but I mean, I think that's their theory of operation. 
But in, in general, I mean, what, what I want to say about, about candidates in general is that it, I think we need to be thinking about a, a mass movement first. And, yeah. and how do we how do we inspire a bunch of people and and get away from this idea of like this person or that person is the one you know the the great leader, you know I feel like we we kind of have this classic mistake this classic the classic blunder, uh, um, and so maybe we, you know I'm that's what I'm pushing is try to do it the other way try to get a, a mass movement going and try to have leaders and candidates arise from that. Yeah. But what did you think about John tonight, though? What did you think about some of his answers based on when we talked to him a couple months ago? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess I would just kind of go back to my, what I just, you know, my previous, <laughs> my previous thing is just in general, you know, I'm I'm just really not, I, I'm really just not feeling the whole, you know, starting off with the candidate type of, of theory of operation. So if, there, if there's a mass movement going and, and John wants to be part of it and, and if, you know, and if the demands and the platforms and things align, then I, I think that's, that's great. But starting off with the candidate, I, I just, at this point, my philosophy, I see it as putting kind of cart before the horse. Hmm. Let's go ahead and bring in Miss Notori. Notori, you got in the line early tonight. What's up? <laughs> hey, hey. Hello. John was a complete letdown. <laughs> he was dry as fuck. He was boring as fuck. And then when he got to the police, I was done. I was like, you done. You already dry and boring. Now you're done. Because he didn't give a straight answer. That was a complete yes or no. He told me he didn't want to give a a um simple answer. It's a simple I mean a simple answer to the question. It's either yes or no. And he was fighting and he was trying to get out of it. It was just embarrassing. But for Nina Turner, um, it's like with her, I feel like she been watching you and RBN. You it's think like, so much? I know so. She got to because I be tagging it. I be tag. I about to call her something else, but I be tagging her in y'all stuff, and I be reading her the filth. Because <laughs> I'm still pissed off that she ain't mentioned nothing about Medicare for all. Like we remember all this stuff, and she don't think if she if she do run as independent, she don't think we gonna bring that stuff back up. She gonna have to really do some hardcore. Like something to get some would get me on her side because it's like with her, it's like out of everybody, she's it's just I don't trust the the once you can't trust somebody, I don't know. It's like if it was her up against a lot of people, it's like I still don't know. I don't know if I would sit out or if I would vote for her because she was on TYT and then she didn't help the Medicare for All movement. It's like you just like the squad. Well, I think the other thing, too, in reference to like the Medicare for all marches, my whole thing was is like I wasn't expecting everyone to be able to show up there because I, I do understand like, you know, they have other things that they have to do sometimes, too. But and I know she was running her campaign at that time, but I think we did still expect the support of of the event. I think that was the thing. Like we still expected you to promote it or like support it because that's. You know, one of the biggest issues a lot of us were were fighting for and and that didn't happen. So, yeah, for me, this switch is like that's why I was like when I was playing the interview tonight, I was like, she sound like me. 
Like it's just, it, I don't know if if she knows like who we are or not, but she she sounded like me. Like that's the, those are the things that I've been saying for like over a year. But when I was saying those things, people were smearing me and calling me right wing. Right. I feel like she's Ryan Graham. She try to confuse and make people dizzy because she's saying one thing, do another, and it's like she playing games. Cause like, girl, who are you? Who are you, Miss Nina? What do you think would happen if she was running, if she did put her hat in the ring and you already have Marianne running too? Marianne is a no-go for me. I'm disgusted by her. Like, I don't like, I like, I don't like her at all. Like complete, like I don't like Nina either, but if I had to choose between one of them, that's a hard choice. Well, I know a hell I would never vote for um, Marianne Will, whatever her name is, but Nina is just, it's like it's ugh with her. If anybody, if anything, I would be sitting home, but it would be very hard for me because it's like I don't see nobody. But Nina Turner playing games right now, and it's like the only person I see is Jill Stein and somebody new out the blue. That's who I see. And it's like Nina, it's like I don't know because it's like you saying this now. It's like you coming late in the game. Why won't you talking like this? just kept talking like this but i don't want nobody just talking i want you to like actually fight and with the john guy it's like um i wanted to feel like his hunger his urge to help he just seemed like an old dry ass white man just throwing his head in the ring i want somebody hungry and ready to fight for the <laughs> well what was interesting to me is john basically admitted to us tonight that he doesn't want to fight so that was a big red flag for me when he said, well, I'm not trying to like attack people. I'm willing to work together with people. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like we don't need another Bernie. We don't need another person to say Joe Biden is my friend. That is not what we were looking for. We're looking for someone to go in there and take the gloves off. And he admitted to us tonight, he is not trying to fight anybody. He's not trying to fight. So that, you know what that told me? That said, John, that tells me you are not a fighter. And that's not what we're looking for. So I was surprised he actually said that because when I interviewed him the first time a couple months ago, it didn't come across that way. And now he just be basically admitted to all of us that he wasn't willing to fight. And I'm like, then what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I, remember him, I remember him the first time and he was not that bad. He was still a little boring, but he won't that bad. But as you was like, that's why I say they need to... I know they watching y'all show and it's like, you can tell he wanted, you know, you was questioning him and it was like, it was just upfront questions that, you know, people going to ask. And it was like, just to see him struggling, it was embarrassing, but it's like upfront questions. And that's why I say when these so-called progressive or socialists come on your show in RBN, they need to get ready to like, Y'all not like Crystal and TYT. Y'all going to ask the real questions. That's why I be like sharing all y'all stuff because they need to um do their homework because they think, I'm guessing they think y'all like the play along, the get along crew, but y'all are way different than anybody else. So I can't wait to see. I know it's a no-go for um, Marianne, Mariana Anna, and John John. That's a no-go, but I can't wait to see what other people have to say about Miss Nina. Yeah, I think that John probably thought that because he knew me that I was probably just going to go easy on him. But I'm like, no, nah, I can't. That's the difference between like me doing an interview by myself and me 
co-hosting, like co-hosting an interview with someone else. If I had Marianne by myself, there's so many other things that I could have asked and I could have went in on. And so for me, it was like the policing one was a red flag. I was like, wait a minute. Did he just say we need to give the police more training? What you trying to do, John? Yes, I love y'all because y'all have different styles. It's like you are classy with yours and i love it it's like you classy but you sneaking it's like you would like you bring a sneak attack into it like it's like you nice but you can get there if you need to and then it's like cj them and then rome is just he's like me he's off he will cut your ass out and don't care but it's like i love y'all different styles because it's somebody for everybody and not just one you know something y'all got something for everybody but thank you for having me um let me speak again i can't wait to see what other people have to say about miss nina nina <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much uh notori welcome All right. okay before i bring in tim noel i have to hear your opinion on this so you just have to unmute um good evening everybody um as you know, I come from Ohio's 11th district where Nina ran against Chantel twice and lost. And I actually attended a meet and greet where I got to meet Nina um, personally. And my sense of things is that, and I, and I say this all the time about Nina and other people, these people are much more aware of what's going on than they let on. And I think um, once you have moved in that democratic orbit and you know, Nina, you know, goes to great lengths to state her democratic bona fides all the time. And I think that is, you know, disenchanting for people who have come to see that this system is the problem. But I am also um, very aware that in this independent media, and especially on this podcast and um, the Revolutionary Black Network in general, that these are people whose understanding of the system is ahead of the masses. And so as I listen to Mr. Stasevich try and um, answer those questions, I understood his need to try and be measured because he's just not responding to you in this podcast. He's trying to have his answers be measured because he's trying to play to a broader audience. And it occurs to me that the major media plays a very large part in making and breaking the candidates. As for me, uh, my my opinion leans towards Notorious that um, he lacks a type of charisma. Um, he seems like a decent enough person, but that is not going to carry it or cut it. I understood why he was trying to be measured about the police because, again, you know, Black America and white America's perception of police and policing is you know, diametrically opposed. They see it as security and safety, and we see it as a threat because we tend to be, you know, more violated by the police 
because they police us differently. But white people feel more secure about policing because they police them in a way that says they value their life and security. So I understand the need as, you know, if you're contemplating running for president to be able to walk that thin line and speak to the need to reimagine police and policing, but not come across sometimes um, in such a way that alienates people right off the bat. It's a tough sale. But for me, um, although I appreciated his attempt to do those things, he did not do them with the dexterity that would win me over. As far as Nina Turner goes, like I say, Nina Turner understands this space. And I think she needs to have a come to Jesus with herself to really understand when it's time for her to just make that heartbreak with the Democrats. And see, here's the thing, because she is a known quantity in that Democrat space, when she breaks, she's going to have to do more than just walk away. She's going to have to disavow. She's going to have to turn around and call them out and call the squad out and invite the squad out too, because she is speaking from an insider position. And I think what has happened is that when Bernie Sanders ran, there's this thing that happens psychologically. When you lift people and give them hope, and it turns out to be a false hope, people go back further into a type of cynicism than they were when you found them originally. And I think that is that kind of a deep bias remorse and, you know, for those of us who believed in the first run that Obama represented something different and then he turned out to be, you know, just milk toast, you know, black man and, you know, white man and black face for real, for real. And then we come up with two runs of Bernie and he hypes you up and then lets you weigh down. People running against that sentiment. And I think it's deeper now for those of us who have come to see that the system is just tainted and there is no need of trying to run inside of it. But the people who are running for president have to be able to speak a specific truth that resonates across us and the people in the masses who still see some utility to the um, bipartisan type of thing. So, but for me at this point, it would be no for Nina, no for John Stasevich. Well said, Noel. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Tim. And guys, let me know if you guys think I was too too harsh with John. I honestly expected since this was the second time he was coming on, I expected... I don't know. I didn't expect him to say things like, no, he don't want to fight. No, he doesn't want to really debate. He wants to have a discussion. I'm like, no, like you need to get on the debate stage. Like that's how Jesse Ventura was able to win. Like, I don't know. I expected more from him this time around. Go ahead, Tim. What's up? Good evening, Savvy. Um, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to see this John guy's interview, but what, from what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound too promising and I'll <laughs> see how how charismatic he really is. <laughs> as far as Nina goes, um, I think she's already revealed who she is and that she can be controlled by the Democratic Party. I think first and foremost, she's a Democrat, whether she decides to run independent or not. She, she's still just like Bernie. He's independent, but 
Mm. Does he serve? Who does he, you know, who, who, who does he controlled by? So I, I think she's just another uh, person that the oligarchy is trying to put in place to gatekeep somebody else, like she, to, to basically kill the movement again. You know, and and I I will not be supporting her in, in any capacity at all. Why do you think this hard shift, Tim? Why do you think now all of a sudden she's now saying some of the things that we've been saying for like over a year, but just a year ago she was still defending the squad and saying like, no, we still have to fight within the Democratic Party. Does I think she's a plan? The 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 oligarchy is you know, gave her the, the the task to, okay, do what Bernie did, get everybody to get behind you, get the movement going, get it strong, make, make, you know what I mean? And then turn around and go, oh, you know what? We got to vote for Joe Biden. Sorry. Like, and that's, I, I ain't falling for it. I, and I think too, with like, even with Jordan and them, I think what it is, they're seeing that their audience is against them. Like a lot of their their comments are just everybody, like they're honestly they're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? You guys like you're selling out. You guys are, they're revealing themselves. And I think this is their way to try to gain a left, uh, a leftist audience again, a, a way to try to mm. say, oh, look, we, we're actually, we're real leftists. You know what I mean? They're trying to like get back on that side, on this side of the line when they're already like, they already drew their line and they showed what side they were on. And I think, you know, I think they might be hurting a little financially, so they're trying to gain some audience, and they're trying to come back and show that they're progressive again. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't fall for it. Like Jordan, I've already written off as any possibility of. You know, I don't. I just can't trust them anymore because they just. <laughs> mm. And Nina, the same way. You don't. You don't have. I can't trust you. Like you've showed who you are. Like. I mean, I believe people can change, but that's not that's not where the ga- I'm going to gamble is on wasting, you know, any more time and money on on you in, in that capacity. I mean, should you win if I don't vote for you, and then you do prove me wrong, and you do, you know, right. make some changes? Guess what? Your next run, I will be supporting you. I'll, I'll get on the streets for you. I'll make some calls for you, but. Until then, you've proven already who you are, and I can't can't get behind it. So, I haven't looked at the comments uh, from. I haven't looked at the comments on on status quo, um, but it it does seem like there is now this realization that like, hey, as as many as many times as people have like criticized RBN, we've been called all kind of names. People have called us stupid. Same people mm-hmm. like Mike Figueredo from the Humanist Report constantly like mm-hmm. shitting on us and things like that from behind a block on Twitter. You know, it's like, like a coward would do. Well, yeah, it's like you can call us names and everything all you want, but I got news for you. Half of the left is not willing to do this strategy. So even someone like Marianne Williamson, if she's running through the Democratic Party, guess what? She's still going to have to get that other side of the left. The left in this country is not that big. Yeah. It's, it's really not. Bernie Sanders made us think it was. Even some of those people that were at the Bernie rallies that I went to, all those people weren't progressives. Some were progressive, some were independent. There were a couple people that were conservative there, but they re- agreed with the Medicare for all thing because they wanted the health care. So right. 
that's the thing. Like people have to understand when it came to the independent voters, Bernie Sanders had the majority of the independent vote when you compared him to Joe Biden. He had really won over that part of the population. And so I think Bernie's run in 2020 gave us the illusion that the left was large in this country and it's not. Right. I think I think I think you're absolutely correct on that. Like it even like how AOC, like I don't even consider AOC left. Like at at best she sends her. Like what is left about her? Like see for me, left is it's it's not it's not some like gray area. It's not some, you know, you know, like oh I can I'm left here, but then here I'm not left, and then here I'm a little more left, and then here I'm not no bullshit. Like you either pro war or you're anti war. It's that simple. You're either going to support war and support genocide and support apartheid and support all this shit in this world, mm. or you're going to fight against it. Like it's that plain and simple to me. So it's like once once you've 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 shown that you're not on the left of that issue, you're not left. You're 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 center right wing or whatever the fuck you are, but you ain't left. Well, Garland, Garland, uh, Garland Nixon asked me last night, he said, what is the left anymore in this country? You know, so but, and I question. think I think that's their goal, though. That was that was their whole goal. That was the goal of Bernie. That was the goal of AOC. That's the goal of the squad is to come in there and to muddy the water and to make it seem like Nancy Pelosi was a progressive. Like, what the fuck? Like, or, who are we kidding here? No, no, I mean, like. Yeah, she, she said was. it. She said it recently. Like I was a progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but you well, ain't progressive was. now. She was when she first came in. Mayor, of, I don't know if everybody mm-hmm. saw this video, but she supported yep. single paper. Um, single paper. <laughs> single paper. <laughs> single paper. When she first yes. came in, in fact, she was one of the people that was really vocal about it. That like, yes, we need to get this bill. I forget the guys' names. I got to look up their names. It was two guys that it was their bill, and he and she was saying like, we have to get President Clinton to move this bill, to get this bill passed so that people, everyone can have healthcare in this country. You don't see her saying that today. Right. And I think, you know, was that a, I mean, was she changed by Washington or was, was mm-hmm. she always, you know, or, or was that just the, the part of the play at the moment, you know, part of the, the, the dog and pony show? I don't know, but I want to try to find those gentlemen if they're still, you know, with us today, you know, I want to try to find those guys and interview them and ask them what happened with that bill. What happened with that single payer health care bill under Bill Clinton? You know, she I don't know. How much I bet you she, she killed it. And so was she in charge in that time? <laughs> no, she was. I don't think she was in charge at that time. This was like early, earlier on. And I think, but she was one of the people that came forward on mainstream media and she was speaking out in support of it. She said, we got to get this bill passed. And so that's why I said, yeah. like, what the hell happened? What happened to that Nancy Pelosi? $400 million. And ice cream. <laughs> fancy refrigerators and, and fancy ice cream, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But yeah, but but as far as Nancy, sorry, hard pass. Marianne Lonesome, hard pass. And this Johnny guy, I'll give his interview a shot. Let's see what he has to say. But but so far from what I'm hearing, it doesn't seem promising. So I don't know. It's like um, 
uh, what the other lady said about uh, unless somebody comes out the woodworks, <laughs> that there's probably not going to be much activity on voting day for me. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, I hear you on that. All right. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to bring in Rosie. Rosie, I don't get to hear from you as much. What is going on? How are you? I wonder if Rosie is in a rosy mood. I'm just being silly now. <laughs> oh, uh, Rosie, you just go. have to. Unmute. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I'm not sure. Can you hear me? I can hear okay, you. Okay, great. I'm not sure if I'm in a rosy mood after all. <laughs> after all of this, it's like, oh my god. I mean. Yeah, I don't even know where to start, honestly. But with John, um, I think the biggest problem with him was honestly communicating things. And I think obviously that in itself is a massive, massive issue. You know, I, I guess just trying to stay positive. I think the one the one thing I respected was like his focus on public ideas and opinion making that bigger than his own. And he was obviously trying to focus more on that. But I just... I just don't see any of that holding up. And he has to, like you say, taking the gloves off, like he's going to have to fight. And I just didn't get that from him. He seems very willing to sort of step aside and be like, if there's anyone else that can do it better than me. But yeah, it just didn't land too well, honestly. But more than that, I think everything with Nina Turner is, God, I just... So the third party thing she said on Jordan's show, I hadn't seen that actually until tonight, until you played it. But it was just really frustrating because honestly, it just seems like it's way too late and even like a little bit suspect. Like it just seems like it's more of a cover and I don't trust that. It's like they know that all this pushback and growing revolt and all of this is coming for them you know biden's like in hot water as he always is but it's it's like they know this is really coming for them now and i just feel like she's trying to sort of backtrack a bit and it just doesn't seem very sincere um and it's it's hard because she's she's so she's got that spark and she speaks really really powerfully and i really i loved her i mean i canvassed for bernie in iowa um in the last cycle and saw her speak in this like tiny room and she just like lit it up and there were people there and even in the houses that, you know, we were knocking on that were just honestly like barely surviving. And it, it's, it's crazy. It actually makes me sad, like thinking back to some of the people I met that weekend because they just really needed help. And I felt like they thought that they would get that, you know, from it wasn't just Bernie, really. It seemed very much Bernie and Nina at that time. Um, and then I, I just think like all of those people, you know, young, old veterans, disabled, homeless, like the real poor just being left out, like, like you said, left out there stranded on the bus. I just don't understand how you can see all of that and go along with Bernie's decision and the Democratic Party all this time, especially when it, the thing I found the most frustrating in that interview, she said someone's got to take the plunge and references Andrew Yang and everything. But she spoke at the People's Party convention in August 2020, you know, along with Marianne Williamson and Cornell West and talking about, I just found that quite like, 
insulting almost and disregarding that she didn't even mention when she's like, oh yeah, uh, you know, Andrew Yang, he's, he's done that. But it's like actually, no matter what people think of the People's Party now or currently, like, I know there's a lot that's sort of happened there, but ultimately their premise and they did take that plunge was very much in the right place. And there are a lot of young, like, not just young, you know, people all across the spectrum and like very bold voices that have been trying to start this movement. I just felt it was a bit, bit strange and suspect to not even mention that when you're talking about third party, when there is, you know, they've, they've been trying to get on the ballot in all these States. That was, I mean, we're in 2023. That was 2020. Um, And she was there talking at it. So that just really, yeah, really bugged me. But yeah, that was kind of my biggest thing from that. I just think we're, I, honestly, for me, I, like, I can't even vote here, which is so annoying. Oh, <laughs> but no. I just, I know, but I just, I like, I feel like I'm tired of, or people must be so tired of like it being someone from within the system. You know, you've got AOC, Bernie, Nina, all these people that when I, you, you first hear them speak and like, you know, talking about health, I mean, I'm, from the UK and I know that that has issues with the healthcare but just coming here and seeing people not have it for free and not being able it's just such a massive thing and like Notori said for her to not even be mentioning Medicare for all anymore I don't know it just it's pretty devastating and I I just don't trust it I don't think we need to repeat the same patterns and for people to be disappointed again I think there's enough people you know, if we're going to play the outside game, someone, people from the outside have to be leading it. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good I think that's a good point, Rosie, because it's like now it's gotten to the point where even if someone who was a part of that movement says they're willing mm. to do third party, it's like we don't trust you now because of what we saw happen the past two years where you guys were just like kind of complicit, giving excuses for the squad. And, you know, it, it just no, nah, like, you know. Someone mentioned to me that they want the left to unite. They want mm. us to be united. It's kind of hard to be united because some people are still saying Joe Biden's doing a good job. Like some <laughs> people have just completely, completely given in to the neoliberal agenda. And yeah. it's like they don't, it's like they don't have that same type of radical thought that they did a couple of years ago. I mean, it just, it, they've gotten soft, Rosie. Yeah. And Nina, it, it's such, it, what's so frustrating is like you almost, unfortunately, in this political game, I know it, it should be more about the movement and the people. But unfortunately, the way things go, it feels like you do need someone to have that like spark and passion and all of that. And Nina has so much of that. But it's just, like, it just feels way too late. I just don't understand how that couldn't have been done sooner. And like you say, it was, I mean, yes, maybe, I mean, 2016, yes, 2020 becomes a bit suspect, but then to even be saying only a year ago, like when you played the contrast of those two things, it's like you were doing the People's Party convention a a whole nother year before that first interview. So like, again, I just, yeah, that, that change again in her, I just, you hope it comes from a good place. And I, I just don't, I don't know what the answer is for people, honestly, because yeah, I, I don't know if there is someone that you, I think you do need that kind of spark. You have to find, you know, like, unfortunately with John, it's like the Tory said, it's, 
I think he's I think he's in the right place. Like his heart's in the right place, but. <clears throat> Like, Rosie, do you get what I was trying to say to him when I was like, if you're on the debate stage, sometimes you only have 30 seconds to answer a question. That's why I was like, do you support a yes or no? And he was just like, well, I can't just answer that question. You know, (laughs) and I'm not interested in being on the debate stage. Then what are you trying to do, John? I mean, he's going to get get ripped apart. I mean, it's just Ross Perot was able to get as much support as he did. Yeah. Not just because he was a billionaire. But because he was on the debate stage. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able, I, I mean, like I, the one thing he said was about, you know, congressmen sort of making them be accountable. And that's one thing I've sort of thought here is like that you hear so much about what people, the Congress people are voting for. And yet you don't ever hear. It's never like a vote that's put to each constituency like it's not like we all all the time are hearing like our local politicians sort of come and ask us what we want and then they're going to go and voice it for us it seems very there's a real detachment there and I I kind of liked what he was saying about making those congress people feel accountable what are your constituents like asking for that I get what he's saying but you still have to have more of a plan in place and more of an answer because the reality is he is going to be on that debate stage he's going to have two minutes and yes a lot of it does feel like it's a bit set up for tv and all of that but he has to just at least have a decent answer he can't just otherwise it just sounds like he's um yeah it just sounds a bit suspicious it doesn't really sound very sincere and i don't think that's what he's i think his communication just isn't great and that's going to be a problem so i think so too i think so too you can't like on the debate stage like you have to just give like straightforward answers you can't do the word salad because you're going to lose people and i can tell i was trying not to look at the chat but I glanced over a couple of times and I could tell people were like, what the fuck is he talking? I was also the comments. We were like, what the fuck is he talking about? And I'm like, sorry, but on really important issues like the police and so you, I feel like you do just have to have a categoric answer on like defund the police or healthcare or like you have to have a yes or no in those things. And then you can go on and explain what your the idea is behind that but with something as important as that I, I I just think yeah I mean that was a little bit like I I don't again I don't think he was I, I get what he was saying about he said something like oh I want to restructure the whole social sector but yeah. you were asking quite honestly like does that mean def- and I, I think that does mean defund the police yes <laughs> like he said this is the thing i didn't get a that. chance to do yeah this is the thing i didn't get a chance to do with marianne because we had a short amount of time and there were two of us i mm. didn't get a chance to go back and forth with her mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing is like there were certain things that i heard him say and i was like wait a minute like when he said that the police should be trained in psychology oh god <laughs> no i was like what are you talking about john you can't make the police become mental health experts there are people who are trained for that for a reason like yeah. all of a sudden they're supposed to and then he said why well i didn't say that i said that mental health you know mental health uh professionals should be involved i said well no john you just said the police yeah. should be trained in psychology yeah, and that's a whole nother, again, that's where you're saying to him, like, I think you just, you were trying to say to him, really, like, you know, in the nicest way, like, you know, some people, Marianne, for example, like, has a plan for this, so maybe it's a good idea yeah. to just get that 
I was trying to let him know, even when it came to reparations, like, I'm glad he came around on that because originally he didn't agree with that. But I think, you know, Eric educated him on that and JB educated him on that. So I was glad to hear he came around on it. But then he just told me, he said he had no plan. And I was like, bro, you running for president. Yeah, and he kind of, I felt like his his tactic was to sort of move away quite quickly from the specific answer to the more broad oh well I would get public opinion on that and I would go which I I get yes that's important but I felt like that was I it didn't sound like he really was as the passion or like the he wasn't as clued up on things as I think he should be if that's if you're going to be running for president I mean (laughs) so yeah (laughs) Because they will ask those questions. I can guarantee you guys, come watch 2024. I bet you there's going to be a question about reparations. And I bet you there's going to be a question about defunding the police. Yeah. But But yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rosie. Go ahead, Noel. A part of the problem we face, though, is that once these issues surface in the mainstream, the media makes it a litmus test. So now when you say defund the police, they have framed that to mean a certain thing. And so that when that question is put forth on a debate stage or something like that, they've already polarized half of America about what that means. And so for you to to not be able to cut through that. And I think a particular problem that the people who have moved, like I say, in that orbit, like the Nina Turner, Bernie Sanders, these people, you've taken a number of differing positions and you have messed with people's ability to trust you. So yeah. it would be easier for somebody to come out of the blue, like a Shama Sewan, if she had been born in America, to just come through, or Chris Hedges, who has been clear and definitive on all these issues, and they can they have the skill set to dismantle some of that framing that the major media will do. But if you don't have that definitive thing and you can't unweave those narratives right quick. A John Stasevich is just going to get lost in the sauce. You have to have that sharp skill set. But again, for people like Anina Turner, who's been here, there in a third, it's just now you have a history that you have to contend with because you've been so far and people don't trust you anymore. And so it's a difficult thing. And I really do think there, like um, Eric said, there needs to be more attention on organizing the base to get these people in the grassroots because we have to get them to understand that the system really is broken and Mm -hmm. then get them focused on what the demands are and push that way so that when people come singing swan songs, they're easily dismissed and dismantled. But at this point, it's just such a, a, a messy space to operate in because you have, you know, everything is owned by the corporate media. And the people who own them and they and like when John Stasevich was saying, oh, I would just come to Congress. I would pull the Congress forward and ask them, you know, get the money out of Congress. I'm like, man, do you know that does it doesn't work that way? (laughs) You don't get to just tell them, you know, you have to build that groundswell to um, change public financing. You have to build that from the ground up because you just, as the president saying it, they're going to be like, mm-hmm, yeah, whatever, and go on by their business. I totally hear that. All right, let's bring in Ashura. Oh, Ashura, I want to hear your take on this. 
just have to unmute. Yeah, interesting times we're living in. But I told you guys, 2024 is going to be wild. Watch. What's up, Ashura? Uh, cold, man. I'm cold. It's minus 28 right now. <laughs> I just got home. I'm freezing, too. It's like negative temps. Oh, it's going to be cold the entire weekend. I just look at the schedule. It's got to be minus 30 Sunday and Saturday and Sunday. So I'm not going out. Maybe I'll make like something really nice and warm, like a hearty stew or something, because it is cold out there. Yeah, I um I didn't see your uh, interview with the guy because I was still working, so I caught a glimpse of it. I thought you were watching a video, and then now I'm like, oh shit, she's doing an interview. But <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it afterwards after call in. But seeing how people were talking about this guy on the call and it's like it's like he just came in expected you to just give him a softball and say oh we got to vote this guy i think he did because i already i met him before like eric and i have met him in person and i think he thought that too like he asked me one time y'all gonna laugh at this okay i just said y'all you're gonna laugh at me when i say this he asked me if I would be, he was like, you would make a good secretary of, of education. And I was like, I am not interested in being in any political position. Not interested at all. I'm not trying to be in the White House. I'm just trying to be in my house. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, because he uh, sounds like, like he did, he, he's very indecisive. And he wants to go along. It, it's like it's like you said, Bernie Sanders 2.0. It's like he doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. Like the fuck you, the fuck you talking about? You don't want to hurt people's feelings. Are you? Do you want to be president or not? Donald that, Trump didn't give Donald Trump didn't give a fuck. He hurt people's feelings during the Republican debate. He that called, piece really shook me. Like that piece right there really shook me when he said he just wants to have discussions with people. I'm like, no, this is not a social club. You are running for president, and you are going against Joe Biden, who is the incumbent. We're not trying to have people be like buddy bros and go to brunch with each other and all this kind of stuff. No, you got to go into that ring, take the gloves off and go at it. Like you can't be, you cannot do what Bernie did and say, Joe's a good friend of mine. You can't do that. He doesn't realize that politics is a gladiator fight. Gladiator fight. You got to come in there and stab somebody in there. Like draw blood. <laughs> not Draw blood, not your own. Nobody's asking you to perform seppuku. So why? Because they're going to do it to him. They're going to do it to him. They're going to eat him alive. They're going to go through his whole history. They're going to heavily come after him. Go ahead, Roger. So who was that guy that spoke before? Uh, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think his dog wanted these people. Did you hear the dog in the background? <laughs> come on, man. Why you want to try to start giving me these people, man? Come on, man. That's all I heard. I was just like, damn, even his dog don't like these people. Holy <laughs> crap. Yo, his dog is giving me a signals, man. You're 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 not looking so good, dog. <laughs> As for Nina Turner, uh, like that poll of yours, it was probably the most divisive divisive poll that you did. So because I was confused up until the last, I was on the third one. I was one of those people that said 31%. But again, then I, then I remembered I don't live in the U.S. So I would have gone the fourth poll. Then the fourth mm -hmm. uh, subject I would have chosen. But yeah, it was very close. I still can't understand why people, with, even with RBN, 
you people educating people to get out the duopoly, still there are some people who want to basically vote in the, the duopoly. Not everyone that watches us is done with the progressive strategy, believe it or not, guys. There are, I do have some viewers that still want to do the progressive strategy. And I know this because of other polls that I've done. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, God damn it. They need to keep educating these people, man. They, they haven't scrubbed their brains yet. Yeah, I think, I think they still want to, some of them still want to try. You know, um, I would, you know what I would tell um, Nina? Because this is really just a um, ego exercise, you know, of, hey, I'm going to run for office and change the world or whatever the case is, right? I would suggest to her, listen, stay your ass home in Ohio and run some of these ballot initiatives. Because Ohio is a, is a ballot initiative state, indirect for state statute, direct for constitutional amendments. You know what I'm saying? Get it done at home, build up, you know, your, um, your, your reputation, whatever you want to call it is, Hey, I helped to get this passed here, single payer, public bank, government jobs guarantee, so on and so forth. And, you know, everybody want to go for the, for the big money, you know what I'm saying? Everybody wants to go for the, for the, for the top, you know what I mean? I mean, look, only thing I'm paying attention to 2024 is what's going to be on the ballot. What what issues are going to be on the ballot? That's that's really all I care about because none of these politicians ain't going to do a damn thing. We got to do it, and then they follow us. They're not the leaders; we're the leaders. They just like to take credit for the shit we did. There you go, Roger. Yeah. Uh, do you think this is still the backlash from Marianne and the uh, interview with Jordan Sheridan? Because this this thing keeps revolving. They what keep- do you mean? But uh, after the Marianne debacle, she went to Jordan Sheridan, and then you had Nina Turner came on, you had Crystal Ball came on. It's like a revolving door because they want Marianne so bad. I don't know. Um, I think that may have been already scheduled because uh, I know Jordan did announce that they were doing that fundraiser that weekend and that all those people would be coming on. So that was, that was actually, I think it was announced before Marianne came on RBN, I think. Seems to yeah. me it's a. <laughs> I wouldn't be well, even if that was. It does look like a. Conveniently, they put it there as if like it, it's it's some kind of uh, damage control shit. Yeah, I think you know. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's. I like I told you guys. I didn't look at the comments, but I know CJ did. And CJ told us that the comments weren't good. Yeah, because uh, I was waiting for uh, Jimmy to talk about it, uh, the Crystal Ball thing, because he did it twice in a row. Where I know the title said <laughs> Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball says tells people to grow up, and I'm like, then then he says something last night, like, oh no, that's that's the wrong one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it tomorrow, and yeah. then and I'm waiting for it because I'm like, fuck, there is no replay on YouTube, so I have to, I have to go on Rumble. And I'm basically going back and forth, back and forth. I can't fucking see it. The only thing I can see Nick talk about is is uh, the thing with Omar and mm-hmm. uh, the whole um, thing about when they fucking said that the masks don't work. Finally, I'm like, I'm like, thank God. Yeah, I know because I was in a DM group and people were asking the same question. People were like, when is he going to do the crystal story? And then people people got mad at the DM group and was like, man, they're not doing it till Monday now. I was like, I don't wait, know. Wait, it's going to be on Monday. 
Yeah, Monday. What the fuck? Uh, Steph, Friday. Someone sent a super chat asking the question, and Steph said it'll be on Monday. So it's good. God damn it. That shit, it better be done behind the scenes. So I can't wait. <laughs> I know everybody was waiting for that story. It's so funny because I was like, I think a lot of people, I'm looking at the, you know, the chat and I'm looking at the DM group I was in and I was like, everybody is waiting for the story that he's going to do about Crystal seeing grow up. And once Mike McCray came on, I was like, I don't think it's going to happen today. Yeah, I was, I was like, Mike, it's, it's done. Mike McCray is it. It's done. Yeah. That, once you know when Mike McCray shows up, that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. The thing about that, look, it's it's so fucking funny that they all lost their fucking seats. I don't know if it's after Hakeem came in, they all lost their fucking seats. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. And I thought it was just like Katie Porter. No, every fucking single one of them lost their seats, committee seats. I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, how do people not see this? These guys are frauds. But I knew that was going to happen when the Republicans took over the House again. I knew that was going to happen, that they were going to remove them from their committee seats. No, I thought basically that Hakeem was going to do that. No, this was, Ilhan Omar was removed by, if I remember correctly, was removed by the GOP. And then there, um, I forget the other two that were removed. I think Adam Schiff was removed too. Swalwell? Swalwell. Yeah, Swalwell. Yeah, I knew they was going to come in there and clean house. And that's why they were so focused on like those Senate races. And I'm like, y'all need to be focusing on this house to make sure you don't lose these committee seats. And you see what happened. The Republicans won back the house and they lost their seats. Sarah. Yeah. How do you know that Hakeem Jeffries didn't go to McCarthy behind the scenes and be like, yo, time to play good cop, bad cop. Get these people off these committees. But I don't want to do it because I don't want to you know, look like um, I need to make believe that I'm fighting for them. Yeah. I can see that, but then again, it could be McCarthy, too. Uh, the funny part I love about this is when Jimmy and Nick were talking, they made a great, like, sleight of hand done by the Republicans. They voted on the committee only to kick her out the next day. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that was the fastest committee put put down in history. Like, the Republicans, they play dirty and they, they play slick. And I'm like, when are the Democrats going to fucking wake up? Well, what was weird to me is that that weird speech that AOC had when she was waving her arms around in the air and she was like, the only reason she's being removed is because she's a woman of color. Okay, then why were the two white guys removed? Yeah, like, that, was, <laughs> that was like the worst hip-hop rap battle I ever fucking heard. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, It's like, if Lucy was here tonight, she would have fucking told you like what she said, she's on cocaine or crack. <laughs> No, Lucy was cracking me up. It's it's really it's crazy to me because I'm just like I felt like it was epic rap. Ba- Have you guys ever seen epic rap battles on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, I've seen people trash each other like rap battles. I've seen them trash each other on rap battles. Yeah, epic rap battles of the world. Who yes, won? Mr. T versus Who Mr. Rogers. Was yep. the was the Nick Cannon show ever good? Like I know he did something like that. Like was it Wild and Out or some shit like that? Yeah, he used to do uh, Wild and Out, and they used to do battles on that show. Um, I haven't watched that in a long time. I don't know if it's still on MTV or not. I stopped watching MTV a couple years ago because they stopped actually showing music, it seemed like. <laughs> it was yeah. just all reality shows. Yeah, well, it used to be good at one point. They didn't stop showing music <laughs> just a couple of years ago. They stopped showing music like a couple of decades ago. Oh, damn, it really has been that long. Because when I was in high school, I'd wake up in the morning, and the first thing I would do was turn on MTV, go jump in the shower, 
and come go back in my room and get dressed. And I'd listen to, you know, watch music videos until it was time for me to go catch the bus. But I think that, you know, it's just, why are you music television? If you're not showing music videos like that, that should be the majority of what you show. Then they came out with MTV two to do that. And then MTV two became no music video. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to hang up there, so I'm going to see what what, it, what everyone else has to say. All right. Thanks so much, Ashura. Let's bring in Hector. You are on the mic. Hi. Can you hear me, Savvy? I can hear you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'll answer your question from earlier. You asked if you were too hard on John. You weren't hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> That guy said, that guy literally said, I'm not ready to win. I mean, you should have brought that back up. <laughs> I was like, then don't run. Okay, so is that the, yeah, didn't you get that same impression? Yeah, I mean, um, if I was going to give you any advice on how to interview these people, because you guys, I saw you with Marianne, I saw the Marianne interview too, she didn't really give you enough time. But I would say, go ahead and do your regular thing. You want to know what a person's platform is. But then tell them straight up, you're going to play devil's advocate and you're going to ask him really, ask him a question, you don't need to like draw on Fox News or something. Just really oddball questions just to test them out. Because we got to find out how these people handle weird or tough questions. You know what I mean? This is the time to sharpen them up. If they're going to make it, you know, it's their time to weed them out. That's a good point. I just, I feel like now for John, just this kind of feels like a vanity project. That's why I was just like, wait a minute. First, you told me you don't want to fight. Now you're saying you don't want to debate. You want to have a discussion. So you don't want to be on the debate stage. You just told me. And then you said you're not trying to win. What is the, what are you doing, John? Yeah. At least if you told me, well, Mary is running for reparations. I still don't know what that guy's running for. And I watched the interview. I saw the whole thing. <laughs> I, I still can't tell you his reason for running. Like, is there like, is he running on Medicare for all? What's his big thing? I don't know. What, like Andrew Yang, I knew UBI. That was his thing. Yep. I don't know what his thing is. I don't know what his thing is. I can't tell you. And, I, and he, you interviewed him for a long time. It wasn't a twenty-minute interview, so I don't know what he stands for. If he said, he, actually, he said something. He was running to get out his message. I don't know what his message is, so he did an absolutely terrible job. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like everybody needs to have their thing. Like everybody knew Bernie Sanders, Medicare for all. Everybody knew Marianne Williamson, reparations. Like you just said, Andrew Yang, UBI. I think this is why someone like Kamala Harris did so poorly. Because it was like, what was you running on? She was running to get some money. (laughs) 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 She wanted a new job. She was running on that little girl was me. Oh, yeah. oh my god, I forgot about that. That was so funny. That was terrible. <laughs> so so I don't like John and I don't like Marianne because she's pro war. She's for the Ukraine war. That's that's the hard line for me. No way. I can't hold nope. her like that. You gotta be anti war. I need an anti war person up there, at least. If anything. So that's a no. So um there's nobody I like. Who's running? I don't think there's anybody. Everybody always mentions the same few names. They'll mention, oh, Professor Wu or Cornell West. But I have a completely different take on this that people are going to probably 
go against me on, but I've thought a lot about this. We keep trying the same thing, running through the Democratic Party. Running a non-Democrat through the Democratic Party. It's not the only party. It's the Republican Party, too. If you're not running a Democrat, it shouldn't matter which party you run through. And there's a few reasons I like running through the Democratic, the Republican Party better. There's a few reasons. I mean, Bernie ran, sometimes he would win a state, and he would come out with less electors than Hillary. Why? Superdelegates. You're never going to overcome superdelegates. Unless somebody can answer that question, there's no reason to run in the Democratic primary at a national level. This is zero. The other thing is, the, the voters themselves. The person who we put up for running is probably going to have zero political experience. None. The only person ever elected to president with zero, zero experience is Donald Trump. Those voters are willing to give somebody a chance. That's not, it's not found in the other party at all. So I would say you run through the Republican primary. That's your way to go. You have, a, you, have, you have a more fair chance with them. It's unexpected a little bit. And since you're not running as a Democrat anyway, what does it matter? You heard Nina Turner. What did she say? I'm a Democrat. Shows like you, like Savvy, Jimmy, all year long, all we hear is how terrible the Democrats are, how corrupt they are, how they're never going to do anything for us. Oh, yeah, but we're going to run somebody to the Democratic Party, and you, we want you to vote for them. What kind of message <laughs> is that to send people? <laughs> I think everybody would rather vote for a Republican at this point. At least someone's going to offer them something. And I do, I, I do have a name. It's not anybody you're going to know. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll give the name. It's Jennifer Say, S-E-Y. Jimmy had her on the show. I thought she was fantastic. She wrote a book called Levi's Up Ahead. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not, but I I think the problem is like we don't want we don't want to run through the Republican Party because they don't have the, the those policies, they don't have the policies like they don't want Medicare for all, they don't want universal health care like those kind of things you know. So I think let's be real like the Republicans are not going to vote for uh, and, a socialist or something. And and one of the parties not going to do those things either, the Democratic Party. So I have an idea. I have an idea about this. You said earlier, earlier, we got to unite the left. I think it's, I think that's the wrong question a little bit. You almost saw me. I think the real question is, you got to unite the working class. Where is half of the working class at? They're on the, they're on the right. As long as we keep treating each other like left and right, like we don't have care about the same things, we're never going to unite. I think if you can push the Republican Party to the left a little bit, the Democratic Party will have to follow. How are you going to push the Republican Party to the left, though? They don't believe in any of um, all of these policies that we no. believe in support. They call it socialism and they say you want to turn the country into Venezuela. Great point. I thought you're listen, whoever runs, I don't care if it's let's think Marianne, let's take Bernie. If Bernie was elected president, we would still not have Medicare for all. If Marianne wins the presidency, we're still not going to have reparations. I want to run a candidate through the Republican Party on these very specific issues that can be done. By I'm going to give you the list. It's very specific. So a couple things that I think the left will be down for hardcore. They're not going to run a Medicare for all reparations. This is what they're going to run on. A pardon for Julian Assange. A pardon for Edward Snowden. Changing the federal law so railroad workers can go on strike. 
be anti-war against Ukraine war, take schedule marijuana off of schedule one. This is a big one. Have no one from previous any previous administration, Republican or Democrat, serve in the White House or anybody from Wall Street or the financial service. So nobody gets a job. If they've served, they don't get a job. And, and that's pretty much it. If you can get real tangible wins, like a pardon for, if all we got was a person who got into office and gave a pardon to Julian Assange, that is a 100% win for the left, 100%. And no one else is offering that. You can just run on a few realistic things. You don't have to run for Medicare for all the time. Those things, we can still push for those. You don't have to run a candidate on that. Run a candidate on some things we can actually win. And these things we can, the president can do without the help of Congress, which you won't have. So that's, that's interesting. Well, I know Donald Trump is already trying to run on um, call for peace on day one between Russia and Ukraine. He's already put that message out there. I know people um, still have this idea of running the Democratic Party, but if you look at it, when he had a vote on the Ukraine war, it was 60 Republicans that voted against the Ukraine war. I mean, you can't deny that they're a little bit more anti-war than the Democrats. And you got Trump running on it, and he's probably the front runner. So... I still said, I mean, Trump is moving the party there, so you can sneak someone in, just do, do the same thing with the lift. He's never going to get a party to do an assignment or whatever. No, we know that. So if you could just be a little bit like Trump, maybe give up, give up a little bit on the um, immigration, immigration, just keep maybe immigration the same, get some real wins for the left. Just, it's not even. Yeah, but you're still not, running through. You're still running in a corporate party, and the Republican Party is not anti-war. I think we need to like dispel that myth. We really do. The Republican Party is not anti-war. Both parties are warmongers, and both parties are corporate and corrupt. So that's you're you're still having the same issue. No, the party is um, corrupt, but the voters in the Republican Party are definitely anti-war. They're way more anti-war than the part the people they elect. If you read, that's why I think Donald Trump knows this. That's why he's running an anti-war campaign. They're, the people in the Republicans are more anti-war than Democrat baseballs. I'm not talking about corrupt politicians. I'm just about people, everyday people. But the Republicans vote, are also anti-black, and you're not going to get around that easily, and you're not going to be able to lead that type of coalition through the Republican Party because the Republican Party is definitively anti-black. How are they anti-black? How many okay. constituency, how many of their that much how many of their policies no, no, speak no, to the needs of one. black I America? Want, I just want one. I just want one. Which, want, which of their policies speak to the needs of black America? Which one the Democratic ones speak to black America? The Democrats will do lip service to the cultural issues. They don't deliver anything, but the Republicans don't do that. And Donald Trump spoke specifically to the cultural needs of and the perceptions of poor white working class America. That's why on um, January 6th, the majority of those people you saw were basically working class white people because he spoke to their vernacular. Working class white people on the right are still working class people that we need to unite. Yeah, but there is no coalition between working class blacks and whites. And they know all they have to do is throw that race bone. And then, you know, the whole coalition comes apart. By calling 
white voters, white voters racist, you're actually dividing the working class right there. No, I'm not. I'm speaking to the reality. There is a racist element in the white side of the Republican working class. It's there. There's racist racist everywhere. It's not everywhere because not everyone has the power to institute policies. Racism has to do not only with your views about race, but the power to enforce it. Well, look, Obama was a black president. He was bombing uh, brown people. Obama was a white president in black skin. (laughs) Well, we're obviously not going to run a racist candidate. It would still be a Trojan horse through the Republican Party. If the racist is he won't vote for us. Okay, so to answer your question, what... uh, what what uh, thing about Republicans um, about regarding policy? Well, they won't honor their promise to uh, uh, honor their promise to provide uh, reparations for uh, the descendants of slaves, freedmen. That was a promise the Republican Party made. That's not a promise the Democrat Party made. So there's the one problem. Huh? Democrats aren't even paying lip service to it. Yeah, you may, do you think that we we like we're in league with Democrats or something? <laughs> it's like we I don't like any of these parties, Hector. Right. Right. We don't like any of these parties. Like you're trying to make it seem like, oh well the Democrats don't do this either. Yeah, we know that. We hate them too. Now, when you was talking about um what we gotta do to unite and unite and unite and unite, first you gotta get rid of the very thing that um one of the very things that divide us, and that's the parties. Because the parties create division, okay? People can't see past the damn party. They can't look outside the box of their party. You get rid of the parties, then you'll see um, coalition, you know, mm-hmm. uniting, maybe not on everything, but at least maybe on an issue-by-issue basis. Okay? Yeah, that's the point, Hector. I think that's the thing is, like, we don't want either of these parties. They're both corrupt. And I want no parties. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. The subject was who should we run? Right, but you was I was answering your question. You was talking about uniting. That's what you was talking about before. So I was responding to that. And the subject is John Stasevich is running as an independent and Nina Turner is a possibility as well. These are people as as independents, not as Democrat or Republican candidates. But I was thinking about what you said earlier, Sammy. You said we already have third parties, and they've gotten nowhere. I mean, group parties been around a long time. They've gotten nowhere. People parties not running out of I'm talking about for this specific election, there's no time to build a third party for this specific election. Why do you, you wait want- a minute, wait a minute. I have to ask this question. Why do people keep saying build a third party? We already have third parties. Why are people pretending like we don't have third parties in this country? And two... You don't have to run as a third party candidate. You can run as an independent. I think, Hector, I think you're still trying to put people in a party. Yeah, I'm trying to know. I'm trying to put someone in a position to win who we like. No, you had it right the first time when you said yes. (laughs) (laughs) You cut that. No, no, no. I mean, everybody seemed gung ho about Marion running in the Democratic Party. But I said, but if Marion ran. Who who's gung ho about that here? Yeah, who are you talking about? There was a lot. There's a, there's a group of people that are really interested in Marianne, right? Not this group of people. Not in this chat. 
Yes, but let's. There is. He does have some support. Let's not. Let's be honest. There is some Marion fans out there. Let's not be just zero fans. Right, but Marianne has nothing. Has nothing to do with. Marianne, it, as from what it sounds like, she made it pretty clear to me and Nick that she would be running through the Democratic Party. We're talking about people who will be running as independents. No one is going to win as an independent. That's my whole point. You can win through the primary of the Republican Party. You but, then you don't un- but then you don't understand the strategy, though, Hector. I you think see, the strategy is to win, to offer some tangible wins, to actually win something, not to just yeah, right. No, no. no you what? just you just proved my point. You don't understand the strategy. We already know a third party candidate or independent candidate is not going to win. Not this time around. We don't have the infrastructure built for it. We don't have enough ranked choice voting. That's not the strategy. The strategy is to get that candidate to garner enough support, at least five percent. Once you get to five percent, you get the federal funding. Once you get the federal funding. Then you get to another certain percentage and then you get on the debate stage and you change the fucking game. That's what happened with Ross Perot. This is why George H. Bush, this is why he lost. He was the incumbent and he lost because Ross Perot was able to take enough votes so that he was not reelected. That's that's the strategy. So then when you do something like that, so that Joe Biden, whoever is whoever is going to be there, whether it's Joe or somebody else in his place. So if they lose, then that sends a message to the Democratic Party that the American people don't want you no more. They're not falling for your BS. And that's how you get them to move on their positions. But you're not going to get them to move on their positions by continuing to put progressives into that party because we see what happened. You're putting them into a shark pit and they get eaten up. That's why I'm not advocating for putting anyone in that party. I think you gotta take you gotta you gotta take out one of the two parties because no, we gotta take built, out all the winner, parties. You, you gotta it's get rid of it's a winner take all system. So you need at least if whoever gets fifty percent gets all the votes. I mean, it gets everything. It's not like yeah, we have a parliamentary system where we get ten percent, we get ten percent of the our people, and we get zero. Yeah, but you're talking about operating within the system. I'm talking about changing the system, transforming the system. Yes, getting yes, rid, which takes for which, getting rid which you switch which Sammy said will take a while to build. I'm talking for this specific election, which you have one year to prepare for. If you want to run somebody, you run them this year through the Republican Party. And then you it'll take multiple elections to build up a third party candidate or an independent candidate to even a level we can compete. That's about this specific election there's no way you're going to win with independent. Your best option is to run through the Republican Party for this election. Trump is unpopular. Biden is un- unpopular. It's a. It's, I've never seen an opportunity like this for, for someone to come in and steal the election. But it's here's the thing. Party. It will still amount to nothing because you're going to have that divided Congress. And if they run someone through the Republican Party and they win who is not in alignment with what those Republicans who currently control the House are trying to do, they're not going to work with him either. So it's still a loss. You are right no. that it may take a few cycles to build out that um, independent third movement, but that is the right fight. We really don't have any other options. We're going to have to build it from the ground. You know, my thought was when Bernie was losing and he was, it was clear that the Clinton campaign had 
you know, rigged the whole campaign, he should have accepted Jill Stein's offer, gone to the Green Party and helped build that party out. They already had the infrastructure. He had a groundswelling of support. That would have been your robust, viable third party. Yep, it sure would have. And he had name recognition to do it. He had the money, the name recognition, the excitement, the hope. And he could have used that time to really underscore how corrupt the Democratic machine was and then just went ahead and swept through. We would have been ready by 2024. We would have been ready. Hector. Yep, we would have. Yes. We really would have. Yeah, Hector, that's what so we would have. I'm talking about right now. What can we do right now? Hector, Hector. Not what we could have done in the past. Yeah, go ahead. Hector, what was this thing when I when in the chat when she was interviewing um, Stashevich, and I was asking in the chat, hey, ask him about uh, lineage-based reparations, a national infrastructure bank, and ending qualified immunity. You told me in the chat, no, don't worry about that right now. Don't Put that aside. We don't need to talk about that. What, what was that about? Ah, she actually, she brought it up just a second ago, because you need, she said you can't do those things. No, no, no. I'm saying when you responded to me in the chat about that, you told me to Let put me that answer the question. Let me, I know the question. Let me answer it. Okay, go ahead. She said earlier that the, the things like Medicare for All and reparations we're not going to get because we don't have a Congress. So to ask for those things, it's like a caller said earlier, if you give people hope and you, and you wind up giving them nothing again, you, you're going to set them back. So I'm talking about some things you can actually do as president. Because we're talking about a presidential candidate. I'm talking about party in general, Sean's party never snowed You can do that even if everybody in Congress is against it. You can do those things if you win as president. You can't do reparations. You can't do medical fraud. You're not going to get any votes on it in the Senate. You're not going to get any votes for it in the Congress. All right, so then I won't vote for them I won't vote what? for them then. That's all. Yeah, but you're not going to get any. Do I mean, Julian, Assange, Julian Assange is in jail right now. We can get him out. We should do it. All right, so then let's run him for president then. I'll be good. He's not even a citizen. Yeah, no, whatever. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just, I have a question. Didn't Bernie Sanders say when he was running in 2020, didn't he say he would do Medicare for all on day one? Didn't he say that would be the first thing he did? I don't remember that. I don't know if he did. I could have sworn. I'll have to go back and look, but I could have sworn Bernie Sanders said he that would be the first thing that he did was Medicare for all. But you, the court's already ruled on it. You need a congressional approval to do it. Because it's, it's, it's about spending. That's I what I mean. You could do, do it unilaterally. You could try to do something. You could at least, you could advocate for it. You could talk about it. But, I mean, let's say there's a, we don't even talk about this. What if it's a Democratic Senate, Republican uh, Congress? I mean, you're not going to get anything done, really, so. No, I, I could have sworn I'll have to go back and look up that information, but I could have sworn Bernie Sanders said that that would be the one of the first things that he did by executive order. I do remember that, but I do want to move on to Delthea uh, Hector as well. I want to make sure I get to the other callers, but thanks so much for calling. Right. Good conversation. Bye, All right, Delthea, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Just got to hit the unmute button. Unmute, please. I hope it works. I know um sometimes you guys have told me that this unmute. Yeah, like I I see I usually don't call into people's shows. 
I usually don't. So I, I don't know how that happens. Let me see if I can make invite Delthea as a speaker. Sometimes that that solves the problem. But I invited you as a speaker, Delthea. If you drop off, I'll just send you an invite again. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Betsy. Betsy, what's up? What's your take on all of this? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. <clears throat> I was uh, freaking out. So I'm like, I don't want to go after Delthea. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so... Gosh, um, lots of thoughts. Sorry, I'm eating a little ice cream. I'm eating ice cream to stay warm. That should tell you how cold it is, the rest of you people. Um, That's something we do here in New England for people who are wow. not aware. It can be very cold outside, and we're like, let's go get iced coffee. Oh, totally. <laughs> mm -hmm. It still is really cold out. I mean, <laughs> I just had to let my dog out to pee, and it, it was just like, okay, this it's is not gosh. funny. What? And it froze. <laughs> I I wasn't looking. <laughs> I just know that she did her business and she was like, fuck this, I'm coming back inside. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so yeah, I mean I'm I'm pretty much you know, it's what what other people have said, which is uh I mean, John Shastovich was really disappointing. Uh at least compared to the other times I'd seen him um, on YouTube. And I, did you catch that, Sabi, when he said something to the effect of, like, he wanted Marianne Williamson to educate him on psychology. Oh. I think it was on psychology. Yeah, I was like, that's that would be your opponent. That would no. be your opponent. Well, yes and no. It, because if if he's running and he even I, I don't even know how he get on the ballot, but let's say he's on the ballot, he will be facing the winner of the Democratic primary, which will not be Marianne. So I don't I don't see how the two of them would ever be on a debate stage. I don't I don't they're not going to let him on a debate stage anyway. But, they didn't let Jill Stein. That, um, you know, forget it. Well, right? to me, um, John did not sound prepared. I felt oh, like he gosh. was more prepared the first time he came on than he was tonight. I I totally thought that as well. I felt like he was like, he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't really know. I'm like going to just talk to some people. And like, I mean, that's good if he's open-minded. And I hope he does talk to the abolitionists. I really do. Um, but I just got the sense that like, he's not he's right. He's not prepared. And I kind of, I would rather, I mean, he's, I don't know how old he is, but like, I'd rather see him if he really, really wants to do this, which it doesn't even sound like he does run for a, a lower office. I, I say, I bring in the age thing just cause it's like, I don't know how old he is. So if he runs for a lower office, he may not like he'll run out of runway if he really wants to do this. I, I, unlike other people, I was kind of dismayed to hear there's been a whole bunch of ages stuff and i really think yeah biden has shown that his age is an issue he's clearly in cognitive decline you compare to what he was like when he was vp mm -hmm. but is you know say what you will about bernie um you know in terms of his politics um and i'm you know someone who was felt i felt like i you know was sort of um 
fooled. Um, Bernie is, you know, he's like two, one or two years older than Biden, and he is still sharp as a tack. Um, so you can't, like, I say you, not you, Savvy, you, people who were saying, oh, he's too old and like all this. It's like, well, I, I think <clears throat> if he's around seven, I don't know how old he is. If he's around 70, I, Marianne Williamson is 70. Um, so then you have to use say, same argument against her. Oh, she's too old. You know, like, I I think there should be younger people who <laughs> who get in, you know, these, these positions. Um, but it's not because I think, oh, somebody's old and like, that makes them feeble and right. And cognitively, you know, because if Bernie had actually won, like, does anyone have any doubt that like, like he, his, his press conferences would not look like Joe's his, I mean, <laughs> it, it, right. We, we know that. So I just, I just want people to think about it and, you know, like yeah, I'm not I'm not advocating for a 95 year old to run for president, you know I'm not. But you know I don't I don't think that anybody would. So, um, but younger doesn't necessarily mean uh, better or more liberal. Or I mean, look at look at AOC, <laughs> right? She's younger than uh, than the bulk of us here, probably. Um, and- I think a lot of people just want someone that we haven't already been through this with before. I think a lot of people are like, can we please get someone that wasn't already a part of the Bernie movement? And I think oh, that's, I totally that's, agree. I think that's right. some of the reason why some people are like, yeah, I'm not feeling Nina anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I just think she's so right. She's like, she was against, you know, against running third party before she was for it, you know, and now she, and then, it's like yeah. she's so proud. She's so proud of like, oh, I'm on the. What'd she say? She's like, I'm on the Democratic, um, like committee, like, you know, whatever. I'm guessing like her state DNC. And on Twitter, she okay. She tweets. So I, I follow her. I was gonna unfollow her, and I I decided not to because I respond to a lot of what she tweets with generally the same line, which is, she'll say something that she's complaining about. Oh, we still don't have like. Oh, we still don't have healthcare. Oh, we still this like very like general things that like Democrats are clearly against. And so she'll complain about these things. Oh, the minimum wage is, is um or like like a carton of eggs is more than the minimum wage or you know whatever. And I always say the same thing, which is, "Well, why are you still a Democrat?" And no. you know like she's never ever answered. Nobody's even ever answered for her, which is kind of funny. I think somebody else tweeted that to her too. They're like, why are you still part of the Democratic Party? And she said in that, that interview with Jordan Sheraton, she yeah. said she is a Democrat. I know. And that's like, nope. So that's why I don't think she really would run third party. I mean, because if she, if she did, then the Democrats would, I mean, they already pretty much deserted her, but then they probably wouldn't let her attend meetings anymore. They, or they'd like ax her from the party. They'd be like, oh. Also, I guess she would have to unregister. I, I don't actually know Probably. how many of them You know what I mean? She may have to. How does that work in no Noel, you're in, in, in Ohio. How does that work in reference to voter re- uh, registration? What your register does? You have to, it's a closed primary. You have to be signed up as a Democrat or Republican to participate in the primary. But then once you get to the general, you can vote however you want to vote. Okay. But see, a part of the problem here is 
you know, this is basically a red state and Northeast Ohio up in the Cleveland area where I live is considered the Democratic stronghold in the red state. And that's where Nina Turner hails from. But the Democratic Party is like the thing. And when people were saying, oh, Nina could have run this. No, because these people are so heavily in the Democratic Party. And so feel a sense of betrayal on the ground from the rank and file Democrats because she, you know, what she said about Biden, even though it's proving to have been doubly true. It's just the Democratic machine has such a stronghold here, even though they're not doing anything. It's the machine. But my thing is, I wish with all of these people like John Stasevich and uh, Marianne Williamson and all these people who have resources, instead of trying to reach for the golden apple, which we know you're not going to get, take some of those tremendous resources you have and help organize and re-educate the masses of poor and working poor. That is a worthwhile endeavor. All of these swings at the top, just wasting resources, time and money. I'm like, child, get with, you know, get with Shama, say one and work a strike back and help Mm -hmm. try to really organize the working class in this nation, you know, and and prove to people that you really care. And that's the piece I don't understand either because ego. Yeah, because Nick and I did, I think Nick and I mentioned something like that to her. Like, I know I asked her, like, why not run for something on the local level? Because you have a better chance of getting some of those policies that you want to do. You have a better chance of getting that passed on the local level. Why not do that? I think Nick mentioned something to her about mutual aid or something at one point. And she said, yeah, I think those are all great efforts. But she said, you know, I could wake up one day and say, I'll, I'll do this, but I'm I'm focused on bringing the message to on a national stage. And so for me, it's just like, so what is it? It, Do you really want to help people or do you want like this status? Because to me, it's like if all you want to do is just help people, you can do that locally right now. She probably thinks Um, she already did that with all of her her self, you know, self-help books and her foundation stuff that she did. But yeah, so, I, I mean, it's, it's, there's like, it, it all comes back, you know, Eric says this a lot in the IMs and other people, money, it all comes down to money. Now she's already like very rich, but it's a grift. Mm-hmm. I, I just, and because, right. She's going to run all this money. Like I, first of all, she's not going to get a hundred million dollars from the working class. Like Bernie did. That's, that's like, no, no way is that happening. But it, I, I, it's like you now. get a taste of it and then you just want it it's like but it's like she she just really wants to be up there like debating against biden and then and then she'll be like okay i did that see i stood up for these things like and then she's like okay i'm done done with my day and like that's i think i feel like she's doing it just for that opportunity i really do yeah like she could get together with um I think Chris Hedges is, has decided to do this, but she can get together with Shama Sawant and, and work with her on, on worker strike back. Like why aren't more exactly. people trying to work 
with something like that instead of, oh, I'm going to run for president. Why are all these people like when Shama Sawant made that announcement and we have to keep talking about it because I noticed she made the announcement and all of a sudden it seemed like a lot of the tension just went back to Marianne Williamson's possible presidential run. She made that announcement. I would be would have been expecting. Well, are there any events? I feel like there needs to be, and I thought there was supposed to be something in March, maybe. But I, but then there's also the yeah, left the, is very focused on the anti-war rally coming up, so that could be part of it. Yeah, the launch is supposed to be in in um in March. But my thing is, is like I didn't even hear that many people talk about it. I didn't hear that many people in left independent yeah. media talk about. I got she lucky. Needs, like the, she needs to go on on like more shows and talk about. I mean, I, I don't know. I think on, she need to go yeah. back on Jimmy's show. She need to go yeah. on Jimmy's show and bring it. She need to be, go on uh, breaking points. Like I like I don't know. Like it just. I'm just she saying should be that at the like, anti war march too. Or well, you know, but, the, but you know they got they got to reach out to her though and bring her on because the thing is is like I got lucky. It just so happened the day it was announced. I had already, I said, oh, I'm going to talk about this tonight. And one of the the guys from Socialist Alternative, he saw my tweet and he said, would you be interested in bringing her on to, to announce it? And I said, oh, absolutely. So I just happened to get lucky. And That's I know awesome. she mentioned it on, um, on Bree's show. But I mean, like when she made this announcement, I really felt like everyone in left independent media should have been reaching out to her to bring her on to have the discussion. But... But um, no, it's like all the focus <laughs> went from that to Marianne all the Williams. Oxygen went out of the room. <laughs> there's like, yeah, yeah it, there's a lot, I think a lot going on, you know, and maybe it's like, there's only so much that people can absorb and like focus on. And it's like, there's like, it's like, bam, bam, bam. There's like always something going on. There's like, oh, with all that, all the drama, you know, with um the the last three minutes of, you know, the interview you guys did with Marianne, then that was, that's been like huge. I mean, I, I listened to Bree's call in la uh, last night, um, but I, w I didn't like call in or anything. I was just listening. And I, I feel like it was, it was brought up again. It's like enough. Yeah, work this worker strike back? No, the, oh. the, the fallout from the, from your guys' interview with Marianne. See, honestly, like looking back Isn't it at like it, two like weeks already, it's like honestly looking I, back at it, like I, I kind of wish we didn't do the interview. I really do. I, I kind of wish it never yeah. happened because I mean, again, it does show a lot of people who Marianne really is, and I think there are people who didn't realize it. But right, but at it, what it took, right at what cost? I mean, it took I the know. focus. It took the focus away from Shama's announcement. And it put the focus on to Marianne Williamson's interview with us. And that's that's the thing. It's like more people should be talking about worker strike back, but they're not. They're talking about. I need to be better about it, about telling like friends and and, you know, like other just people in, in progressive groups that I'm part of. Like I do. I I constantly, though, post the the link like when I'm on like your live chat or whatever to remind people, you know? Yeah, because people were already trying to smear. I had to yeah. tell you guys, because I had to reach out to Ryan Grimm and let him know. Ugh. Because it's, he was the first one to jump on on Twitter and try to smear Shama's announcement. He Ugh. didn't even he didn't even look at the, the, the site to see what it was. And he looked at a tweet from someone else 
and retweeted and already started smearing and saying, oh, didn't we learn from the People's Party? Nothing came out of that. What's going to happen with this? Da, 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 da. And then I DM'd him and I said, Ryan, this is not a political party. And he was like, well, the person who tweeted this, I was like, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Here's the website to Worker Strike Back. And I said, and here's the link to the interview that I did with Shama Sawant. I interviewed her last night when it was announced. So then you know what happened? He went back and deleted that tweet. (laughs) That reminds me, Sabi, that that video of like about your family and that whole thing, which I I actually hadn't seen because I hadn't found it. And then I did find it. And then it was it had been deleted or like removed you know, by the whoever posted it. That thing where the, um, when he said that he wanted to talk to Marion Williamson, that was about uh, reparations, wasn't it? No, 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 Roger. I know I pretty, I mean, we have to go back and look. I thought, cause he had been talking about the police needing, needing training and like, and he talked about the psychological education. And then I thought that's when he, he was like, oh yeah, I want to, you know, talk to Marianne, have her educate me on psychology. That's what I thought. It was. Yeah. Betsy's right. Because uh, when we talked about reparations, I told him that he should reach out to um, Ados groups uh, for okay. clarif- for clarification on that to come up with a plan. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, hey, Roger, you need to check your Discord because I've tagged you there and we're talking about the uh, ballot initiatives in Ma- Massachusetts. Um, and I know, Sabi, you can talk some other time about when when Senator Eldridge is going to come on. I know it's it's delayed. I know you saw the back and forth. I did. No, I did. But it's but um, I'm excited because it sounds like it is going to happen. And uh, and he also wants uh, to do a Zoom meeting with those of us who are interested. um, I just found out about that today. Yay. I'm excited. So um, so I'm going to. But that's why, Roger, you need to like check your discord and like anybody else who's interested. I set up I set up an email address. It's it's ma dot ballot dot initiatives with an S at gmail dot com, or you can contact Eric. But like you know, so if you're not on Discord, we want to know who you are. You don't have to live in Massachusetts. Um, that obviously helps. But like right. Roger, like be awesome but, for well, you me, to be involved. But, yeah. Okay, but the thing is, Eric had hooked me up with the Discord thing, right? Yeah. And then that thing kept going off. Alert, 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 alert. Oh, you have to turn the notifications off, uh, Roger, or it'll do that all day. Yeah. But I I thought I did that, and it still kept going. Alert, 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 alert. So I just said, ah, I just, like, rip the thing out. I can't deal with that. Do you have a a laptop, Roger? Yes, I do. So I I don't, so maybe you can access Discord on your laptop, and then you won't have all of those things pop up as an idea. I'll, I'll, I'll try it again. Eric. Anyway, uh, anyway, I want to, but I want to, I want to make sure you're in the loop about, about, and sorry, we switched topics, but, um, but I've just, you know, re- remembered. So, um, cause yeah, it sounds like the meeting's going to be, I mean, like, like soon, um, yeah. if people can do it. 
Yeah. So uh, that like works next, for me. Like next, potentially next week. Well, or would that be two weeks? It would be before the live stream. So it, you know, would be a chance for us to just kind of get the ball rolling on potentially doing a ballot initiative for public banks, um, hearing about maybe other initiatives he's aware of that might be happening and just kind of get us, yeah. get us started, you know, get things moving. Um, so but, Betsy, uh, do you get the sense in, in general is, is Jamie Eldridge like into the idea of ballot initiatives? Cause I know he's trying to oh, yeah. put these things through as, as legislation. Is he kind of no, on the I inside? Think, I think my sense is he is. Um, he was honest and said, well, you're going to have to raise at least $2 million if you want to have a chance of winning. I mean, it's, it's, you know, well, frankly, I find it kind of like that kind of concerning, no but yeah. 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 But, um, these, no, but these he, initiatives and stuff cost money. Yeah. Like they cost a lot of money. It's not easy it's, to it's the educate you. It's the education, you know, yep. to people. Cause people are going to go vote. They're like, I don't know what the hell a public bank is. Like they might, I don't know, just seeing the word public bank, like that might, Oh, that's a great idea. Or they'd be like, Oh my God, banks are awful. Like it, it could go either way, you know? But I, I, I think, I think though that he's in favor. And the reason that I say that is because um, there was something similar, uh, Savvy and Eric, you remember this, this just a few years ago, um, they were trying to pass, uh, this is what I thought they were, there was legislation to raise the minimum wage to $15 in Massachusetts, but you know, like a gradual and it wound up, it wound up being a ballot measure, but I, but what happened was, and the ballot measure passed, but the ballot measure passage triggered not not legally, but I mean, it, it got it basically got the the mass legislature to make these sort of tweaks. They're like, oh, OK, yeah, we got that. OK, so now we have this law and then they changed this stuff. Do you remember this, Sabi and Eric and anyone else, Massachusetts? They they like basically made it such that you can't get uh, like if you're a manager, like a certain level employee, you cannot ha- work overtime or you can't get time right. and a half. Or you can't. Right. Did you guys remember this? Right. I, I vaguely remember this. Okay. Yeah, I may be getting the details slightly off because it was several years ago. But basically, like, so, 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 and sometimes in other cases, I can't think of an example off the top of my head because I'm a little bit, you know, I had an edible and I had my ice cream. So I'm kind of chill, Betsy, right now. Is <laughs> <laughs> Is um no I'm not stoned I'm just I'm just kind of chilled out. Is that um uh lost my train train of thought there? The um so you have an initiative so so let's say you pass an initiative sometimes just the seeing that oh my god the voters they're you know are gonna are like yeah, it, it'll put pressure on them right yeah it puts the pressure on them Left, and then that, they want yeah. maybe right. So yeah, like definitely a thing. having the initiative could be, and then if the legislature sees that, wow, the public is really behind this, they, they would rather have the legislation. They'll have more control over it. 
Because they, they, they got like, egos. Politicians yes. have egos. Yeah. I don't even care. Because like, right, if that gets like, us a public bank, do I really give a shit how? Yeah, I don't care if they get credit for it. Like that's the thing. I don't, I don't even care. I don't care if Republicans vote. I don't for care it. if if the politicians well, well, get the credit for it because you know they're going to take credit for anything that we do anyway. But I don't even care. <laughs> this is true. I don't care if they get the credit for. It. I just want it. I just want to make it a possibility for it to happen. Yeah, you know exactly. I guess I'm, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if we can think a little bigger, and and think of of trying to have this more like a little movement, even if it's just a a Massachusetts movement. But I I'm, I'm kind of imagining this the idea of putting together a package of ballot initiative. You know, basically kind of this demands type stuff, and kind of oh, trying to make that. make it a little bigger and make it you know. And it, I guess it needs like almost like a branding or. An organization yeah. or something like that but i guess maybe we, we can start brainstorming and thinking about that angle as well yeah and for those of you well those of you who yeah. are listening like especially those of you that live in ballot initiative states you could do the same thing you could do the same thing get something oh, going in your state. that would be awesome if we had this i'm serious like, like the state say there were three ballot initiatives and like you had 10 states and they were all doing the same yep. three with this movement you know who you know right, who we can partner with. Like now, I don't want to get too much in the weeds with this. I want to get to the other callers too. But you know who we can. Well, I already had the weeds, so it's oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> deep in the weeds. Sorry, in the weeds, kind of. Someone who might be uh, interesting to partner with that have done a lot of ballot initiatives is Washington State. I know they're on the West Coast, but I'm just saying, like, they may be interested in doing something like that too because they just they passed so many things there. Well, you don't have you know, to go of course, are there other people who are already done that in Mass, in Massachusetts? So we got to get with some of them too. Of course. Yeah. You don't. You yeah. don't have to I go. Still, the, yeah. Go ahead. You don't have to go all the way across the country. Maine no. is a ballot initiative state, also. Even though they could only do law, they can't do amendments. Yeah. But to answer your question, Betsy, before about them tweaking the minimum wage, that's because the, you guys passed it as a law, not as an amendment. That's why I always say. Whenever it comes to punching up in power, yeah. you have to pass these things as an amendment to your state constitution. Oh. Because when yeah. you pass it as an amendment to your state constitution, yeah. they have to, the government has to ask you, can they repeal it, change it, weaken it, or whatever. But when you just pass these things as law, they don't have to ask you to tweak it, to change it, to repeal it, or amend it. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. I think the threshold is higher, though, if it's for a constitutional amendment. I don't know if that's like to well, get it on the ballot the, or to. Of course, it's going to be, but it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want. Yeah, I just I want to do the thing that will get us the public bank sooner. Um, yeah, but I understand more, that. But the thing is, I understand. I understand that. But what happens if you get? for instance oh we got a good public bank right here by law and then they decide hey we're gonna make some tweaks to it and put a couple of loopholes there then all that work you would have did would have been for nothing it's just better to do it as an initiative for an amendment i hear what you're saying yeah, roger but I, I think it kind of speaks to a bigger problem of no matter what gets implemented it it's it can be really at the mercy still somewhat at the mercy of the legislature and the bureaucracy and the people implementing it. And that's why like, well, like my focus is really 
on the corruption and the money and public financing of yeah. elections and, do that and clean elections because yeah, clean right better I'm, I'm talking about prioritizing that i'm talking about making that really the number one the core thing because that that affects everything else and and if we can make some progress on cleaning up who's in the legislature and who they serve you know then that affects all the other problems you know that that gets us a long way so that, that's mm-hmm. why it's my focus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I want to make priority. sure I'm moving on to the to, – I just want oh, to – some people have been waiting for a while. But, yeah, Betsy, I saw um, – uh, what do you call it? Yeah, like in reference to that video or whatever, like honestly, there's just two things people need to know about me or maybe one thing people need to know about me. You know – Wait, which video? Like you were just Yo, the video earlier. Oh. Yeah, about my family. Yeah. You say people can yeah. say whatever they want about me, but you do not go after my family. That's where I draw the line. And to see people who yeah, basically Joy lost her Savage Joy lost her shit. She lost her shit on Twitter when she saw that you blocked her, and she's she was been just blocked like, for a while. Let's make something very stuff. clear here. Let me tell you guys something. Yeah. Let me tell you, it's very funny to yeah. me when people just realize they're blocked. She has been blocked for a <laughs> while because I got tired of the vindictive bullshit. I got tired of it. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I got tired of seeing people attack that group, that group from Medicare for all organization. I got tired of seeing them attack people on Twitter all the time, say, we're going to purge like these people, literally this girl said so much shit about my family on Twitter. I have never even met her in person, not once. She's been on my show to promote the marches. I defended her when she got attacked the first time they did the marches, when G-Hive trolls came after her and everything. I defended her. JB defended her. We brought them on RBN multiple times to promote these marches and to talk about the efforts. We had been a supporter of the March for Medicare for All organizations since day one. We were one of their biggest cheerleaders. So, like, this girl had the audacity to double down. Yeah. It was just like, I'm like, what are you, what the fuck is she saying? Because, again, she was blocked. So the reason why I saw this stuff is because people sent me screenshots. She was blocked that whole time. That whole time when she was talking about my mm-hmm. husband and my family, the bitch was blocked. <laughs> that needs to be a T-shirt. The bitch was blocked. But... Yeah, but Jesus, it's really like, unfortunate. She's, she's fucking so, crazy. This woman so, was crazy. This yeah. woman, I was like, what the hell is wrong with this and woman? And now she's a Marianne stan. She wouldn't even know Marianne if it wasn't for me. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, she didn't mention like, that. It's just, that, that was crazy to me. And then it's like, you said all this shit about my family. You And then, yeah, and then you want to cry? So- you want to cry and say, oh, my God. Out of the-. Then she tried to come back and say, the video was trash and I didn't like the video. Bitch, I got screenshots of all the shit you were saying. <clears throat> if someone sneezed, uh, gives on tight. That was me. Someone I'm like sorry, it. but, like, you do not. Oh, you no. leave my family yeah, alone. This woman wouldn't leave my family alone. I was like, what the hell is wrong with her? Why are you obsessed with my husband? Do you need a man? And well, she's she's married. 
Well, she should focus but on yeah, him. I know. Or, or, or focus on Medicare for all. But like, it's, yeah, the other, it's just ridiculous. And it's not, it's totally not just ridiculous. me. They, they come after other people's family too. They had another organizer. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Because had- every time this happens and then I'm like, oh, I'm like, it just, it makes the left seem even smaller. No, she because likes there's to so throw rocks at people. She yeah. likes to throw yeah. punches at people on Twitter. But the moment you turn around and you punch her ass back, then she wants to go cry. And then she'll vent on Twitter and say, I'm deactivating my account because somebody came after me and da, da, da. As if she didn't throw the first punch. Keep in mind, I haven't spoken to this woman in months. In months, I have not spoken to her. And out of nowhere, she comes with savvy husband, savvy husband job. Savvy has a house. Bitch, I've always said I had a house. So for her to say that we were friends, that goes to show you just how little she knew me. God. I can't, I can't. It's like they go from one person to another. They did this with one of their own organizers. They publicly shamed him. They freaking filed a lawsuit against him because he did not want to be a part of their organization and left and joined another organization. They filed a lawsuit against this man. And then they had the nerve to say he was a bad father on Twitter. And his wife had to jump into the conversation and say, do not call my husband a bad father. You don't know anything about him. Instead of apologizing, they fucking doubled down, Betsy. They they doubled down. These people are vindictive and they're full of shit. Anybody who tries to say we should do the state-by-state tra- uh, strategy and we should do the national strategy, they smear you, they come after you in the dirtiest way. Again, I don't care if they talk shit about me. But when you go to the point where you go after my family members, they went after my fucking sister-in-law. What the fuck is wrong with these people? That's like, like borderline stalkerish. It's these people have no lives. They're unhappy, miserable people. And then you want to go run and cry and make it seem like you're a victim. Your tears don't mean shit to me because what you did was the lowest of the low. I ain't trying to have no conversation with you. Do not contact me. Do not try to befriend me. That shit is dead. And the, the sad part of it, I mean, there's so many sad parts, the sad part, and then, you know, I'll, I'll go because there are other callers, but it's like all of this time spent on this and even like us talking about all of it, it's like all that time should be used on the ballot initiatives, move, you know, workers movement, anti-war, local elections, and it's like, you know, that's <laughs> time we're, we're not not going to get back. It's more energy. So we just have that's to, time right? that they could be putting so into fun. their own action, I know. their own action. And then it's the same Absolutely. thing last year. Like they got upset because they had a really low, really low turnout. Right. Compared to the year before you had a low turnout because all year long you were shitting on other activists, other healthcare activists publicly on Twitter. You were taking down your own freaking comrades who supported your efforts along with the two who were a part of the marches the year before. And then you surprised that you got a low turnout. People are tired of the bullshit. I ain't got time for it. And ain't nobody tears going to make me change the way I feel. It's a hot damn mess. Amen to that. 
She may, they mess with the wrong yeah. one because I'm not one that's going to sit up there and cower and run away like some of the other people. They've pushed people off the fucking internet, you guys. This is how far they've gone before. They've embarrassed people and caught after people so many times that the people felt like they shouldn't be on Twitter. They've left the internet completely. No, you throw punches at me, I'm going to come back and punch your ass. It's not going to be a physical punch, <laughs> but it's going to be a rhetorical one. And I and I honestly, in, in what I said in that stream, I was actually pretty nice because I didn't mention I didn't I mention their so. names. I was actually pretty I nice, but great. after the shit, you're always like seriously, Savvy. I like to say you're sa you're classy and sassy. So many other things. You're both. So many other things. If I wanted to go low and dirty, there's so many things that she has sent me that I could have revealed to everybody. That she would not want you to see, but I didn't do no, that stay because I'm that. not a vindictive person. Yeah, yeah. No need to stoop to their level. I just all the other thing I want to say is I guess I don't I don't understand. I'd love to you know be able to psychoanalyze them. Like why are why do they do this when they're fighting? We believe in the same cause. And it's like, there is such a thing it's just so infuriating. You know, there what? is, there is, there is such a thing as infiltrators and, you know, well, deep state budgets dedicated to messing with the left. So I'm not saying there's proof of that, but you gotta wonder. But, but, yeah. I think a lot of it is ego based on what I've seen. Oh. A lot of it is ego. Ego. We want to That's be so the only ones to claim type of, you know, because otherwise, why would you care what people are doing in, in Washington state? Why does that even concern you? Focus on your own fucking action. Yep. Crazy yeah. ass people. Oh, Crazy ass. Yeah. All right. So, Ma so Massachusetts peeps and anyone else, Roger, anyone who's interested, if they're in a state where maybe you don't have ballot initiatives and you want to maybe learn or whatever, along with us, um, you know, just uh, contact, contact, you know, Eric, Sabi, uh, be on Discord, whatever. Um, and maybe we'll post that, that email address again, but I'll put it in the chat. But um, but it'd be great, you know, to really, you got to get this rolling, like time's a waste. Awesome. Yes. All right, let me bring in Thanks, Snork really quick, because I know Snork's been Good waiting night. for a while. Stay warm. Thanks so much. All right, Snork, you are here. Can't hear you though. Is it working now? <laughs> I can hear you now. Okay, I was about to say it might have happened again. Go ahead. Okay, one thing that went over really quickly and nobody noticed probably was he talked about uh, fusion being uh, safe and effective. Basic, I can't remember exactly how he called it. Uh, the, fusion, as most people are talked about, do not understand the simplified drawings that they have they do produce radiation they do have radioactive waste there are problems with what's going on and we cannot immediately be able to say hey let's put one in every corner of the of, of the of the country uh as bad as it is once because it actually uses uh neutrons to control to make the heat and it, it is not using hydrogen as a fuel as it's represented it's using either deuterium or deuterium with with uh, uh, tritium. They're called hydrogen, but they are two different beasts. 
And they uh, basically, like I said, they have neutrons and hyd hydrogen doesn't. So I view it as a, oh, most of the people that say that it's, it's like this, I believe do not actually understand how bad it really is. Now, I'm not saying that it can't eventually be solved. I mean, usually if you have a problem, we can solve it over many, many centuries. But right now, we could not say in five years, we can have fusion everywhere. We have to be very, very careful of what goes ahead with the fusion. Uh, we have things that hardly any people have even been told about with, with radiation, like, like sky shine. And uh, it's really not well taken, taken out. Uh, yeah, a reference for it. Uh, look up, uh, uh, look up fusion, uh, uh, neutron heating, and, uh, uh, also look up, uh, the tritium, uh, breeding, but, uh, for, for the rest of it, uh, we, like I said, we have to take that as a grain of salt. Uh, also, like I said, I've been, I was in Iowa. And I, at the time that, that uh, Rokana and Tina were put on the, on, on the uh, campaign for Bernie, I always felt that the two of them were there only to, to uh, impede his uh, electability, not to increase it. The person they had before, Misty Ribic, uh was really good, and she was the one that really created the the uh, the uh, campaign that got him going, they pushed her out. What happened to? I'll let somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I heard about that stork. Let me ask you another question. Whatever happened to Zephyr Teach out? Because I feel like she was pushed out too. I'm not sure. Uh, is Rosie still on? No, I think Rosie. I was going to say, did I meet Rosie in Cedar Falls, Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Roger. But. Uh, want to know where Zephyr Teach Out is now? Yeah, what happened to her? Because she wrote that article and I felt like she got pushed out after she wrote that article. So, you. oh, you're welcome. She works for the Attorney General. She works for Letitia James now. Okay. Uh, might be hard to get her on then. It might be. It <laughs> might be hard. It's hard to get, uh, when you start talking about the AG level, it's kind of hard to get some of those people to come on. Yeah, yeah, she works for, because... Oh, you too. Have a good night. Um, the attorney general knew that she would be a um, a a, uh, a formidable foe because she had a hard time beating her when they ran against each other. So she said, later for this, I'm bringing her in. Yeah, because she wrote that article so where she was revealing what was happening with the Democratic Party during the Bernie campaign. And Bernie Sanders walked it back. Yeah, yeah. Gave an address, gave her a dressing down, but yeah, yeah. She's she's been you know working. It, it, there was probably maybe a deal there where it's just like, yo, if I decide to go, because here's the thing. She she said that um, if I decide to go to you know run for governor, then you could take this seat. You can run for this seat. And that's exactly what Zephyr Teachout said when, which you know, when the when the primary was coming up, um, Letitia James launched her campaign. So Zephyr Teachout was getting ready to launch her campaign for Attorney General, and then 
<laughs> Letitia James ended her campaign. It was just like, nah, I don't know what was said to her or whatever the case was. So <laughs> Zephyr Teach, I was like, all right, well, I guess I keep working for you then. <laughs> uh oh, did I lose you? Snort. Oh, oh I'm, I'm still here. Uh, so Eric had one other comment back there. I lost it already. Sorry about that. Um, the reactors I've made have been ion decay uh, reactors. Small, we call them reactors. We're not really reactors, just a power supply. Uh, they're the most uh, most reliable there are. That doesn't mean they're safe. I don't want to see them in public. Uh, they're what the uh, spacecraft use. They're what we used for uh, uh, Dick Cheney's heart. And uh, uh, so they're easy to make. Able, like one about the size of a, a triple A or yeah, double A battery. Uh, and uh, um, but. Uh, we had a, a licensed uh, nuclear facility, so NRC license. So we did it safely, but I, I, you know, our concern was, you know, we couldn't put this out in the public because people get a hold of the stuff. You don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, so we have tons and tons and tons of radioactive material. I only would want that to be used in an extreme secure environment. I don't want to see everybody having a nuclear reactor on the on the street corner which is what right now um some of the gates uh, people are mentioning that they want to have small uh, uh ship-sized nuclear reactors in in small towns ready to go and i'm just i think it's an absolute nightmare so very few engineers actually have very much uh, radiation experience those of us that do, many of us are very, very concerned, not just of of issues of how we handle things, but the availability of what happens if somebody does something malicious with it. And another problem we have, if there is an extreme natural disaster, such as uh, anything that causes like a volcano going off or or even just a large storm, uh, how we get cooling to, to a reactor while it goes down. Now, when a fusion reactor goes down, uh, we would lose the ability for uh, the uh, magnetic field to go. So pretty quickly it would go down, but people forget that because of the neutron flood of everything going around, that nuclear reactor or that, that fusion reactor around around the containment vessel is just as reactive as a uh, new regular fission reactor and it will be for like two or three hundred years wow you are a wealth of knowledge snork i wish you would have been on that interview <laughs> well again like i said i didn't really want to cut in that much i just uh a, nuclear background is like i said really poor you know, until you actually have to dive in and, and do it for work. And that wasn't my main thing. I'm not a nuclear engineer. I, I was a manufacturing engineer, so I just had to work with it. Uh, but uh, uh, it was uh, different. What do you think well, about that thing with the, um, the with, that was done in the Financial Times? They was talking about there was some type of breakthrough with... Oh. Uh, this you is just like about. flying cars. We we're, we have a lot of people doing research on it. This was, uh, I believe the one you're talking about was done at Lawrence Livermore Labs. Did you take That's a look it. at that piece of equipment? 
Lawrence Livermore are very, very, very capable people. I don't think you'll find a single person in there who is not capable of doing what they did. You were not looking at just a billion dollar piece of equipment. That was a major piece of equipment. Was there any discussion about what fuel was used? And if they did mention fuel, did they say hydrogen? Some, some people will actually not call it hydrogen. They'll call hydrogen protium, <laughs> which is a hydrogen that has no neutrons. No good for, no good for creating power. So hydrogen, you can burn in your oven, whatever. So uh, it says, oh, so it deuterium. says, here, which, oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. I was just saying, it says here in the article, Within the sun, fusion continually combines hydrogen atoms into helium, producing sunlight and warmth that base. Okay, they're talking about the sun. Earth fusion lives up to its reputation as a very clean energy. Okay, I, I thought I was like trying to look through something where it says again, again, we have a whole oh, bunch of maybe this is it. The laser beams entered at the top and bottom of the cylinder, vaporizing it that generated an inward onslaught of x-rays that compresses a bb-sized fuel pellet of deuterium and tritium deuterium and tritium tritium the heaviest forms of hydrogen in a brief moment lasting less than 100 trillionths of a second 2.05 megajoules of energy Roughly the equivalent of a pound of TNT bombarded the hydrogen pellet. Our out, outflowed a flood of neutron particles, the product of fusion, which carried about three megajoules of energy, a factor of 1.5 in energy gain. So, that, yeah. So, like, like I, I, the beginning, that but I, I know I can't talk much about nuclear reactions, but um, at the beginning of a, a bomb going off, all, all of the stuff after. Uh, after Hiroshima, the the biggest thing that's going to kill you is going to be first the flash of the neutrons coming out of it, and then, mm -hmm. then we later on we just said, hey, let's just make the neutrons. We actually came up with what we call the neutron bomb, <laughs> blasted a bunch of neutrons out and kill everybody. Yet, even in their article, they talk about the neutrons being the source of heat. <laughs> the next thing is they say on the sun, the part of the sun that has a fusion reaction, we do not see. It, it takes a, a long time for the, the light to actually come from the middle to get to the outside. So uh, the fusion all, is only happening at a very high uh, pressure. The sun is many times bigger than the earth. So you have all that pressure of all that gas and stuff pushing in on it. So there's all kinds of other types of going. And I'm sorry, I don't want to turn in this, this into a lecture. <laughs> but you have all kinds of stuff going on that get left out when very little information is actually being taken out. You will not see much information hardly ever come out of Lawrence Livermore. So if even if you have a, you wouldn't even have probably a camera taken into those areas without permission and what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's uh, interesting. So uh, Lawrence Livermore is, sorry, is a national nuclear and scientific lab. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've heard pros and cons about it. Um, your pickup on I think that that's you know that's something that he would have to he would have to look at. I always try to redirect people to the Green Party's platform in reference to like 
you know, climate reform and things like that, because they have like step by step, like plan. And, but, you know, Diane Sarah, like she disagreed with what the Green Party had on their platform for climate. Like she was also uh, pro nuclear. So also, also um, Snart, if one thing, whatever we decide to do with the power, it should be even uh, nationalized, stationalized, municipalized, or uh, ran by a utility cooperative. Because once you start handing over these power plants, you don't want to be handing nuclear power plants over to, to private interest, and then, and then it goes public, and then the shareholders get uh, their hand on it, and they're not concerned about safety. So you have a bunch of cutting corners and all different types of stuff. So I, and I just it, think it's a little troublesome too. When if you have actual knowledge in the nuclear field, there is a point where you no longer even have to answer the questions of the president. Um, so I I don't like that to be into a for profit um, system. Right. Exactly. So um, so I, I mean uh, some areas they get real sensitive uh, if we're pushing the boundaries, so you can't can't go on much. But most of the boundaries that were, were we were given were in fission, hmm. and like I said, the the type of that I feel that we should be using our nuclear waste because our nuclear waste is still producing power. I mean, it it, it takes it out; it's going to be given off its power. We should be re recapturing that heat and using it. We don't. Um, yeah, many places yeah. like, for instance, uh, there's a town in Iowa called uh, uh, Clinton, where. I would say probably hundreds of millions of BTUs of fuel are used per day to draw dry corn. And it's mm -hmm. corn is used to make everything from, from uh, alcohols to syrups to everything else. And um, they vent that heat to the air. And to me, if we were thinking on a public site, we should be capturing all of that heat, piping it around in, the whole city should be using that for heat instead of burning fuel. Heat pumps. Yeah, well, actually, you could call it a heat pump, but it's actually just pumping the heat. <laughs> Whereas mm -hmm. a pump, it's actually exchanging heat out. But in, in this case, um, and this was done in many of the nuclear reactors in Europe, was uh, they would actually, for cooling towers, they would actually pump the, the, the uh, exhaust, exhaust water out to the areas. Now this water is not radioactive. This is water that's been heated by other pieces of metal that, that shielded it from it. So it was basically safe water. It would go out, and after the fall of the the uh, uh, Soviet Union and all of the countries uh, were, you know, basically the Iron Curtain fell. Uh, when we would talk to the scientists afterwards, they would all say the one thing they really missed was the towns that had the nuclear reactors always were nice and warm. <laughs> And it wasn't the heat from heat from the radiation. It was the heat from the, the cooling method. Whereas we built all of our nuclear reactors on the sides of rivers where we would suck up vast amounts of water from the rivers and uh, vent it to the air. And now many of the reactors we have, we even in Georgia a few years ago, we almost had to shut down nuclear reactors because there wasn't enough water in the rivers to keep the reactors cool. There's plenty of fuel, but... Uh, you know, the amount of cold stuff we had was, was the issue. And we still have that issue. We, the worst nuclear reactor we have probably in the world 
is on the southern tip of uh, uh, India. So we remember what happened to Fukushima. An earthquake happened off of off of the shore and basically uh, uh, flooded the reactor. Well, you build a, a nuclear reactor at the tip of India, you're vulnerable to uh, earthquakes from two directions. Uh, I don't know anything else ab about it, but if anything, I would say that reactor should be shut down and dismantled. <laughs> but uh, you know, of course, you know when you're looking at it, the ocean, like like in Japan, was used as a, a good source of cold water uh, for cooling. And if we look along the south coast of the United States, uh, there was a nuclear reactor built off of, I believe the town of San Diego. Uh, I forgot the name of it. But it was just sitting there right in the ocean, right by the beaches, just so it could use the water. And this is all over the place. If we go into uh, towns along Illinois, uh, all the big communities that used to have multiple nuclear reactors around them, they're all built on the river systems. And, okay. and sorry, I should let you somebody else go. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Snork. I mean, like I said, your wealth of information, like this is really good to know. Um, I've been wanting to have like a climate change discussion on YouTube, but that's honestly, that's one of the flag categories for YouTube, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even, even, you know, we can get, people telling us we have to not talk about some issues. So we have to be careful. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Thank you so much for calling in Snork. I'm going to go to cryo. You got to get those discussions on Rockfin only. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if you look at the, the YouTube guidelines, like climate change is one of the categories that they flag. What's going on cryo? You just have to unmute. I checked YouTube's new guidelines because they did update their guidelines for this year and they've made it more strict. That's why I was telling you guys about the profanity. Like now they have a stricter policy on profanity. Like it's, it's crazy. I mean, I don't cuss a lot on stream anyway, but still you just have to be careful what you say. Just have to hit unmute. Could be grayed out again. If it's gray, can you let me know in the chat? I'll, um, invite you to speak we'll see if that works and then i'll bring in uh neo you are the next caller just have to unmute we'll see if it works with uh-oh i think neo tried to unmute and dropped off yeah i don't know why this app does that let me see if it brings him back up okay let's try it again uh neo i just made you the caller I see K-Steady is in the house. We'll make him a speaker. What's going on? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Savvy. How you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm good. I was just about to fall asleep. I barely <laughs> I barely realized you were calling me up just now. Listen, um, I heard you talking earlier about the that hit piece video, and I just wanted to say that was awful. Um, and... Um, I don't know. I felt bad to see that out there. Um, and yeah, anyways, it's like, to... like, you, like, I honestly, like, I could have gotten a restraining order against those people. <laughs> right. Like, and, that was just like. Any, and in any like, event, like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to make your blood boil about it anymore. I just, I just want to say, like, sorry to see that that was out there and that you had to deal with all that. It's just crazy. Like, these same people, like, back when we had our previous Discord, <sighs> before we were RBN, back when we were FHL. 
mm-hmm. and we had the FHL Discord. Yeah, right. One of the yeah. people that's that's a part of this this crazy ass group. They were one of the people, and we knew because we were able to track the IP address. They were one of the people that were posting pictures of Jackie getting her head cut off in yeah, our Discord, cool. and we had to shut down the whole Discord. They were posting racist pictures in our Discord. They were posting violent pictures of people getting their heads, RBM members getting their heads cut off. Yeah, these people, I told you, I said, these people are fucking crazy. They're fucking crazy. Mm. Yeah, and 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 another thing, I just wanted to start um, before talking about any other things that um, by telling to you real quick about how I found your channel like a year back, because um, you really pulled me out of like a filter bubble, let's say. I used to listen to... Um, Kyle Kalinske basically for like all my you know takes on the left on what's going on and um you had had a video maybe like a year back on I know that people think that's funny but you know I don't follow him for everything anymore and um in any event you had had a video like a year back giving him shit for like putting out some dumbass video where he was arguing over the nuances of like whether it's okay to say the n-word in a certain context and um Anyways, that was like what turned me on to a year ago and like what made me, uh, cued me onto the FHL network and RBN, et cetera. And oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, well, listen, so I was very supportive of you guys having Marion on for an interview, especially after I had seen all of that, um, stuff you guys had been saying about her. Um, I just thought it would be an interesting discussion. And, I felt bad after I had called Nick out on Twitter and asked him to like finally have her on um, because I didn't think that the thing would end in like a fight amongst friends. And uh, well, in any event, I, I thought it was still good for the moments when you and Nick got to ask your questions. And I had wished that you guys had maybe had five more minutes to go on to Ukraine and like ask her more about it and like talk through it more. Um, but, so, you know, sorry things went the way they did, I guess, is why I called in. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's not your fault. I mean, we definitely didn't ex- <laughs> we didn't anticipate that happening either. We were very confused. And I think that, you know, it's unfortunate because what I wanted people to get from that interview were the answers to the questions. And I felt like because of what happened at the end, that's what people walked away remembering, not remembering yes, what Marion yes. said about yes. like Israel and yes. Palestine. And like, those are important things to, for people to hear. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, people were talking about the Vanguard after this talk, like, and about how they had kind of embarrassed themselves one time, like getting into some sort of an argument with um, Aaron Mate in an interview one time. And I think like the common thread in both of those things was like, when emotions get high, that's all people focus on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they don't focus on anything of substance going on in the background. Um, like you guys kind of talked about, nobody was focusing on the stuff you guys have been talking about with workers strike back after drama happened. So, uh, yeah, like that's not cool. So that, you know, so anyways, um, I still wish you guys all the best at RBN and, um, still love you savvy and your channel and, that you do all these awesome call-ins with everybody because it's it's a really great space still so awesome thank you so much for calling in neo yeah thank you for having me have a great night everybody you too
Case Study QB is in the house. What's up? Hey, hey, what's going on, Savvy? What's going on, Neo, uh, Noel, Roger, Eric? Much love to everybody. How you doing, Savvy? Case Study. It's 14 degrees out. Yeah, I walked in. Cold case. I walked in from Penn Station to work, and I was freezing. Not from Penn Station, actually. That would have been further work, Port Authority. So I was outside for like 20 minutes, and I still feel cold. Oh, man. Did you just call him a cold case, Abby? A cold case? (laughs) Get out of here, Roger. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that, uh, the drama with the Medicare for All. Oh, you was on vacation. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. on vacation. Um, that's crazy, and I, I hope that that's the opposite of what I hope to see on the left or among allies or people just causing more division. Um, like I, I don't even know how you come back from that because I totally relate to you. If somebody came after my family, then that's that's the only area where I'm like, okay, I can't work with you <laughs> if you're coming after my family. But um, yeah, it's crazy. As far as the topic, but go ahead, Sabi, go ahead. Yeah, I just kept ignoring all of it because again, like they were, they were blocked. So Mm. I only saw that, I only saw this information because, Mm. you know, I saw screenshots, like people sent me screenshots and said, just Mm. FYI, I know that you've worked with Savage Joy before and I just think you should see what she's saying about you. Oh, wow. It's all on Twitter. And I'm just like, so now it's just like, you know, you threw punches at me, but the moment someone punches you back, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm not talking about actual physical punches, people got to make that very clear. The moment <laughs> someone like comes back at you and you want to cry. And like, I've, I've seen this happen multiple times with her. She'll cry and then she'll deactivate her Twitter and then bring it back up and play the victim and all that. It's like, <clears throat> no, I, I said nothing to this woman for months. She came out of nowhere, started attacking my family on Twitter. Da, da, da. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, and, and then apparently then she made this video of herself crying apparently too. Like, and you know, what's funny when when I talked about it on stream, when I addressed, I said, there's a, a, a group of people that are part of this organization. I want to address what they did. I never mentioned her name. Mm-hmm. So when she made that video crying and saying, this is what Sabby said about me and showing my <laughs> stuff, she just told everybody it was her. I was like, well, damn, you just gave me <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that is, um, unfortunate. And uh, another thing I, I just want to bring up real quick, cause you brought up an excellent video. I got to go back and watch second thought. Um, cause I consider myself like a democratic socialist in that, um, vein of things that like not all the way socialist, but I'm always, I'm open and, and still learning me personally. Cause I started off around Paul libertarian and then I went left from there and I've been going left since, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that, video seems very interesting and I, i'm curious what the final um world like what he would consider the best society to live in i know i've heard richard wolf talk about um maybe having like 80 percent of all stores and um companies be worker co-ops means democracy in the workplace and then maybe like that 20 percent be uh allow for capitalism but i'm starting to think that any leeway for capitalism is almost like having 
a, a town of thousand a thousand people and then you have that one psychopath or or, or um serial killer you know even though you leave it you have like 99 percent of the people are regular people and then you have that one serial killer who's killing a whole bunch of people is like you can't leave any leeway so i'm i'm still deciding myself on that ideology um i, was so there I, I just want to thank you for that go ahead roger i was there i came to that two years ago i was just like you got to get rid of the corporate business model no referee no ref reformations only transformations and i came to that because i was listening to one of the best um professor richard wolf joints that i saw was he did this thing a few years ago called the great purge if you if you do a youtube search on great purge right he talks about about, richard wolf yes yes uh, uh, democracy at work economic update he talks about what happened the day FDR died and mm-hmm. and he talks about the 40 years about how the corporate business model crawled its way back mm-hmm. to dominance mm-hmm. so so see that told me that if you don't put a bullet in the head of the corporate business model it mm-hmm. will always come, come back. back you mm-hmm. have to kill it and you have to replace it with cooperatives Okay, because we I've already Just seen this up Tiffany on the right. because we've already seen this, with, you know, like when I hear people do the like um, make the Elizabeth Warren argument when they say um, it sounds good at first until I heard until you heard that Professor Richard Wolf talk about it. But when they say we need to have um, people representing workers in um, the corporate boardrooms to keep them honest or whatever the case is. And that's a reform because you're still leaving the corporate business model in place. I mean, you actually think that that the corporatists on that board are just going to let that ride, that they're just going to let these people who represent the workers just sit there like, no, they're going to spend as much time as they can lobbying and doing all different types of dirty shark tactics to start Mm -hmm. shrinking those Mm -hmm. people who represent the corporate, uh, uh, my bad, who represent the workers. start shrinking them, shrinking them, shrinking them until they are off the board. It might take f- four decades or whatever, but eventually they will kick them off the board yeah. and then we'll be back to where we were before. When you when you got a chance, just, just kill it and replace it with cooperatives. So 100% cooperatives is what you're saying the society should have? Uh, that and, you know, you can have, you can have like, you know, little small businesses, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the discount stores and, you, you know, the, you know, stuff but like you that. You have to go away. You have to go away from the corporate model because the people, mm-hmm. uh, people at the bottom will always be exploited. Yeah. I, I listen mm-hmm. to Richard Wolf at least once a week. I think we need to reimagine a world without capitalism, because the more I think about it, capitalism really is anchored in greed and it's ravenous and it just never yields and when you look across american history you know the fact that we were started in slavery which to my thinking is the ultimate management labor model because you have labor working for free but when you look from the spans from the beginning to now that energy to extract and exploit never dies and it's just i think 
And when I really think about it, I think we as a species have evolved into the wrong ideology. I don't think we should be doing the things we do. I think we should actually be living more like the communal type thing like the indigenous peoples did because we're out of sync with nature in every kind of way. All the modes of transportation are, you know, putting out pollution and the way we're doing farming, we're just headed in all the wrong directions. And I think that corporate, that capitalist model is just the root of it all. Yeah. I've read a book. Um, go, go ahead. Eric. No, you're good, Case. All right. Oh, I just want to say real quick. Um, I read a a good book. I thought it was a good book as well. Um, from Fifty Cents, I think it was called Hustle Harder, or Hustle Smarter. Because I'm a real entre- entrepreneur minded kind of person, so I like to read those type of self help books. And something that I think, um, I, I if I had the conversation with him, I would love to debate him on. He he thought he talked about a ca- cautious or conscious capitalism towards the end of his book, meaning that he said he went to Africa and he saw a lot of poverty and he went to the, the streets and he gave out money. But um, so that's his version of trying to be conscious capitalism. But to me, capitalism is when an analogy would be they just a, a, a big, the, the, the stronger the person is, they could be strong and they'll see a weaker person. And the capitalist mentality is, if I don't take advantage of this person, somebody else will. So I might as well take advantage of the person. Where a so, uh, socialism kind of communist kind of mentality would be, oh, there's a weaker person. How can I help that person to maybe bring them up to my level or just help them? Period. Um, go ahead, Andrew. Or I don't know who's. Yeah, talking. that's yeah. that's a really good. Those are all really good points. Um, I want to go ahead and bring in Andrew. What's up? Hey, Sabby. How's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I uh, I was just going to say um, something Noel said I like a lot that I think is a good response um, to a lot of kind of really thoughtless criticisms is that capitalism is a system that's based in greed. It It's rooted in, in greed. Like you're not going to get rid of greed or corruption or anything, probably ever, you know, hopefully we will. I think we should be shooting for that. But um, a lot of times people will respond when I say, yeah, I'm not really for capitalism because it has X, Y, and Z problems. I think Noel described it very well just there. But I think an excellent response is that, look, I'm not saying we're going to fix everything, but I'm saying that, um, you know, anchoring your social and economic system to some of the worst instincts or worst, you know, traits of human society is the absolute wrong direction to go. Um, mm. But yeah, I had thoughts from earlier about like parties, 2024, um, what to do, but I can chill for a second. I don't want to like backpedal all the way unless it kind of comes up in the right spot. I think that um, I really want to talk to second thought case like that's something me and jb talked about before because we watch like a lot of his videos um and i don't agree with everything that he says but some of his videos i feel like it really gets to the root cause of a lot of these issues that we discuss and so i thought it was really important for people to see 
what he was saying before about democratic, you know, socialism, how it's still, it's really not where we should be. It's not, it doesn't go like as far as it should, but like, Mm -hmm. we're still, even with that, we're still operating under a capitalist system. And so you'll still have exploitation. It just may not be right in front of you. So I I thought that was really interesting, but um, yeah, I love that channel. Real quick, um, my only concern that that's why I would love to talk to somebody um, like him or a straight Marxist communist type of person. Uh, there, There is, I do believe this value when you have that one person that says, hey, I got this idea, right? Let's just use Steve Jobs as an example with the, um, the iPod. I have this idea that I can make this music um, invention. Everybody else if in a democratic society, everybody, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that will never work. So would it stifle that kind of um, that one person who has an idea or would it allow for that person to say, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to work on it. And then it turns out to be good. Then they, at least temporarily they get, you know, I, I don't believe there should be billionaires. So this I'm telling you my thoughts. I, I definitely don't believe um, billionaires should exist. But I think that if you were the one person that had this idea and become successful, you should reap the rewards of it. But I, I, at the same time, I don't think you should be um, you should get so powerful because that's what I call when you can gain a billionaire. We might be on our way to having the first trillionaire. That's way too much power for one person. Anyway, I'll stop. Talking. I was Very just going to say. Go ahead, Andrew. No, I was just going to say, like, um, I think I'd be more in favor of a degree of mixed economy um, where you have, you know, public control of key industries. There should be zero for-profit healthcare, zero for-profit energy production, uh, potentially like a corporate level. Mm. I think that... I think one mistake people make sometimes is this idea that any like a system of of socialism or even real communism would would like restrict all innovation like and it'd be like you know they did i drop everybody wears the same thing and it has the same thing i mean there's no reason why in an ideal did i drop out or oh no you're here you're here andrew i think you i thought i think we thought you were done maybe you did cut out i think my my wi-fi cut out Sorry. Okay. Can you yeah, all so, still hear me? So, so people. Yep, yeah, we, we can, can hear you. Can you can you hear us? Yeah. Can I just finish what I was saying a second ago? Oh well, I, I thought you would stop. Go ahead. No, I j- just my Wi-Fi cut out, so I was talking to nobody. Sorry. Um, but yeah, just really quick, I was going to say the Soviet Union um, was the origin country of cell phones, space travel. Uh, the crane that scales itself up as you build the building, um, numerous agricultural techniques for like mass agriculture. And that was not a completely market free society. Basically the only markets were informal black market. So I'm not saying we should replicate the Soviet union. Again, I think I'm like more for a mixed economy, but I do think that there's certainly a way where like for, I could imagine like if the government owns all the railroads and energy production um, and it's publicly run. And so the public can have a democratic input, but it's like directly managed by unions. I could see no reason why innovation wouldn't happen actually 
more quickly. Cause I mean, imagine all the people who have really solid ideas and zero capital to make it happen under capitalism. That's all. Yeah. And I, I think I was saying, you know, something pretty similar, which is that it, 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 it doesn't have to be this idea where, you know, everything's constrained and, and whatnot, you know, and I think, as leftists, we should, we should be painting kind of this vision of, of a world where we, we can all have nice things and opportunity and, and it, it's done through the commons and not through this, you know, profit models. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the impression that some people get, especially if we say like socialism or communism or something like that, I think everybody thinks we're all going to be wearing like drab, like, clothing and everybody's going to have the same shirts, the same shoes, the same every, you know, I think that's the impression that some people have. And I think that like, that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, something, I think something really has to give. And like, I think like one thing that was really revealing in that video, and you guys got to go check out second thought so you can watch the full video. But one thing that was very revealing is the fact that, you know, the idea of democratic socialism, because we kind of, you know, adopted that and went into Congress with that, we had candidates go into Congress with that, that democratic socialism like brand. And then to watch them go against the policies of DSA Basically, what it did is like they basically watered down what it means to even be a democratic socialist. And so it's it's not a good look because it can make younger people, especially people who maybe aren't as invested or not as as knowledgeable about what it really is. It makes them think that these are people that are in there that are really radical and they're they're real socialists and they're not the thing that was frustrating to me and that's why I said you know part of this is Bernie Sanders fault because Bernie Sanders was the one that said democratic socialism is democratic socialism he put it onto the national stage but it's actually what they have in those countries is social democracy and see someone reached out to me uh, recently I think I'm trying to get them to come on they interviewed people in those countries that Bernie Sanders is referring to and those people had to explain that, like, what these Americans speak of as democratic socialism, that is, that's actually not what we have in these countries. So part of the problem is Bernie Sanders, he changed the, the label. He didn't frame it well. And that's what, what people went along with. So you have people saying that there's something that they're really not. And then he funneled that into the Democratic Party. So then you got those people that are supposed to have those ideals go into a political party that is against those ideals. So then they end up not pushing for those policies and going along with the corporate Democrats. So they have watered down what it means to be a socialist. Yeah. So now it's like this is why you see uh, what Republicans calling Joe Biden a socialist. Well, they hear socialism and the, their first thought in their brain is is authoritarianism because they've been trained to think that. Yeah, but, and it, it just it's they really messed that up. And this is why I said earlier tonight on stream when Bernie like dropped out in 2020, 
Like Bernie should have said he should have denounced the Democratic Party at that. Actually, he should have denounced the Democratic Party when he ran in 2016 against Hillary Clinton and they cheated him. He should have denounced the Democratic Party and said, that's it. I'm still rocking with my movement and we're going to go do our thing over here. But Bernie Sanders staying in that that cesspool. He basically allowed the Democratic Party to co-opt the word progressive. And so now you have people who are in the progressive caucus, which Bernie Sanders is a co-founder of, that aren't even progressive. They don't even support the principles or the ideals. Ted Lieu is a perfect example. Jim Clyburn is another example. So now it's just that's the thing. That's why we said you have to make sure there is that distinction that that doesn't get captured by the Democratic Party. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Uh, Roger, I think you were trying to speak. Oh, my bad. Sorry about that. I was, um, no, I was just going to say, uh, I would say don't underestimate the intelligence of the uh, Generation Z. They won't be fooled by it. They're not going to be fooled by it. And what you'll probably see once they get, what would be good is once they start seeing um, they start studying abroad and get out of going to American colleges and study abroad for free. Okay, he's going this way. Studying abroad for free. They'll get a taste of what it's like for social democracy or whatever you want to call it in those other countries. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll have their, their, their um, worldview expanded. You know what I mean? And they'll get to actually see themselves Oh, this is what it's like in these other countries, how they handle healthcare, how they handle internet, and all that different type of stuff, you know? Right. Because people have to understand, like, even for me, like, when I lived in Germany, Bernie Sanders will mention these countries, like Germany, Denmark, Norway. He was like, what they have over there, those countries still have capitalism. Mm -hmm. And this is why when mainstream media would smear you know, Bernie Sanders as, oh, he's this, he wants to bring the socialism from Denmark to the U.S. Denmark still has capital, capitalism and Bernie Sanders didn't even push back on that. Like he would just be like, well, no, I'm talking about what they have over there. Like, no, Bernie, you need to change the framing. They're framing it in a way to make it sound like it's something that's not. And it's your job to push back on that and say, those are capitalist countries. I don't know, man. I think I'm, I don't know. I think I'm just more of a cynic because, like I say, when I look across the landscape of what's happening, and and to consider the fact that corporate America across a a couple of generations clawed back almost every gain that was won through the um, New Deal and things like that, it tells me that that energy is you know, so strong. And we know that the Democrats and Republicans both serve the corporate elite and that we really do have an inverted totalitarianism going on now. I just think it is such a um, lethal type of presence. And it's just, I just don't think we'll be able to overcome it when I think of what it will take to educate the masses. And then, like I say, as we began to pose a threat, 
they're going to uncloak and they're really going like I, I'm alarmed by this building of Cop City and this the corporate takeover of the media. They're controlling the narrative. And I see this this very ravenous beast just really lurking in the shadows, being prepared to pounce whenever it feels threatened. You know, that's what I think this passing this bill about anti-socialism is about. It's just like they're, they're shutting you down on any reimagining of any way of living except being on this virtual plantation. And Rokana voted for it. So what does that tell you guys about Rokana? I was watching the Willie uh, Bragg show. That was my first time uh, watching him. Uh, Lucy sent it to me. Mm-hmm. And he was talking, and the he was saying that the woman that introduced the anti-socialism thing or whatever, uh, she's an immigrant from Cuba. So, you know, usually any Cubans that are here are yeah. against communism and mm-hmm. socialism and all that different type of stuff. And, I was uh, going to... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say on that same token from what you and Noel were saying, I was going to bring up Cuba as well because, like, it is such a hard problem to deal with. You take Cuba and Bolivia to compare the two. Cuba basically, like, ejected, like, deported most of its capitalist class um, when they carried out their revolution. And that capitalist class is still hanging out in Florida, launching biological, economic, and conventional warfare against Cuba with help from the U.S. And in Bolivia, they didn't do that. They tried to build a a truly multi-ethnic national project in Bolivia. And they had right. they didn't just like remove everybody's wealth and kick them out. And those people, the capitalists, they still wage warfare against the the majority of the people because they want they don't want to let go of that power. And their grandchildren are going to want that power back because they're going to teach them. So yeah, I, it's like such a hard question to answer. Yeah, gee, thanks thanks Cuba and Venezuela for for bringing sending all your capitalists here. <laughs> let me let me say something about Cuba. Taking though. a dump on Florida. Let me say something about Cuba, though, because Cuba has health care for everybody and Cuba has a longer life expectancy than the U.S. does. This is why the health care piece is key, because if you can give everybody health care, then, yeah, people would. Why do you guys think they say, well, people in the U.S. are now they're not living longer anymore? That's probably because everybody don't have health care here. And all of the yeah. additives that they put in the food and all of the things that they put in, like even like our cosmetics and stuff like that, like we don't have a lot of things that are made as pure as they were like when our parents were growing up in this country. So it's like even the food that you buy, a lot of times there's these preservatives that are added in. When my parents were growing up, they didn't eat TV dinners. There were no microwavable meals like they had to cook you know, everything that they ate. And I think that's another thing too. Like we've gone from the society that used to sit at the dinner table and eat home cooked meals to a society where it's like you pop something in the microwave, you pop in a hot pocket, you pop in a TV dinner. Like those things are not good for you. They're not. I had a friend that used to eat like lean cuisines every day for lunch. And I had to tell her one day, I was like, look, you ever look at the sodium level on the back of that box? And she was like, no. I said, look at the sodium level. And she was like, oh, my gosh, 700 grams of sodium. I said, exactly. 700. That's a lot of sodium. 
So people will see things like lean cuisine and healthy choice and they'll say it's less calories. Yeah, but how much sodium do they have in that? That's how they make it taste good. You also know why um, why the, the hot pocket microwave food, all that stuff, how that ended up uh, coming about? What, what what a product of that was the military um when they may when they um when they decided to raise everything except for wages so the uh the wife had to get out there and work too so there was so she was not home to have you know like uh, a, a nice, uh, 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 wholesome, cooked meal for mm-hmm. when everyone comes home. Okay, so boom! Now you get the microwave generation that comes in. Oh, something quick. You know, what I mean, nothing was nothing was really done from um, you know from scratch anymore. You know, whatever the case is, where you get like a nice, healthy meal and so on and so forth. You know, and. Um, from what I'm seeing, it that also seems to be kind of like the backlash of the women's movement um, from like the late '60s, early '70s, where it's, you know, it's oh yeah, women want to work too, you know what I'm saying? Which is all good, but it, from what I'm seeing today, is just like oh my god, this is too much. I got to deal with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'd rather just have have us just have like a one. Uh, 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 just one person uh, working, you know what I mean, and because it, it kind of led to a lot of a lot of issues. Because I grew up when in the time when both parents were working, and there was no one really home to watch the kids when they came home from from school. Yep. You see what I'm saying? And let me tell you, when that a lot of a lot Drop of teen- off Christian Joel on the right. A lot of teenage pregnancies happen. <laughs> during that yeah. time because you know they coming home from high school early when the parents ain't can't, can't, didn't come home yet <laughs> you know what I mean you got a, you got a couple of hours there you know so just something to think about well, I, I agree with what you're always saying but I, I feel like as if we're going to have a left movement you know we, we need to do more than just list out the problems you know they we need to be saying, you know, and that's because of, of capitalism and this for-profit society that, that in this system that rewards, you know, sociopaths and, and talk about what our vision of the better world is and what's our path to getting there. And I, I think it, until we start doing that, we're, we're not going to have much of a movement or, or get very far, in my opinion. Well, I got a whole bunch of stuff Andrew- I can say. Andrew, um, I just wanted to check and see if you were finished, because if not, I'm going to move on to Eric. Yeah, can I just make one real quick point? Yeah. I was going to say first, um, Roger, I don't know if you know Bide, but he's another lawyer who's got a call-in show. Um, Who? You say Bide? No. I thought you said Bide too for a second. Bide got a call-in show? The president? No. Let me call up there. I got a lot of stuff to say to him. (laughs) No, it, literally, he put his tag as Biden, not Biden, because people always think it's Biden. But no, like B-I-D-E, no way. Okay. Um, he started a organization. He, he's based in Chicago, and he started an organization 
uh, to make and push legislation or like ballot initiatives against corruption and bribery, which would include like um, giant campaign donations, stuff like that. Um, and I, I heard what you said the other day about um, using the 14th Amendment to push back on Citizens right. United. And right. so I wondered if you wanted, I can connect you with him and see if you all have any interest in supporting each other's projects. Um, I'm sure you got plenty going on, but it's like, yeah, sure. I think Just, uh, you might be interested. I'm, I'm driving, so I can't like, I can't use my hands to take anything down or something like that. No worries. I can send a, I can send you a DM on here if you want. Uh, sure. You can send DMs on Clover. Yeah, if, oh. yeah. If you don't check them, I, I could send it on Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah. Send Twitter because you know. What's I your know What's your Twitter? Uh, just at... put it in the chat. Put it in the chat, Roger. No, no. Okay, I, yeah. I, I need my hands. Oh yeah. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, at Roger. The number two. Uh huh. O T zero. At Roger to number two D O T zero. Yes. Like the letters or sorry, the the number zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I got that down. And then yeah, Sabi, I was just gonna say, um, I've been really like uh begging people to look more into Mexico and their political trajectory over the past couple decades because the the creation of Morena and like the Mexican, the way that their federal system is set up and the sort of like social trends that that brought them to ditch their old parties, I think are really similar to the U.S. and there's a lot that we can learn there. So I might um, I might email you, Sabi, if you want. I Some of my yeah. family and neighbors are organizers for Morena and they help to build the, the party on the state level where I live. So if that's something you'd be interested in, like I think when we're talking about electoral strategies and whatnot, I think we really need to look at Latin America for some inspiration. And my my last quick, quick thing I'll say is like, I think when it comes to like, what are we going to do for the next election or the one after that? I think we just need to commit ourselves to ignore them for several years until we're really ready to come back and win. Like there's so much we need to do for mutual aid and there's so much we need to do to connect organizations that are already doing good work um, and heal some of the the fissures you know the old wounds between organizations too because those are just as just as bad as not even knowing that there's other people out there that could help you in your work so um yeah i don't know if, should i email like rbn or do you have a somewhere I, you want me to send you stuff if you're interested email me um i'll put my email dm me United DM me on Colin. Yeah, but which one? There's two of you. There's this two one? of you? Oh. I'll DM this profile so I don't screw up. Yeah, there's another one called Sabby Sabs Audio, but yeah. that's, that's not the one. Yeah, I saw that one too before. Oh, okay. You want just uh, Sabby Sabs. Yeah, we, Sabby Sabs Audio was one we were pulling around when we first were setting up. But yeah, just oh, yeah, consider it at Sabby. I thought Sabby had a twin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, yeah. about that one. I think there might even be three. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it probably is. Okay. That makes sense. Hey, hey, All right. hey can I bring up, oh, you're going to bring up the next person? That's all right. 
Yeah, let me just say bye to Andrew and bring in Eric, but um, thanks so much, Andrew. I'm going to bring in Eric really quick. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you doing, Savvy? I am doing great. How are you? Good, good. And, and hi to everybody there, the crew. I just want to, I wanted to circle back to, I guess, the original question here with uh, Nina and just want to make sure that, you know, we stay on target and don't buy into anything that she says. Uh, actions speak louder than words. You know, people have liked her mostly because of her rhetoric, not necessarily because of her actions. Because if you look through her actions, I can't see anything tangible in the past three years that I would consider to be progressive or substantial uh, in, in the way of doing something. Now, her rhetoric changed and that's what kind of threw people off and she lost her support but those were just words and so now she's changing back because she knows that the guard has sort of changed and she realizes that you know there's more people that are watching what rbn's doing uh, yesterday in fact something came through my youtube feed of these guys who were doing uh, a review on cj uh oh, no, i'm sorry they were doing a review on uh, the guy from Status Coup interviewing Crystal Ball, but they were also commenting on RBN's uh, message because Crystal Ball was in it. She basically said something against RBN without saying RBN. And uh, she was kind of being just kind of like looking down. And these two guys on this show that I've never seen, but they came through my, my feed, uh, they were analyzing from the perspective of, I want to say like RBN's perspective in a sense. I don't, I don't know their names, but to me, it was, it was really cool because it, it means that more people are hearing you guys and the overall message and that more people are catching on to the bullshit of what these guys have been doing. Nina, uh, the fake, uh, you know, progressive shows and so on. And they're savvy enough to know that that's happening. They know this. I mean, that's why they're not mentioning your name. Because they know now that if they mention RBN's name, it's going to elevate your profile even higher than it already is coming to be. Uh, so that's happening right now. It's really happening. I mean, the movement of energy is, is towards our side of things from what I'm seeing. And they know it. You know, They're losing numbers. I think even Jimmy has uh, alluded to the fact that all these shows have been losing their, their viewership. Uh, all of them and even uh, breaking points has not, you know, continue to rise and they have way, you know, more of a budget than many of the shows like RBN. Right. So that's happening right now. As breaking well. points lost like breaking points lost 1000 subs in one day. There you go. There you go. And they they have the support in a sense of the YouTube algorithm. Right. So that shows you that people are not buying into what they're saying. And so there's a, there's a change right there. And Marianne knows that, too. And so does Nina. Uh, and so we should not lose you know, sight of that. You know, I think the real where we need to put our energy, where Eric was saying, you know, that we need to uh, emphasize putting our, our energy and sweat equity into into movements like Kashama uh, Sawan's work strike back movement that's where we need to emphasize and refocus our energy into something like that that's actually going to have legs behind it and it's going to have some something that's really going to help people and out of those movements 
movements like Sawan's movement, we can we can find people in those movements that are going to become leaders for us and on behalf of us that are not going to be selfish, that are not going to be focused on themselves. That's where we need, if we, if we started to focus behind them, uh, Kashama Sawan's movement, people are going to come out of those movements. People that are not in any platform right now that we don't know anything about, they'll emerge out of those movements. And it's probably going to be some younger folks with a lot of energy and a lot of gusto. You know, I'm also glad that this past week, you know, whatever happened on last week's show, it kind of washed over, you know, with CJ and, and Nick. Um, I think uh, Rome did a Rome went off today on, on, on Nina. I don't know if it was on today's live show, but he was going off and it was the old Rome that I love, you know, just going off and coming at her and, and speaking of all her BS. So and that's what we need. And whatever happened last week, it, to me, it just sort of washed over. And and, it, and, and Nick and CJ, and, and more so Nick, I think they just did a good job on focusing and staying on message that you guys are a unit. And yes, there's going to be, you know, some challenges here, growing pains, whatever. But the, but the movement is focused on what's on behalf of the people, if that makes sense, Savvy. Yeah, that does make sense. I think that, you know... Um... I, I think it's it's pretty interesting because some of the same people that say these things about us, they follow us on Twitter. So it's kind of weird. It's like, if you think that we're not serious, Crystal Ball, then why do you follow RBN on Twitter? Why are you following our Twitter account? Yeah. So you can see what we're saying. And see, the thing is, like, a year ago, this wasn't so much of a big deal, I think. But we were, our channel was obviously even smaller back then. But now, it's not just us. You see, no. that's the thing. It's not just Jimmy Dore. It's not just RBN. Hardland's media is echoing that same message. So is uh, Do Dissidents. They're newer. I don't know if you guys know about them, but um, actually one of them came on for my New Year's evening. But uh, Do Dissidents, um, more people waking up to this. And I noticed, even in that interview with Nina Turner in the interview with Crystal Ball, I think Jordan Sheraton is realizing this too. Yes. I mean, yep. even though he attacked us on Twitter because he put his nose in something that had nothing to do with him, yep. even though he attacked us on Twitter, I think he's starting to realize that, yo, even part of your audience isn't buying this anymore. That is correct. And I also wanted to touch on something else too, because there was a guy, I can't remember his name, the guy that was talking about nuclear energy. Uh, but in all all things being equal, meaning what we have today, nuclear energy is the most sustainable energy that we currently have. Uh, thermal, wind, solar, none of those are consistently providing energy like you would think. All, all of those systems, whether it's solar or wind, and even much more so thermal, they all have to be backed up by regular energy, uh, dirty energy. But out of the dirty energy, nuclear is the cleanest. It's just, it's the scariest because of what the potential of what could happen. Uh, and this goes back to, you know, the 80s, the 90s. If you talk to any sound engineer, ele electrical engineer for that matter, or nuclear engineer, they will tell you in a very somber way that for what we currently have, the nuclear is the best thing that we have. It's just that 
it's gotten a bad name and, and some events that have happened scare everybody away. But a lot of the eco bullshit that we get is not correct. Correct. If you speak to anybody who works in the uh, energy sector, you know, not necessarily on the right or the left, but just somebody who's a scientist, nuclear would provide most of the energy that we need. In California, they've been working to shut down some of the energy, um, some of the nuclear energy plants, and they can't because the other energy sources are not as sustainable and they can't produce the energy that we need to sustain really? the to sustain the economy in California, and, you know, and it's the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, and no economy, you know, basically in the world can sustain its growth without power. It just can't. Uh, and so, you know, that's something that we on our side somehow need to reconcile that, you know, how, you know, what does that mean? Electric cars are made out of nothing but petroleum. Everything that's manufactured in, a, in a, an electric car comes out of petroleum, mostly. Uh, wind, if you know anything about ma maintaining uh, the turbines, they usually last less than 10 years and they're very costly to maintain. And once they die, you, ha you have to replace them. So these are things that, you know, it's not widely talked about, but it's the truth. These things that we think are really good haven't been really weighed out for the long, you know, for the long term. They seem good, but are they really good? You know, and, and you know, I'm just asking that. I'm not saying I, I too, you know, worry about nuclear energy. But I, as I get older and I see things for for what they are, you know, I, I become more like, okay, what's the what's the truth behind this? You know what I mean? So these are questions that I have, and, and I, you know, I'm not a scientist, and I wish that we could talk about this more because there's an opportunity there to bring us closer to other people that are on the opposite side of the spectrum and, and coming to, this, to, to the mind frame of, okay, we see things more alike than we don't. And the powers that be will play us off, even in the energy, you know, like with all the energy stuff, the eco-friendly shit that, 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 that gets pushed on us. Um, so anyhow, I wanted to share that with you because just for perspective. Thanks so much for that, Eric. Um... Roger, were you about to say something? So I had um, I had made like a little file of stuff that I had wrote down regarding uh, nuclear, comparing it to wind and solar. I just wanted to uh, read it real quick, right? Um, so, so wind and solar, okay, so solar and wind power at maximum power only produce a respected 25% to 35% energy output, while nuclear power has a 93% output. Um, nuclear power produces just 4 to 5% of the carbon emissions of a natural gas-powered plant, which is less more than the oil and gas power that is used to create solar panels. Um, releases less radiation into the environment than any other known energy source than even solar, wind, natural gas, and coal. Uh, it's not subject to weather conditions and therefore can run in the good times and bad at high capacity. Provides true independence where we are not subjected to supply chain issues. 
Provides energy security as well because, you know, you don't have to go outside the country. The production of the energy itself doesn't depend on putting more methane or carbon dioxide into the atmosphere or place high costs on a community. Um, solar creates 300, so, uh, solar panels create 300 times more heavily toxic waste per unit of energy than nuclear power plants. The size of two Mount Everest is sitting on top of one another. The current U.S. waste isolation plant in Carlsbad, New Mexico, could accumulate could accommodate the entire world's nuclear waste for the next thousand years. Uh, nuclear waste can be repurposed. Uh, this is what oh, what was his name? The, the other guy that was uh, Car, um, Snark Snarket. This is what he was saying. Also, nuclear mm -hmm. waste can be repurposed. Um, so, you know, in, a, in other words, recycled to be used again, yet yeah. you know, we, we don't um, bother to, to, you know, to do it. So the mining process of getting what is needed to make solar panels, breathing in of silicon gas, the production process, an enormous amount of fossil fuel is usually what's used to create the energy needed to produce uh, uh, solar panels, uh, photovoltaic you know, yeah, it, creates, it creates a noxious gas, which can ultimately get into the atmosphere, causing acid rain. More toxic chemicals and other substances are added to the solar, solar panel. Now, setting them out requires the clearing of forests to lay out the panels, thus taking trees out of the ecosystem, which are responsible for sucking CO2 out of the atmosphere and replacing it with oxygen. However, that can be corrected simply by placing a solar panel on each roof, whatever, right? So um, vegetation can't be anywhere near it as it would cast a shadow over panels seeing that they must have a clear path towards the sun. That yeah. can be, so that can, they say that can be corrected by simply by placing the solar panels on roof, whatever, right? Soil yeah. erosion, seeing due to so the we're, fact- So we're getting kind of down into the details here, Roger. Oh, my bad. But you know what? I I just want to. Well, okay, can I just say one thing? I just want sure. I just want to say in in general, one thing I always like to or want to say about technology is I I think it's a mistake to get too caught up in in the, like the details of the technology itself, and and like like there's all kinds of new technologies and things, and and people talk about them, and they you know and they can be scary or interesting or whatnot. But I think what's really more important than than the technology itself is is who controls it and as long as we have you know a, a huge capitalist billionaire class running everything controlling everything then then everything's going to suck you know nuclear is going to suck it's going to be too dangerous because we don't have a government we can trust to do it safely solar and wind are going to suck because we don't have a government and systems to even handle like the mining and, and the other issues and whatnot. And so I, I think we, we really need to always come back to that. We, we need a real, you know, democratic government, you know, in control. We need the people in, in control of the technology and everything else. It, and if we don't have that, it's going to suck. And if we do, it could be really awesome. And I think as leftists, we should be pushing that vision of, you know, it could be really awesome. Like, we could have a, a really cool world here, but we, we can either have that or we can have billionaires. It's like, 
that's the choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I agree. No, yeah, I, but, I agree with that too. Yeah. I put my I put that 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 little file I made in the chat to my okay. Dropbox. No, that's that's great, Roger. I, I think you know that's it's just great perspective, you know, because even to Eric's point, we get uh, eco uh, capitalists pushing their own agenda. Uh, a lot of the eco guys who were at the forefront of eco, uh, whatever you want to call it, environmentalists, those guys have become, you know, the worst capitalists out there themselves. The guys who, you know, uh, Al Gore is, a, you know, like a, he's worth over $100 million. And the guys behind them, you know, all of that is, is, is pushed on to us. And we, the people, absorb it. And it's just leveraged against us. Uh, you know, so. I honestly, I'll be honest. I forgot about Al Gore, Eric. <laughs> I really I, did. Yeah. I forgot I, about him. I, I forgot. He made his money and moved on. <laughs> that, that's right. He moved his. He made all these hundreds of millions of dollars that the guy's worth, and he's you know. He was the guy yeah. that introduced me to climate change and global. I didn't hear about it before him. I, yeah, it, that's right. And if anybody has ever get a chance to catch the um, video Earth Planet of the Humans that Roger Moore did, oh, yeah. it's a it's really oh, inform Michael Moore, and it's really informative, and it dim it shows you some of the underside of this whole ecological thing in terms of what Roger was suggesting that some of what is considered the most safe productions. You know, it costs so much in terms of taxing the environment to produce it. And it has such a short life that it is, you know, impractical in the long run. But to Eric's point, we need to be anti-capitalist so that when we employ or explore these new energy sources, we can let the scientists do what they do best and focus on you know, a safe production of energy, but this capitalist thing that puts profit at the top and safety at the bottom is totally upside down. We need yeah. at least a system that is anti-capitalist that will allow safety to be put first. Yeah. That's right. Well, let me um, bring Case back in because I think Case was going to say something like right before I brought Eric in. I totally um, agree with Noel on that one. I was just going to switch up the topic um, real quick, y'all don't mind, and, and talk about like promoting initiatives. Um, definitely, and I don't want to step on Sabrina's show for this Tuesday, so I will promote everybody watch her show if it starts at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. and then watch the rewatch because uh, Sharma Sawant's coming on my channel uh, this Tuesday 7. 15 p.m. And uh, I want to talk about how, yeah, it, it is beneficial for uh, working strikes back. I'm glad they reached out to me to come on my show. Um, you were, Saps was able to go on, on uh, they were able to interview. Uh, I hope they go on other people's show. Like we as leftists need to build, have the solidarity, I hope to be able to do like media hits. I think I mentioned it here before, like the same way movies, you see them everywhere. They have um, they go to McDonald's and they they integrate, you know, the latest like Marvel movie and they'll have the toys and the Happy Meal and they they know how to promote their product. 
we need to know how to do the same. So even for People's Gauntlet, I was I went on um I think the Vanguard, I went on Status Quo, I went on Dave Chapp- um David Dole's show. They were out I was going anywhere to promote it and I, I'm gonna do the same thing for mutual aid uh party when that is ready to launch. I'm gonna go as wide as possible anywhere that would have even on right leaning. I don't know any right leaning channels, but I'm just giving an example that I want to I would promote it anywhere because the goal is to reach to out to the ninety-nine percent and try to get them to our side. So I just wanted to say that real quick. Uh, yeah, I think uh Cynthia McKinney does that model case. Mm-hmm. There, there she, you go. She does like a press a press week or whatever, mm-hmm. and she'll only do interviews like that one week and she'll go from show to show to show. That's actually pretty smart if you think about it. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Go ahead. So, so I would definitely maybe that's something I'll I, I'll ask her on Tuesday. Say, hey, is I, I know you reached out to me and did Savvy's in, Savvy's interview. Is are you planning to go out to various other um, places, like even places that we don't agree with? You know, would you go on TYT the conversation? Would you go on um, other shows that? we don't agree totally or there might be some animosity there just to reach out to all the various um, audiences that, that she can reach out to, you know? Well, the TYT network, I don't think is going to bring her on. That's, so that's I was curious that have, do you know if they ever interviewed her? I don't know. I'll have to go back and check, yeah. but you the know, thing let me is, it's, um, this is not the model that they push mm. on their network. And, and that would be the problem there. They're, they're not, they don't tend to bring on people that push back on the Democratic Party as harshly as someone like Shama does. This is why you don't see like Chris Hedges on there. I don't think you see Richard Wolf on there. You don't see those kind of people on there. Mm. You know, uh, who, uh, Case, you know who uh, interviewed her first? Who? I, lo- I always love saying it. Lawrence O'Donnell. Interesting. Okay. That was when she first got elected, like ten years ago. Damn, I forgot about him too. I gotta go back and, you know, I'm starting to forget people. He was <laughs> so happy that a socialist got elected. Yeah. He's oh wow, socialist got let's let's interview it. So, and this is Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC. Yep. The wow, that's interesting. Because he so, he was so excited I, that that a, a socialist got elected. So. I'm pretty sure yeah, he had her on there more than once. This is like when she won her first election in, at city That's council. 2013. That's back in 2013. Then, so so I just saw Rebel Headquarters. They did a panel. Imagine, can you imagine this going on right now on um, Rebel Headquarters, which is a, a channel from TYT? Black so it's, it was a draft Bernie panel, which included Cornell West, Shama Sawant, Jimmy Dore, and Nick Brana. <laughs> wow, that was right wow. now. That was five years ago. Oh, yeah. See, that yeah. was back before things changed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, Sabrina. I, oh, sorry, I missed those bad. days. Go ahead. So, Sabrina. Was, um, oh, sorry. That was back when everybody was still talking to each other. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Roger. Um, so I just want to address something that you said. I'm pretty sure you meant to say 700 milligrams of sodium, not 700 grams. That's one, because you're talking about the lean cuisine. Uh, you told your friend to look at the uh, the back of the lean cuisine. If you had 700 grams of sodium, you'd be dead. <laughs> the other one, can we talk about... Oh, sorry about that. 
<laughs> Thank you yeah. for the correction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your arteries, arteries would just blow up. Um, but can we talk about your look up at the camera when you were done interviewing John Stachowicz? You that saw that? was the funniest thing. Talking about breaking the fourth wall, that was done so subconsciously that you didn't even know that you did it. The interview was over. You looked at us in the camera, <laughs> kind of nod your head, and kept it moving. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't hear me laughing all the way from Long Island. <laughs> oh, no. I was laughing my ass. Just look at yourself. Go back and look at yourself the way you the way you, the interview was over. You looked at the camera, was like, hmm. And then, okay. <laughs> oh, no. That was funny as, nah, that was real. That was real. You 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 kept it real. That was everybody else saw that. It was just like every I could I saw I saw visually in my mind's eye everybody on the call nodding their head too. Like, yep. <laughs> Keep it yeah. moving. Yeah, you know what's savvy on that on that note, I'll end it here so that way, you know, the other guys can get a chance. But I feel bad for the dude, uh, for the for that guy, the old guy. But but at the same time it's got to be done. You know, it's got to be done because we can't be waiting. We can't be saying we're going to be nice. No, you can't be nice, man. This is, you, you got to be ready to, you know, fight back and you got to be ready to push your, your points against anybody who's coming at you. If you're going to run for, for, for that, for that president position, you got to be ready to attack, man. You, and you got to be charismatic. You got to be, you know, you got to have some magnetism to you, some charisma, you can't just be a lame. You can't be like that, regardless of their age. You know, you know, somebody could be lame and be very young. Somebody could be older, but could be very appealing. So that the age itself is not all the answer. It's you know, find somebody who's got the magnetism, who's quick on their feet, who knows how to point, how to fire back at people, and how to push an agenda on behalf of people. Uh, you know, you need that. If you're going to win, you can't have somebody who's going to be kind of lame and just sitting there. You can't do that. So I'm glad that you went after him. You know, I feel sorry for the guy, but it's got to be done. I don't so. feel sorry for no politician. Fight <laughs> <laughs> these guys. I'm not sure I that think, he, yeah. I, I, I have think, no sympathy a, for any politician. Yeah, sorry. I think a, a big part of the problem is that, um, especially if you're running as an independent, the media is going to smear the heck out of you, man. Like they really going to, especially if you gain any type of traction, look, look at what they did to Jill Stein. Right. Right. So you got to be ready to take those heavy, like these weren't even difficult questions, Eric. No, no, I, no, I get it. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I, like I said, I thought you, you had to go after him. He's got to know that if he's going to run, he's going to be asked tough questions and it's, and it's great. The questions that you were asking him needed to be asked. And he couldn't take them. I don't think he had good answers for them. So, Well, thank you so much, Eric. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to move on to Maggie. Whoops, I hit the wrong thing. Maggie, welcome. You are on the mic. What is okay, going on? Can you hear me? 
I can hear you. Okay, just so you know, I have the worst signal in the world. I have to stand in one place on a stump. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, it's all good. But if, if I drop off, don't worry about it. Just move on. All good. First of all, great fan. I think you're remarkable. Um, I agree with uh, the, your treatment of this gent this evening was exactly right. You said very clearly you're going to get yes or no questions. You, they won't let you give a lecture. So it was a, an eye-opener for him. And I think you did him a great service and a great kindness. Because I think he's a good egg. He just doesn't understand that they're going to make mincemeat of him. So I think mm -hmm. you did him a favor there. So I have kind of a plan. <laughs> and I would really appreciate if I could run it by you and, and the, the crew here, because I respect all of your opinions mightily. Would that be all right with you? Go for it. Okay. Well, here is my plan. Okay. And it sort of dovetails with this whole smearing thing and all this and who we run. Um, oh, Maggie. Oh, there you are. Okay, you're back, Maggie. It happened as soon as you said, I'm thinking. Oh, my God. I stepped off the log because I was excited and forgot. Okay, I was pacing. I'm back on the log. All right. Okay. No, okay. Um, so my plan is, I call it all for one and one for all, A4114A. <laughs> and what it is, is while everybody's, you know, Marianne or whomever can do whatever they want and run under the DNC auspices, which you and I both know, um, the legal right to select and install the Dem nominee rests with the DNC full stop, not with the voters and the people. They'll do shenanigans and use their superdelegates, do everything they can do to make it look like their selection lines up with the people's choice, right? And if they were ever caught doing their wink-wink shenanigans, like somebody challenged each individual election and called it rigging or whatever, if those prevailed, they would say, oh, well, no harm, no foul. It's our right to select and install the Dem nominee, not the people, not the voters. Just kidding. So in other words, the DNC runs by its internal private business rules, and we have no standing to make them even obey their own rules, much less change them. So the bottom line is anybody running as a Dem simply steps into the Venus flytrap, talks about how I'm going to change the horrible ways of the Venus flytrap. It shouldn't swallow everybody. And then that person is swallowed. The DNC just laughs. The minute you step in and run as a dem and pretend you're a challenger, ha, 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 ha. They know they just kneecap you. They, they know they have full control. So any good stuff, it helps the DNC because then people associate the pretty stuff with the Dems and it will tell, tell people think, oh, the Dem is the party. Oh, right. A bright, shiny crop of new voters will think, oh, the Dems. So it's not a zero sum game. People that end up donating money, doing whatever for what we know is a campaign to nowhere. 
And everybody knows the people that run as Dems, the folks that even talk, even though Marianne is not much of a contrast candidate to Biden on some very, very big issues. So never mind that. She just comes off as a lovely, lovely, lovely person, a, quote, nostalgic Dem with a lot of reflexive defending Dem reactions. You saw her on the status quo defending. Oh, no, there's no evidence of that. When when Jordan asked her about Biden privatizing the Medicare, she was reflexively defending Dem slash Biden. Not she likes Biden, but she's a Dem and she had that reflexive defensiveness and then said, I know the Republicans are when Biden has exponentially advanced the program. And it was a part of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So that is to say those people that want to step into the Venus flytrap, then talk about how terrible Venus flytraps are and get swallowed. I mean, it just it's embarrassing to pretend you're going to challenge the DNC, but you step in and you have to sign on to being a Dem, supporting the Dem, uh, the DNC selection, blah, blah, blah. You see, you lose right. all credit. She's, she's already doing it. And that's the 100%. other thing, too, is like, how 100%. many of us how many of us reported that story? That's why I was surprised she didn't know about that, because Jordan Sheraton was like, David Sirota wrote an everywhere. article about it. It wasn't just the all lever. of us reported it. Was it. Uh, insider insurance, uh, physicians. I saw it absolutely everywhere. Because um, the Medicare Advantage plans were being pushed so hard and you would go to places and you were default put on it. A lot of seniors. So I was working with a lot of folks having them get switched back to normal Medicare because they had no idea. That's why I was so aware of it. But I know it was broadly reported. So it's okay that she didn't know. I mean, that's not really quite okay because it took so long to even get her into, you know, Medicare for all. But it's that she defensively, without knowing it, says, oh, there's no evidence of that. That yep. is what happens when you're a nostalgic Dem. She would never, because the bottom line is she's like, if, oh, it depends on how they treat me. So that this uh, sneaky play it both ways thing, not give a direct answer to I will do a dirty break. She won't because the bottom line is if she were going to do a dirty break, she would prima facie know that the DNC is treating her badly. They could be the mo- you know, 100% nice to her face and they're still going to do the shenanigans and all the stuff they do. They already, we already know, they treat anybody that even talks like a progressive, but they aren't sure will do their bidding badly. But she wanted to, people to be nice to her. I mean, it was all me, me, me. So that's my problem. But okay, do that, Marianne. Anybody else? And the other thing is we've all talked about, if it's not, and someone on the call as well, if Biden runs, then the DNC will not call this an open primary. So they may not authorize her to use the Dem moniker. And because they'll say it's not an open primary, we don't do challengers. But then let's suppose they're like, you know, she talks pretty talk. Let's let her run because then she'll bring people into the Dem party just hearing, oh, it's too bad she, you know, people that don't know how it works, right? A whole new, it's been a decade since Bernie. We have a whole new crop of voters, right? That may not have been through what we have, right? And so Mm -hmm. they may be drawn in. So the DNC may say, okay, we can let her run. They'll still kneecap anybody, you know other than their installation. But 
they if they allow debates, they'll control who gets on the stage. So this big platform that she's presuming she's guaranteed isn't guaranteed. I mean, she's made friends. She's cultivated relationships. She's a lovely soul. She's very uh, give. She's very good at cultivating relationships, and she's good friends with many of the indie media people that have put her on. And I don't yeah. regret her or them that at all. All I'm saying, who wouldn't for a friend, right? Let's just be honest. But what I'm saying is that is at the end of its useful life. I think. I don't think she's going to have the platform she wants. But okay, so let's suppose we have Marianne doing her Marianne thing. Here's what I think we can do. Here I go, ghost. <laughs> we do. And are you on there? I hope you're there, neoliberal tears. But we do a posse, a buffet, a plethora, a crew of write-in candidates. We do. We don't care how many of us there are. The more, the better. There's 48, uh, 42 states that allow write-ins. Nine of those don't have any requirements. This is changing all the time, so I have to check again. But the point is not that one of our crew becomes POTUS. It's our leverage. Because while they're running their primary, we're completing the paperwork. We're getting, we could have you. We could have Ghost, we could have Neoliberal Tears, Bree, Thomas Frank, Dr. West, um, Chris Hedges. All we need is a giant crew. Everybody named, get on the ballot. And everybody in all the states, we have some administrative work to do and we'd have to have funds for filing fees. But then guess what? We say to the Dems, remember, we're out from under the DNC. They have no power of us. They can't do anything. They try and smash us. Well, there's eight of us over here, four of us over here. They'll look ridiculous. And all we are is, you want us to drop out? Well, we're all for one and one for all. So here's our demands. This, whichever one of you guys, I don't even care if it's the Dem Republic, who else? Who's going to give us this concession? That's we actually get, a really good idea, Maggie. We will take votes from all either of you main parties it doesn't matter because these are worker things we're not gonna go because when you as you and i have talked or i've heard you talk and i've talked but probably never to each other that when we leave party and politician and personality out of it and we talk policy mm -hmm. and and position you get everybody and i've been doing you know a lot of talking with, uh, there's so much on the right, because I'm another abolitionist, yeah? And there's so much on the right for police reform right now. I know I don't want people to blow up, and, and uh, but you can't even believe it. And guess how they learned how they're being treated? J6. They're suddenly going, <laughs> wait, this law? This is how it's like? We didn't get this pretrial. We didn't get that pretrial. And so what they've done is they've gone, oh, my God, they're out of control. Where did they get this power? There is a rising, rising movement. You can't even believe it. I can go in there and debate the police murders, and I end up with everybody. We're just talking about humanity. Nobody ends up even remembering whether someone was a Republican or not. 
Mm. It's, it's, there's a big change happening. So the bottom line is however we did it, we would have so many people and it, it's not that we, our power is one of them becomes POTUS. It's that it's, you can't beat us up. You can't trash us. You have no power over us. We are the masses. We're trans, black, white, gay, whatever. We're a bit of everything. We've got records. Rome, CJ, Nick. Based. are not leafing, uh, dropping out until we get some assurances. And we will, it will be so strange that we will get guerrilla media coverage. They won't be able to ignore us because we will be ignoring them, picking up on Andrews, having to ignore them. We don't care. We're not, we're not trashing them. We're not challenging their candidates. You want us to drop out because we're taking votes and you don't know which party we're going to draw the most from. Ha ha ha. Then come to the table right the hell now. And our main points will not be about specific politicians. It'll be about get the fucking money out of politics. At least DNC, take a vote on dark money. Because as you know, the DNC, this is the irony. They're supposed to oh save democracy with the Dem slash DNC. Do you know they're supposed to have a voting membership and they never take votes? It's mm-hmm. a fraud. Mm-hmm. Do you know that the DNC has never done an accounting for all its money? So internally, it's got dark money. So you think they're going to ever outlaw dark money? It is corrupt as the day is long. It's a private business. They're cu- Never mind them. But imagine how they think if we got 10, 20, 30 of us. Who the heck cares? We are all diverse. The only agreement would be all for one and one for all. Nobody drops out until we all drop out and we don't drop out until we've gotten what we've agreed upon as demands. And so when people choose us, what they are saying is we have leverage. I'm going to vote for all for one, one for all. If you don't give me what I'll go with the party that gives us this shit. We're not going to do grandiose policies because, of course, that would be ultra virus for a president per se, right? But I think the system attacks, and I'm open. People can tell me what we should put on there. But the whole point, it was be a ginormous force the vote. This is we, a really good point, um, um, Maggie. This reminds me of something. This is what Lucy was trying to tell people to do when AOC was just running for re-election. Lucy came on my show and she told people, she said, oh. no, don't vote for her. She said, write people in. She said, write yourself in. She said, this is how we get her out. Because it was a similar situation to where she said there's nobody, nobody was challenging her from the left. No one. So she said that AOC knows that. So she continues to win. And that's how she keeps her seat. So Lucy was saying, like, write your name. Well, it's similar. Yeah, it's similar in that if someone wrote themselves in, they're taking a vote from AOC, but still voting. And Mm -hmm. so I totally, this, and I get that, and that's awesome. This way we are standing there with leverage. It's like we were saying in 2020 when I was saying, hey, get the, you know, if you think that Trump is such an existential threat, then have Biden stand up and say, I will not veto. In fact, I will push 
for Medicare for all. I'll give it under the Libby Montana provision of the ACA. And I said, that way you save the world because Trump will absolutely not get elected over us voting, electing Medicare for all. Either you be, you're bullshitting us with your rhetoric, excuse me, and you don't believe Trump is an existential threat, or you, you would rather us have an existential threat than have Medicare for all. This is that same way where it's like, okay, Dems, you, you want to, you can't say, oh, you Jill Stein, you were terrible. Oh, you, it's like, here we are. We're all standing here representing the people and saying you have the power right now to prevent this party or the other party. You each think each other are the devil incarnate. Step up meet our demands. First one that we think we feel assured is going to meet what we're asking for, then we'll drop out and send the people that that's all it is, is where we have very specific things that have that we need to get concessions before mm -hmm. we all for one, one for all drop out of the race. They will well, never so know. They will. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good, good. Oh, I'm so, I keep forgetting and stepping off this damn thing. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, but see this way, they will not know what to do with us. This has never happened in the history of everything. They will have no idea. And like I said, if the left went crazy and we get some of these freaks and their attacks, it won't matter because they'll reveal who they are. They think they're so slick. And they're not. That's the sad part. There's just so much pain. And I really think we can stop a lot of people's hurting each other, hurt people, hurt people, if we can resolve some of these systemic problems. And and one of our things we can point up is what you and I have both talked about, is those countries are freaking capitalists. The ones with, you know, four months of, you know, parental leave and, and six weeks of paid, all paid, paid holiday, pre-K, paid, childcare, paid, college, DVM, MD, all of it paid. Those are capitalist countries. Cradle yep. to grave healthcare. You don't want socialism, mother fluckers? Then let's talk about our peer countries. They're capitalist and they don't have a sovereign currency. What is our excuse? But Those see, that was a things. mistake. But see, Maggie, that was a mistake of Bernie Sanders. That's what he should have said when he was given that argument. He should have pushed back and said, "Those are actually capitalist countries." You know, I know, and it, and it drove me out of my mind because I, because um, not against Bernie because Bernie is just you know Bernie's guileless and and yet he's got a certain personality that I will never think he's a terrible human being, but it. It's a heartbreaker. I don't even want to. But you're right. It should have been made clear because every time I've brought that up to people, they have been assuming those countries are socialist because everybody's brainwashed. And when Biden said, I beat the socialists, I mean, the reason this resolution got so much bipartisan support, they're terrified of Shama. Yep. Because she's unstoppable. And you're absolutely right. I was going to bring that when you were talking about like, what's that going to do for people that push these things? Is it going to be like you're a domestic terrorist? Are you violating the resolution and you're going to lose your job? Are they mm -hmm. going to then say that we have to sign some BDS type thing? Remember, is this going to be another, um, you know, um, 
where they say you have to sign the horrors of socialism or you can't teach here. You mm -hmm. can't have a government. I mean, where is this leading between that and the domestic terrorism and these robotic uh, dog things <clears throat> and Cop City, which, as you know, is a mock-up of Atlanta so they can practice urban warfare with the shit they get. The, the, tra the training the and the gear they get from the Israeli army. I mean, so anyway, we need to do something that says we're not patsies. And it has to come from outside the system in a way that they can't touch us. They won't well, be able man. to. Because as, a, as each of us individual write-ins, not me, I mean, you, anybody that wants to, that meets the requirements, it doesn't matter. We, do, we have to raise funds to do the filing fees and get our eyes dotted and E's crossed or whatever, but we're having time because while they're doing their primary, we don't care. We're busy getting everything together and sending out, getting the information out there and getting anybody and everybody. And then by the time it comes, it's they are, who's going to call that bluff? They won't know what to do with us. Well Matt, said, Matt. Maggie. Well said. Uh, Roger, I just want to make sure. I want to go to Brandy really quick. I just want to get Brandy oh, in here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, to speak. Brandy, you just have to unmute. Roger, can you mute? Because there's wind coming in. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up the fact that I was at the PA or PNHP meeting on the privatization of Medicare with Roger. Yeah. On the Zoom meeting. And it's about to get worse with the new Medicare breach. Oh, God. For Brandy, I know. Marianne Williamson said Joe Biden's not trying to privatize Medicaid. <laughs> well, you see, the Medicare Advantage plans, I think those came out under the ACA. Yes. And that that's was already the, the privatization. Exactly. That was the first yes. rollout. Yep. And yep. Yep. now yep. this reach is going to be denying more care yep. to our seniors and disabled. Yeah, and this is the exponential step that was made under the bipartisan infrastructure. The reason everybody got on board with that, even though it's like over 10 years, it gives about an eighth of what is needed to repair what we have now, never mind improve or anything else. And that's yeah. over 10 years. The reason it got passed is what, and everybody celebrating it, it, I bet you nearly died, Brady, uh, Brandy. It was full of privatization clauses. Yes. Yeah. So and I work for was, a specialty pharmacy, so we deal with exactly. cancer patients, AIDS patients, yep. Yep. Uh, people with teachers. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's bad it was enough so as bad. it is. It was, it was so bad. That's why everybody was excited about it. Mm. I mean, the, meaning the elected on both yeah. sides, because it was, a, it, the whole thing was a giant privatization bill. We are so far down the road to privatize, to basically, let's just call it fascism, because those yeah. corporations knew what was happening and we didn't. And an undeclared collusion between state and corporation is fascism. Yeah. And that's what's uh, happening. I just couldn't believe it. And so, um, well, I mean, they're, they're, let, Biden has been absolutely devastating. Let, let, let Brandy okay, finish Maggie, let's, let, uh, let's let Brandy finish her, her statement. Sorry, Go ahead, Brandy. I'm sorry. Well, I, 
I put the link to the YouTube video of that Zoom meeting in the chat Thank for you. anybody who wants to watch it. Um, because I was even surprised at how many people in that were shocked that this was coming from Biden. I people know. don't realize what he's doing. And mm -hmm. I had a friend because I'm a working disabled person. And I had a friend who is also a working disabled person. And we were talking about the vote today. And I pointed out that Rokana voted for mm -hmm. the socialism, mm -hmm. the anti-socialism. Yeah, yeah he voted like, for it. And somebody mm -hmm. had tweeted, you know, they even did this after what we went through with the pandemic. Exactly. And she's like, you know, that's a hard hit. I'm like, mm -hmm. it's about to get worse. And I posted mm -hmm. that YouTube video in that comment to her. So hopefully she watches it. I'm like, this is why I don't support either party. Because both of exactly. them are working against us. 100%. Thank you for all your efforts. That's amazing. Fantastic. Because it's very hard. A Zoom meeting is perfect because they'll hear it. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. People have a credulity to it. It's amazing. And then when I point it out and show them the receipts, as it were, they're literally gobsmacked and furious. Like, why didn't anybody bring this up? I said, that's your colluding state-run media. Well, Same give corporation. me... I got the link now, Brandy. I have yeah. that link that you put in the chat, so I'll be able to check that out sometime soon. I want to go ahead and bring in Lance. What's up, Lance? Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks. thanks. Um, <clears throat> um, what do you think? Uh, just quick question. You, you know, you mentioned this last show. It's people that need to be drafted. You can't just jump out in front of the parade and say, me, 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 right? Do you think Jill Stein would run as a true independent or uh, be the first representative for Kusama Savant party? It's only two years, but. Jill is not, when I when I talk to Jill, so Jill is, uh, she's in Massachusetts, just like uh, me and, and Betsy and a couple of us actually probably on this call, uh, Eric as well. Um, when I did t ask Jill that question, when we went to the Ron Pacone show, because Ron Pacone came here, he was on tour, and Jill said, not on the national level. Huh. So she, she's not going to run on the national level, just FYI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm... Um Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the other two things I would thinking about was uh, think about Kashama Savant and Jill Stein. You know, they're in the political system more. Zephyr Teachout, I loved her when she ran, you know, for governor. I loved her when she was There's talking one. about. We are writing one of our write-ins, <laughs> and Noel, and we want Noel. Yeah, she she was great. Maggie makes a great point, and uh, um, yeah. And so of all the people, whether it's like Chris Hedges and Cornell West and uh, Richard Wolf, and I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but Ralph Nader's got the, he's got a formula. 
He's got he's got a formula. In other words, his lane is getting stuff done in the political system and to I'm gonna approach once I run it by all you guys and I realize that this all for one, one for all isn't ridiculous and it's feasibility, I'm going straight to um Nader and seeing what he thinks. Because again, we could have a spectrum of people on it. It doesn't matter. The point is well, we, no. as long as we're on a ballot, we have leverage because it, all people have the threat is that people will vote for us because we're there unless our demands are met. It's basically force. It's about wielding leverage. Who cares about debates? It won't be a traditional campaign. So Nader might be up for that. Jill might well, be no, up for well, that. Matt Ho might be up for that. Connect no. Madeline. Madeline Hoffman. Name? as well. She Perfect. ran as one in eight. She's one of my friends. Um, she's oh my on God. my show all the time because we talk about Palestine all the time. Oh my gosh. So yeah. she's I, constantly on my show and she's been there and yeah. she's a Jewish oh. heritage and she's for Palestine. So oh. she's another great Green Party member oh. to the, consult with. Oh, yeah, this is Madeline perfect. Hoffman. Thank you, Brady. Brandy, sorry. But anybody's suggestions, and see, they might be more willing to do it because this wouldn't be a traditional campaign. They're not going to no, but- go on the campaign tour, see? We have our, we get our issue out. We just get on the ballot. Our existence is enough. They can, there's no nothing to question. Here's our demands, and we stay on here and take votes away from you unless you give me these demands let, let, let lance finish uh i want to hear what lance was saying I, no, I, mean, I, didn't really even, no I, I didn't get a chance to really even start it because yeah no 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 mega yeah no yeah no i i was saying a whole other thing ralph nader's 88 he's not running for anything again he ran in uh 2000 and uh, all that what i mean is his formula i mean he was very specific he's really got like e equals mc2 right squared mm-hmm. You know, 500 versus 1,000. Interestingly, Justin Amash, who's a libertarian, so I'm sure I disagree with vehemently on some stuff, but he left Congress because he couldn't get anything done. I don't care if you're, like, uh, on the Martian ticket, you know, whoever needs to work (laughs) with whoever, you know. Um, And Justin Amash, so, again, this is a thing. I didn't realize it until Bree's show, and then just coincidentally, a few days later, here's Justin Amash on some other thing I saw on YouTube, some recent, you know, convo of him saying 400 signatures for a congressperson. Uh, Nader said 500, 1,000 for a senator with a specific agenda, a letterhead of anything you throw together, you know, legit. You're not trying to be a, you know, dark money. Just, you know, just whatever it takes to just be a an organization. Doesn't even have to be 501c3, you know, citizens for a better Ohio, citizens for a better Cleveland, whatever. You go to your congressman with 500 signatures. He says it's got to be legit. Can't be like uh, street corner signatures, which I want to bring it back around to nukes and Nader again, because the first place I ever worked for was Nyperg, which he invented. Which mm-hmm. is all about legislation and getting signatures. And that was more like you might have had. They were all legit. People weren't faking their signature, but that was just more general. Anyway, you get 500 people who have like a. Oh, like you would have on LinkedIn. So it had to be enough information, email address. So that they can say, yep, this is really 500 voters. If they check back all, you know, verifiable voters, you know, of all stripes, doesn't matter who or non-voters, just people. 
That could be verified. You know, email. You get 500 people. He said they'll show up. Like he guaranteed it. And it's like, what? He said it's 750,000 people per district. And when you cancel, cancel out all the people who can't vote because they're too young, who never vote because there's only a certain percentage, sadly, that won't, you whittle it down. It's on the radar. You do it as a percentage. It's like a couple of percent. He's, and you do the math. Take 330 million people. Divide by 750,000. You know? Or, uh, yeah, and you get, can, a, or you get, get divide, I'm sorry, excuse me. You take 330 million, divide by 435, you get 100, you get 758,000 people. It's like, it, it's really true. So, that's a formula, you know, and this guy's been beating his head against the wall and going to talk to everybody that would listen, only nobody does. But, and all these other things, too, absolutely. Initiative, ballot initiative, third-party national, everything. You know, all of it. It needs to be a fight. Form, it needs to be a fight on all fronts. That's what I just said. That's what I said. Ballot initiative. Absolutely. Yeah, ballot, ballot, ballot. Ballot initiative, national third party, yes, everything. Right. But you have to have people working with Shama Sawant's worker strike back. You got to have people working, getting things done on the local level. And you got to have people doing what Maggie said, which is a whole bunch of us just write people in. You got to have it on well, all my, fronts. Yeah, yeah. Well, my thing is independence. I think you got to get rid of parties, just independent, independent. You know, like I mentioned, my, this mayor, he's like his father and grandfather were like congressman and mayor. And he was from the Republican side, but it's a purple area. So it's not like right wing zealot QAnon up here. So you can't be that. And you can't be too far left. It's very much in the middle, uh, you know, purple area, whatever. Uh, but so, you know, I'm not saying he's some maverick, but he ran as an independent and got reelected as a mayor. And that means it's just like, well, you know, OK, what do you got? It's not like, well, here's the agenda. Here's the party. And here's the here's the framework. And here's the, all these this this uh, this baggage. You're going to have to have a badge so you can have all the wonderful ideas in the world. If you're an independent, but you're really like green or DSA, but you cater the you know, things that you think could work and you emphasize those, you be realistic, you know, you and so, you know, you talk within without lying and you just emphasize certain things. But it would be things like, you know, of course, universal health care, et cetera, et cetera, it would be socialist thing. And you just say, yeah, independent. Then all of a sudden that independent can work with an independent who's from the right center. Who, oh, maybe you've got a libertarian strong street. God forbid that they should any, get anywhere near the national levers of power. I get it. But you know what I mean? So well, if everybody independent, yeah, independent what, which is a similar thing that Maggie's saying, of course, I'm not trying yeah, to. Like the right in is 100 percent no organization. There's nothing to attack. Well, this thing. is why Zero you got to do again. That's why you got to have these agendas, and those are almost like yes. the think tank. So, if you think about the heritage, if you think about the heritage foundation, they don't elect. Well, of course, they elect indirectly. You see what I mean? They're not a party, and that's why if you have, and I'm not saying do it exactly like that, but if you have these agendas, and I, I honestly think that if Ralph Nader, Ralph Nader, Ralph, Nader, in other words. When Chris Hedges goes out and does his things, he's with Mount Rushmore. You know, Cornell West, Mount Rushmore, in terms of what they're doing, in terms of, uh, of, of, uh, liberation, the you know, theology and, you know, all of the things that, 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 um, that, um, Richard Wolf does with economics. He did an hour long thing. You got to watch it. It's brand new about the whole history about from 1870, because he brings the numbers, 1870 to 1970. At the end of each decade, we were better off than the beginning of the decade in wage growth, including during the Depression, if you go decade to decade, until 1970, and it's been a decline ever since. Unbelievable stat I never heard before. So anyway, that's Richard Wolf. 
But Nader is one of those guys that just needs to be listed because his lane is how to get the shit actually done, regardless of who gets elected, regardless of third parties, regardless of anything else. I think he needs to be really emphasized more than he is and given a platform everywhere. I just have to I just have to say that. Because all these other people are so important. Step in here for just a second. The problem is I think a lot of people don't know how to get a hold of Ralph Nader. I've been trying to get Ralph Nader on for like over a year. I, I don't know how to get a hold of him. I was given like one contact person. I emailed that person. I haven't heard back from that person. I don't even know if that person still works with Ralph Nader. You know what so I'm maybe gonna do, what man. I need to do. Let me finish. So maybe what I need to do is, and I hate to do this because I hate to ask people for help, but maybe I could reach out to Chris Hedges and see if he could put me in touch with Ralph Nader. Because you're right. Ralph Nader really needs to be going on everyone's platforms uh, at this point in time because he does have uh, a strategy of how to do it. I, I heard him. I listened to him on Chris Hedges' show, and I talked about it on my show, that conversation that they had. But you're right. Like, he has the right idea. But what I was thinking with what Maggie was talking about, and she talked about, like, having demands this is where we could actually apply Eric's 11 demands. Eric has 11 demands that he's talked yep. about multiple times. Yep. So, and we can add Eric's 11 demands and say, until unless you give us these demands, we're not dropping out. Yeah, we're not yeah. dropping out and we'll draw from all. And, and by the way, I thank you, Roger, for calling me out on stepping on people. It, I've got such a bad signal and there's a delay mm -hmm. From when I hear you, and so if I'm talking over people, just do what Roger did and tell me to shut up, because I can hardly tell when I stop and you start. I have the worst signal, but so I'm sorry about that. But yeah, no, that's that's yeah. Every I'm so excited. You guys are just an amazing uh, group of minds and hearts. I'm so encouraged, but they won't be able to touch us because again, this would be a posse of however many. As write-ins, no, we can't be on every single ballot in every single state. But the point is, someone, their vote could go for whichever one of the 20 they want. They don't have to pick. They don't like um, A, vote for B, C, D. That's the part that will flip them out. Because it is an all-for-one, one-for-all kind of coalition, but we're not tied to anything. The only orchestrated dropping out yeah. happens when we all agree our we will just be flipping the script entirely on the DNC. Maggie, are you and in the, the Nay, I'm in Washington state. Oh, okay. A ballot initiative state. You That's cool. bet. Oh my god, I sent you all that stuff on Tim Iman. Andrew probably remembers him. They weren't my kind of initiatives, but boy howdy did there we the it got much tougher here because he was so successful. <laughs> yeah. Well, say, um, let's make sure, um, bad, make sure I bring you in. I'm going to be wrapping up here shortly, but bad cookies, I want to hear from you and then we'll pivot back to, uh, Brandy and then Levi to, to unmute bad cookies. All right. Thanks, Abs. Um, I'll make it quick then since you want to go to bed soon. Uh, can you hear me? I All right. Uh, cool. Um, first, I wanted to touch on Stasevich. Uh, he did not look good today. Uh, his interview looked real bad with you. Uh, even with this bad interview that he had with you, I still say he's one of the better candidates out there, <laughs> and that's bad to say. Um, still, it was a bad, bad interview he had. 
And as far as Nina Turner is concerned, I don't know how anyone can trust her at this point. And that's all I wanted to say. Um, thanks for your time. Yeah, I think Nina Turner missed her time. I, I really do think, as someone mentioned it earlier, I think she missed, it's too late. Like, she missed that boat. She missed that moment. And I think that anyone that was a part of, like, that Bernie movement that's trying to, like, okay, well, yeah, I'll do third party now. Uh, I'm kind of looking at you a little side-eyed because you were smearing people who maybe not necessarily Nina Turner, but some of those people were smearing people who were saying this uh, last year. Go ahead, Levi, and then I'll go to Brandy. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you said that. That was why I was just... I, so no, I, I disagree, but I was thinking... Um, I really appreciate it. I just had come from your... Um, I was just like watching your segment earlier, and I just watched it, and I was like... And then you, at the end of the segment, you said, oh, I'm going over to... To call in, so I looked at call in. I'm so glad you just kept going, so that I got a chance to jump in here. Uh, shout out to Log Lady there, uh, Maggie, 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 Maggie. There's this great uh, punk song, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. I don't mean to use English words. If any of you know the words to that song, the lyrics to that song, it sounds terrible, but uh, it's actually it's a compliment. Please don't take it the wrong way if you if you know the no, lyrics. No, so good. Anyway, um. All I want to say is uh, I agree. So, so first of all, yeah, I really like, uh, Maggie, this idea of um, a coalition or a dream team. I am concerned because, uh, I was, you know, you listened to Brie, right, as well. So you heard her talking to um, uh, Professor Wolf the other day. And we listen. I've listened to Chris Hedges and read his stuff on the regular. I've listened to um, Cornel West and Chris Hedges for and uh, and uh, Wolf for uh, since the Wolf since he started doing his public appearances after the crash. But um, Hedges and and Cornel West for many many years are sustaining voices. Uh, I would listen to. Uh, you know, uh, West, like a Sunday sermon kind of thing, right? So you get to know, almost know their speeches, their sermons one by one. But um, they're good and good close-knit little triumvirate, as they put it on that last conversation. Uh, There's closeness there, but like trying to get everyone to coordinate, obviously um, Hedges with the speech writer for for Nader, so there's a connection there. But... um, each one individually has always said, like, not me, not me, not me, <laughs> when they've directly ever been talk, talking about anything to do with, like, someone running. They're always trying to encourage other people to run, but not me. Which, the not me thing is obviously a trait that we want to applaud, right? It's like, thrice it's- he turned aside the crown, right? That's, that's Julius Caesar, right? The whole point mm-hmm. is... And that leads me to the question of rhetoric and uh, and and uh, Nina Turner. And rhetoric is really important. Like I'm trying to teach. I don't know how to speak to my my students as a as a teacher of history and literature and government. But just to get them, they don't. It doesn't land on their ears in the way that it should. They're not. They're not. They don't understand depth sincerity like the context like they understand you can explain pathos logos and ethos 
the ethos is really, you know, the credibility of the speaker. Mm-hmm. And that this is where I'm going to Nina Turner. And like, she was so good at pulling on that pathos, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I feel your pain. And she spoke for the people's pie, right? She went to that, she did that people's pie bit. And she was like pretty much jumping off her, off the, she was sort of levitating. She was off the ground. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and then she made a pivot. She made a political calculation and she moved because she was try- she's trying to read the tea leaves. And I think that I don't respect that on the whole with most people, but I think she's trying to be strategic. So it's all about like how you read it, I guess. Like at some point, like what do you think's going on inside there? Now she used all those things, right? That when you first hear them, you're like, okay, the backbone, the the, heart, the neck bone, the whatever. You gotta have backbone. She's talking about her granny mm-hmm. and everything, right? And like about reaching an arm back for those behind you and all this, all these great little bits. So when you first hear them, like a stand-up comedian, you're like, oh, that made me laugh so much, or that really moved me. That's really great. It's got that sort of folksy, but without being cheesy, like real ring to it. But she's also a politician and she's trying to like understand like the total situation that she's in. And I think that the sort of people that I don't trust are the young, like AOC and people of her ilk that are coming into the situation and they have like some linguistics, they, they, they've got a certain fluency. They're, they understand long words, they've read books, they, they, they have some charisma or they're good looking, something about them is attractive to, to people. But they haven't been in the game long enough or they're not, just not. It, they, they came off good originally, but something about them, it just doesn't, you're like, I, to me, I just see them coming unmoored. Whereas when I look at, when I look at Nina, I think I'm su- deep, super dis- disappointed in you I was kind of like annoyed even a little when she got into her matrix leather coat wearing face <laughs> and the dyed oh. hair and everything. There's just this sort of uh, like she was getting really excited, though, I think, like we're going to win. Like she I think she believed like we all there was a moment where we all believed like maybe Bernie can win. And then we're all crushed in the wake of that, that, uh, that those those machinations that led to the mm-hmm. to that not coming off. And so what I'm trying to say is, like, at the end of the day, like, who do you trust and why do you trust them? The older you get and the more, it's just almost like an ear thing. Like, what do you hear? Do you believe it? What, what, what do you, information do you have? I see Nina going back and forth, but I think that she wants to be on the right track. I think she wants something to happen. I think she's been there. When she thought it was like we were in a revolutionary moment for a second, she was ready to go people's pie. Then she retracted quickly. Hey, what's this thing with uh, Nick Branner and all that weird stuff to do with Nick Branner stuff? Well, which I've never. With, you know, I'll, I'll stop. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say the problem with people's party is it is number one. I mean, there was there's a number of issues. Yeah. But yeah. number one is that it became the Nick Branner party. Exactly. It shouldn't be that. I mean, I mean, it shouldn't be associated with one person's, like, Mm-mm. it shouldn't Mm-mm. be able to be taken down like that so easily. I hear you, Sabi. I'm sorry. I'm pausing to hear. I'm listening. No, it's true. That's why there were so many people 
that spoke at that People's Party convention. And then it's like those same people are just like, okay, let's try to go back to the Democratic Party. And I think some of that came from the fact that MPP became the Nick Bronis party. And people are just like, dude, is this about everybody else or is this just about you? Mm-hmm. And there were a number of other issues as well. I mean, it, it just is what it is. But I think now it's gotten to the point where it sucks because anything, any action that they're tied to, it automatically gets smeared. Like people are already smearing, which hasn't even happened yet. People are already smearing rage against the war machine rally 100%. Because, because the people's party's name is attached to it. It's already being smeared. I saw it being smeared four times today. And totally that, hear you. Totally and, hear you, Sabi. And if I can interject, I know I'm talking a lot and I'm thank you for everybody's patience and indulgence. That's why I was thinking of having a posse, a crew, because they can't, they don't have to like all of us. There is no kind of organization. There's people that agree to these things that have said all for one, one for all. We won't go out unless we all get what we want. We are simply being a voting block, as it were, where we're withholding. We know we'll draw votes from wherever, and it's a threat to whichever party we don't care. We are workers who have needs that need to be met. You don't have to like us. You don't have to, because you can... We're all going to be on the right, not me. I mean, whoever, uh, anybody who takes suggestions um, are on the right and on the ballot. And so somebody can look at it and go, I like this person on the over here. I'll pick this one. It's absolutely irrelevant which of us they pick so long as that vote doesn't go to one of the other parties. If we have the threat of that is all we need, simply being on the ballot and saying we're staying there. Unless and until is the power. We don't have to have a party or, a, you know, we can have slogans and an identity. Like I, I hear said. you, Maggie. I think what you're saying is like, you're trying to say is like myself, last time I called into Sabi, I think it was only a couple of days ago. I was saying I've never voted before in my life. Uh, and I sort of threw up in my mouth to vote for uh, Biden so that I could have a say. <laughs> right, it was the most, uh, it's so um, oh, it made me feel bad. But maybe I can leverage it, which is my last name. Maybe I can, le- my last name's leverage, but maybe I can leverage it great. To, in, in the future to say, like, I did that. I fell on I did that. Now I can, like, say something. But the point being is, if there's enough people out there in that mass electorate, like, whenever I'm going to, like, uh, Berkeley Bowl, or, I live in Berkeley, whenever I go to Ber- West Berkeley Bowl, and I'm talking, I uh, talk to the dudes on the fish canner or something. And um, like they're doing the job that I did when I was just when I was at high school and I went my first job was like stacking shelves and then in, in a safe way. And then I went onto the fish counter for a bit. And I saw I was I remember that and I'm like talking to them and uh, and I'm just thinking and I just remember having this conversation with the dude there and he's like, like I'm not fuck those dudes. I'm not voting for anyone. And I was like just sort of inside myself thinking like. He doesn't like. He sees me as some kind of probably middle class person coming into this room. He doesn't understand that I've never voted, and I totally get where he's coming from. And like the energy of his fuck you is shows me that he's got the energy to go out and say fuck you if he's given the option. But like getting like the ear of people so that they know that there's a fuck you option on the ballot. It's like the fuck you option was Trump before, right? Versus like 
Like, you keep telling me change, change, change. Someone's offering me change. And everyone wanted Bernie or, or Trump because they were they, they signified change. But still the young people who were primarily behind uh, Bernie did not come out. Like, I came out, I'm 47, as I said last time, I'm coming out from 48 in February the 19th. February the 19th is my birthday. And uh, that's when Bernie came onto the ballot last time. I was like, yay! And then I was so disappointed afterwards. But And, and now it's the Annie War March, and I'm just, you know, nice resonance. Doesn't mean anything. But anyway, happy birthday to me. And, uh, like, this, that's, um, like, if, if, if you can, if you can reach the, fish market guys if you can reach the people that feel strongly like fuck you that i felt that but they haven't detached from their emotions about this stuff but they but they just feel like there's nothing out that's there right. that there's that's a the, that's the deal right i mean cause, that's why they've always had us your only choices were one of these effing terrible parties yeah or politically disengage we yes but maggie like, that's why i'm asking you maggie i'm saying like how do you get them people that aren't listening to call in People that are working and have unplugged that say fuck it, or and also like the annoying like dissension in the ranks. So I can't. Well, that's, more that's, people come together that on the left. That would be the adverting and all of. The, you're absolutely right. That would be the ground game. But the difference would be, we could have people flyers, adverts, hand things out. Obviously, like a yeah. website, a site, the the basic stuff to advert it. And the reason I brought they up- all have they all have that Maggie, right? So Chris Hedges has like he doesn't do it himself, but he has a he has his um, whatever they call this shit. What's it called? Substack, yes. and he does his like things. Someone does his uh, his Twitter stuff, right? Corner West obviously has is always traveling around, and people are saying he's almost yes. almost a politician anyway. Obviously. Uh, 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 Wolf has his like his show, his show, and he's saying how it's growing all the time. So that's three people who know each other. If we add Nader, four people, right? Yeah. The taint of Nader it, it is not doesn't mean anything to me. I don't. Understand. I, I mean, I think it held some war for it. They made it go as far as they could go, but right now people are ready to be like, that's some bullshit, right? Like about what what they tried to do to Nader. So it's such a shame that Bernie was like, I don't want to be another NATO oh, reportedly. But anyway, the point being, like the people that you're saying, like who could be in that cohort, they all already have platforms. So it's only about personal beef at some point. And at least four of those major figures that most of us know haven't got a beef. So then it's just like more peripheral left-wing figures. So I like the idea of this dream team. I have no nothing against it. It's just... Will it or won't it happen? There's so much internal strife, at least in the media sphere on the left, that it's frustrating. But um, it would be cool to see, just as a gauge, like how many people are like me. Like I, like the one time I voted, I felt sick. Like I literally felt viscerally sick. I felt like my wife, not henpecked me, but just she didn't mean to, she meant well, but she it it was morally made me feel compromised. It hurt to do it and uh you know and didn't even mean anything i'm in like california i'm in berkeley like it's not a meaningful vote it's, it's a meaningless vote like it's what russo says jean-jacques russo right to vote uh, like he says english the english people are slaves because they only get to like express their political will once every four years and uh anyway i just wanted to push 
back. Maggie, you remind me of my granny. I don't mean that in a bad way, but you've got the energy <laughs> of my grandma. My, you, I don't know if you're the same age as me or younger or older, but you just remind me of my grandmother, my dearly departed, and I'm a much okay. beloved granny. We'll have a cup of one time and you can tell me in detail why I brought you. Just the, just the energy, just the, just the passion. Oh, no. That's but interesting. You know, but that's, that's the, all the people. Sorry, Sabi, we took, we hostage. Sorry. No, okay. I just want to make sure I, I pivot back to Brandy. I want to make sure Brandy, Brandy gets Brandy, I want to hear from Brandy as well. I want you as a write-in, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... I have been an independent voter since 2000. I voted for Nader my first time. Um, I got involved with the Democratic Party for less than two years, and that was as much as I could stomach. I was out. I actually ran for a local JP seat and dropped out before even the primary was over because I was so disgusted with the Democratic Party, even here locally in my state. Um, I live in a very red state. I live in Arkansas. I'm now the state chair of the Red Berets for Arkansas. Oh, wow. And um, I am co-host of a show that's around the world with Brandy and Dee, and we have several people, several guests, regular guest speakers on where we talk about Palestine oh, and wonderful. other countries around the world, mostly in the Middle East. But we try to bring it back home to compare, you know, our foreign policy and link it up to oh. things going on here at home. And one of my issues with the interview with John is he kept talking about how the police used to serve. The police have never served the black and brown communities, only the white communities. And so that was my issue with him was he doesn't get that the police have always been bad to the black and brown communities. So there's never been any kind of trust Mm -mm. built up there. And so that's where I'm for the defund and abolishment um, and i feel like brandy this is something that eric don't you feel like we tried to explain this to him before about the policing issue like i feel like we, we tried so. to do this before and i feel like he still didn't fully get it yeah and i'm a white woman from arkansas and i can see it and i can get it and i'm in my 40s so, right. So go, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead and explain, because I think like yeah. we did try to explain this last time. But I can't explain John Sasevich. But yeah, I'm I'm not pushing them, so it's it's not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> <at this point. laughs> Yeah, I feel like we did try to explain this to him before. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I feel like JB tried to explain this too because he came on JB's show also. Um, but Brady is, you're a hundred percent spot on. That's why I was like, some of the things that he was saying that the criminal justice reform thing, that one really, I don't know if you guys noticed, but that one really irked a nerve with me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh oh oh. It oh, did with oh. me, too. And even with the LGBTQ community, you know, they've n- never really been good to them either. Mm-hmm. And that's 
a group that I'm a big advocate for because I've got so many friends that are LGBTQ. For growing up in Arkansas, I grew up in a small town that was very diverse. And so we had three diversity weekends a year. And so it's not, no, they've not been good to them either. And that was a problem for me. Uh, As far as Nina Turner goes, she lost me when she sat there and said, if you're disappointed with the squad, you're going to be disappointed with me. Oh, and her continuing to run with the Democratic Party that we all know is corrupt. So even if at this point she turned around and ran third party, I can't trust her. I wouldn't vote for her. I won't vote for Marianne. I wouldn't vote for her even if she ran third party because of her foreign policy stances. And they do connect to our stances at home. Like, how can you be apartheid in Israel and then we're supposed to believe you about reparations. Yeah. You're, you're, you're endorsing yes. the same mindset that caused the atrocities here. How, well, can you, how can we believe that that comes from any place? It comes off as pandering when you're on the one hand, if the only people that want, uh, that, uh, don't want, uh, or want a one state solution for Israel are the ones that don't believe, uh, the Jewish should have their state. It's like, wait, what? It's like, how do you possibly yeah. get from that to, I really believe in reparations. You have to make the past right to go forward. That's pandering if you're doing the exact same thing to another group of people right now. Yeah, but I that is Bakari pandering. Sellers, I called Bakari Sellers out on the same statement because he made a similar statement a couple of months ago on a CNN panel with Nina Turner. And they were talking about the support for reparations. But Bakari Sellers at the same time, I'm like, yo, you're still against BDS and you say you support the state of Israel. So how are you going to be for reparations? Nobody will believe. And you against against the Palestinian movement. That don't make any sense. And here's another point that you need to point out to them, too, is if they say they're for reparations for black African Americans that are descendants of slaves but they're for Israel look at how Israel treats the Ethiopian Jews that moved there Mm -hmm. look at how Israel treats non-Zionist Jews Mm -hmm. they treat them the same as they do the Palestinians Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. very racist and if you don't agree with them we're going to treat you the same as the people of color I, oh, yeah, I, we played I, the videos please. on, um, I'm just going to say this really quick, and I'll go to Levi. We played the videos on RBN before where um, Men Press News captured all this footage uh, in Israel, where they were calling, like, the Ethiopian Jews the N-word, and mm-hmm. they were wearing blackface and telling them to go home, and that they were staining the country and everything. And I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what do you mean when you come to me and you say you're for a two-state solution? No, that is not good. Like, we had this question with the Palestinian Network when they came to our anti-imperialist summit. And they made it very clear to Mm -hmm. RBN that a two-state solution is not good for the Palestinian people. It hasn't worked for decades. And we have neoliberal 1948. 
Yet neoliberal tears, if he's still here, he grew up in Israel to hear him speak personally about the conditions there because uh, Hussein asked a great question. He said, can you explain to me why two-state is bad? And neoliberal tears gave the best explanation it was, mm-hmm. and it really advanced the discussion. I believe Andrew was there and heard that. And if he's here, neoliberal tears, if he isn't gone in a few of time, you could consider bringing him yeah. up to speak yeah, to I him. I mean, but separate but equal. I, I mean, it's, uh, it was so, yeah, it's just, it just doesn't. And, and people, I just can't wrap my mind around it. I really can't. It's, it's sort of like Marianne had wanted her Department of Peace. Remember all that? But mm-hmm. she's pro-proxy regime change, endless war funding. So I'm yes. like, no, you're, you, none of this rings true when you're internally inconsistent. What it tells me yeah. is it's superficial. It's something you've put on. We can't it's crush a tire. You. It didn't come from your soul and your heart and all the other places. It came from, it was applied to you. You did not learn of it. It didn't ooze it's, from you. I, I mean, all- we talked about, we talked about this before because you're a hundred percent correct, Maggie. When she ran in 2020, she had that call, that peace. You know, yes, peace Department of Peace. Yeah. So how you go from that to, uh, yes, uh, we need to continue to give more money to Ukraine. What is happening here? Where's your principles? Old, yeah, she's a reflexive neo-lib. That's what she, she doesn't even realize it. I, I think she's a lovely person uh, and sincere, but she doesn't even recognize that she has such loyalty and fondness in her own words for the Dem party. There is no way on yeah. earth a dirty break would ever happen. It just won't. I, She'd say, oh, they treated me fine. So I'm now telling you, everyone, orange man, bad, vote Dem. It'll be a repeat. Yep. And you know what Shama always says? She says, it's the raising hopes and mm-hmm. smashing them that sends people to the far right. Mm-hmm. Not yep. calling out Dems who betray their constituents. It is those who fail, who raise your hopes and then betray you that make you go elsewhere. And that is my fear about doing another campaign to nowhere. And let's, bring in, um, let's bring in Levi really quick, because I, okay. I think you were trying to say something, Levi. Go ahead. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I probably lost my place there. What, what I was going to say. So, um, so I'll, I'll leave myself unmute and, and interject, perhaps, if that's okay. Um, I think it was something that Brandy was saying, and I, I, I wanted to respond, uh, but it just it just flew out of my. You know how that okay. happens. Let's bring in Case. Case, go ahead. We'll go to Case, and then we'll go to Noel, and then Roger. Okay. Just have to unmute Case. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, I'm just so appreciative to you, Sabi, and to everyone, all the different voices in in this chat. And I love how we uh, can shop our ideas, like what Maggie did, and we can get feedback. And uh, I just want to send a, love, a lot of love to the chat and much love to my fellow leftists. Everyone. Thanks so much, Kate. Uh, Noel, I think you had... Uh, unmuted a minute ago. There you go. I just wanted to say that I do appreciate um, and it's quite affirming to know that people grasp these situations and the disingenuousness of the people 
who are moving in these democratic orbits or at these elite orbits because they want to be um, this, that, and a third. But it does underscore to me that we are in a very, very bad place. Um, but thanks everyone for your contributions. I love the exchange. I love the sharing and the discourse. And I too say good morning and good night. Thanks so much. We'll Thank go to Roger you, Noel. Always appreciate you. Always. Um, I want to rewind for a second because we were talking about uh, People's Party. Um, you, um, you, you was talking about, I think, Savvy, you said something about it's like one person or whatever the Nick case Brana. is. You know what? You, you know what? Lucy calls them, right? Sabrina, you, you heard what she called called, called them? Uh, no. Uh the one person party. <laughs> she coins these phrases that, that just is just hilarious. I'm not interested in the one person party. Also, what Maggie was saying about um not being consistent, um I think it also has to do with causing division among the electorate to make them say, well, she's for she's for what I want, so, you know, I'm going to vote for her, even though it's not consistent with, you know, like you were saying, hey, how can you be for reparations, but you're okay with Palestine getting their ass kicked or whatever the case is? I think that has more to do. I think they know what they're doing. I think they're trying to pit one group of electorate on the left up against another and oh. have arguing. So maybe that should be something you should consider. They know what they're doing. Oh, hey, Roger, you just reminded me why I wanted to say, um, if it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'm done. Oh, I appreciate you guys so much. I'm so glad to have found this uh, chat uh really uh sabby's noel or i i thought noel was just like a first time speaker one the first time i came on i was like oh she's a guest but she's so eloquent uh and hold holding forth and i realized oh she's basically part of the show she's always here and she's always has a lot of great things to say and i'm so glad to be in this uh space and mm, get the chance me to speak. too so thank you and uh sorry if 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 some of us talk up more sometimes than others, I don't know. But I think it's great. It's really nice to hear from everyone. But what you remember me, reminded me of, Roger, what I wanted to say was, uh, did you see, uh, you know, obviously I'm always going to bring in the British politics, but Kim Johnson in the UK Labour Party called out the, um, the Israeli uh, government. Uh, and it's reported in different ways depending on where you look. So for the, if you look at Israeli press and certain outlets they're calling it a fa they're saying she called them fascists she did use the word but they're like highlighting this point instead of the fact that she's trying to underscore that you know there's a basically global unanimity around this uh notion that this is uh, apartheid the same uh issue that got key helper right booed off of the hill uh, when she was she was getting into the hill and becoming like a staple there, which I'm hoping Sabrina uh, Sabi, I'm hoping Sabi is gonna follow up with Brianna Joy Gray, and that you all guys are gonna like cement 
what is obviously just like a hairline fracture, not anything really big, and B, Presence is back on that show. It's just, I don't actually watch or care for The Hill very much. I catch segments here and there. I listen to her podcast and your your pieces, but I understand it from what I see in those uh, uh, spaces, in this little space, how many people are reached by that uh, that platform. And so I would love to see more RBN and more and more and more people. I know that, um, I know I keep saying like a uh, RB, you know, Brianna Joy Gray apologist, but I'm saying like, I think she's great. I trust her. She's got a big personality. She will push back when she perceives that she's being pushed against. But I don't think, but I think that she was like in her mind, that why I had last time her talking, she feels like she's just hearing stuff. She can only have so much bandwidth. I think she feel. I think just reaching out and saying, "Hey, we're good," and and cementing that, and you all like going more on there and taking up that those airwaves, like the way you're letting us take up your airwaves on on here tonight, where we mostly agree. But you getting to go in front of those larger audiences, what you should, of course you should, and uh, I would look forward to seeing more Sabby, more Nick, more. Uh, CJ, more, more whoever on there. Um, and I'll, I'll sign out with that, but I, uh, more Roger, more everyone. Um, I feel like there's a lifeline to that, and when it goes, it goes. Piff, puff, puff, gone. You know what I mean? It's going to go, it's going to go. But while it's there, like, colonize it in a good way. Thank you so much for that, Levi. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I did, I actually did reach out to, um, I'm sorry, guys, I said earlier, but it's still really, really cold. <laughs> like, it is cold. Um, it's like negative, negative 14 degrees. I don't live in Alaska. Man, I miss that, Sabby. Don't want to be living it, but miss it. Real. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I... Um, shoot balls. What was I going to say? Oh, like it gets cold here in Massachusetts, but it's usually not negative 14 degrees. Mm, mm. <laughs> so it is really cold. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did. I actually did reach out to Brie. Um, you know, just let her know that, like, I don't, you know, I don't want her to think that, you know, we talked recently about the, the, some of the videos that I guess came out about her and I did reach out to her and just, you know, just let her know that like, I don't know. I, I like, that's not something I would do. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, everybody is, has their own thing. Um, but that's not something I would really want to do. And for me, when it comes to content, I think on YouTube, it is really easy to get caught up in only talking about podcasters because that actually works for the algorithm. But what happens is it may get viewers to your channel for a while, maybe in the beginning, but eventually it gets to the point where people get tired of it because you're not telling them anything new. You're not doing anything different. It's just, if you're just talking about podcasters, then people are like, oh, I'm not learning as like what I thought I would, you know, from the channel. So anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is that I think that sometimes 
initially if you're doing those types of, of videos and you see the views and you see the clicks it can be easy to get used to that and so you keep doing that type of content and the longer you do that type of content the more likely the algorithm is not going to promote the other type of content that you did before and so this is something that I, I've noticed like look I don't have to talk about podcasters to get views and I talk about I don't know how many times this past week I talked about like at least one story about local issues here in Massachusetts at least one uh, throughout the week probably like four times already this week so I have like four stories or three stories that I cover right but I, I still get the views like I'll still get the views and I'll still get like um, the likes and stuff like that and I think that the thing is if you get used to doing that like only talking about the podcasters like oh this video got such and such views then what happens is it can kind of trick you into thinking that if you do talk about things that are important and you put it on the thumbnail then you're not going to get those same number of views. Trillion percent. And, Sorry. Right. And it, you shouldn't have to only rely on that thing, like just talking about podcasters to get views. If you're confident in what you're talking about and you have done your research and you're talking about stories, this is the thing I, I've noticed, like at least on my channel, is that you guys want to hear different things. So I don't just cover like national politics. I cover national, I cover local. A lot of things happen here in Massachusetts. So a lot of, I cover that kind of stuff too. I talk about finance. I talk about the economy. I try to bring, connect all these issues together. And some of the topics that some people may think would be boring to cover, I've noticed you guys actually like some of those topics more so than I thought that you would. And what that tells me is that there is a, a certain type of hunger for people, I think on YouTube, to see something that's a little bit different, to see something that's not just drama, to see something that's not so-and-so versus so-and-so, or just talking about the podcasters. Like a lot, there are a lot of you that really do wanna hear about economic issues. Yes, about so real issues. And so I think that, you know, again, like, I don't know what happened there. And I, I think I, I, I told you guys this before, I didn't agree with the content. I, I didn't understand. And it's not that you can't critique people. You can critique people, but I didn't understand. I didn't understand the point of critiquing someone about bringing someone on their show when the video hadn't even been posted yet. And so that's what was weird to me. I was like, I don't understand the point of this. But like I said, if you get used to like the view count and stuff like that, it's like, oh, I talked about this person. Let me talk about this person again because it'll get me the views. It can be very easy to fall into that. And that's what I'm trying to say is that it's always important that you bring it back to the important issues. And to me, I didn't think that was important. I so I so agree with you and applaud you uh, for that uh, outlook and having that um, a bit more of a long term like understanding. You grow audience. I mean, I don't think I think obviously the audience matters because you grow the audience and then 
you have a larger audience, a larger reach. So there's that kind of sort of people, I think, mess up with ta tactics and strategy and they think, oh, this is, I think there's confusion around what is a tactic and strategy and that's reasonable. What's a movement? What's a tactic? What's a strategy? How does that, like, if you think of Occupy, is it, an, is it a tactic, a strategy, a movement? What is it? And uh, I think, like, building trust with people. That's why I was trying to say around Nina, which is confusing, right? That why do I trust her when I've seen her switch back and forth versus other people who are, seem to have no ballast to me? Like, why do I perceive one person as having maybe a moral trajectory that they're compromising in the moment, but I believe that they know where their north and their south is versus people who I think are just going for clicks and uh, but maybe with good intentions right and who many how many ears do I have to give how many hours in the day do I have right to keep up with everyone and so you have to like start making decisions and you try like you know I like those vanguard boys initially because they're in Kansas and that's where I first came to America I live near where they are in the bombs and I like that they were young and they were like just calling balls and strikes but then they picked a team and I didn't like that so much uh, whatever I mean everyone's got to make their own calculations right but I think Sabi you've got a trust there's a trustworthiness which I appreciate and maybe everyone's not going for the same thing maybe it's the flashy drama that attracts some audience members but like long term I think it's trust that uh when when all the situations waver and you make different calculations and maybe you change your position on how you stand on something, but if you have trust in someone, that's the rhetorical thing, right? If you have trust in someone, then you're like, I can see why you would think that. I may not agree, but I can follow you. I'm not going to not listen to you because I, I have something invested in where you're coming from. And I think if you get too flippant around the like, uh, like you say, the likes, the followers, the numbers, you you can be following the wrong, it's the wrong call. It's not the way to go in the long term. And I think that even if people can't understand that, uh, articulate that 100%, they feel it. I, I think I feel that. So I feel, like I said, Sabi, I feel, I trust you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I think that like, Eventually, I'm just telling you from my experience in the space, people will get bored with it and people will want to see something different. And I think there was a channel that used to do this. And I think the progressive voice. Yeah. The progressive voice. That's what they, that's what the channel was. Like it would just talk about podcasters. Yeah. And eventually it got to the point where people got tired of it. it it, it fell off because people just got tired of seeing the same thing. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if it gets to the point where you're not teaching people something new, eventually people will check out. Or if, if you're not giving people some kind of hope, people will check out. And so I think it's important. Like I said, this doesn't mean that you can't criticize people. I'm not saying that at all. But what I will say, though, is that you have to be careful because if you're doing podcast, and we, we've talked about this already at RBN, we talked about the content and stuff like that. But if you're getting to the point where you're doing podcast or call out videos every day, eventually, yeah, people may join for a while and they'll get you views for a while, but eventually people are going to check out. 
Sabby, I watch you strictly for the cursing. <laughs> I want when you start cursing. I was going to say just for the weather report. <laughs> yeah, we just had an ice storm here in Arkansas, so it's finally starting to melt, but it's been most of the week. Um, I just wanted to have one more ask. And it's like, you know, we're all paying attention to Cop City and it's important. So when we are watching what's going on in Palestine and we're trying to explain it to people, bring it home. Compare it to what's going on at home, because I think that's the biggest ticket to getting more people into paying attention and more people into caring, not only about foreign policy, but when you can connect it to what's going on here at home, then they see it as a broader um, issue and an issue that affects them, especially whenever it comes to spending when our government's not willing to give us the care that we need, like our health care, even though we all know how, you know, it actually works. Mm -hmm. um, but the issue is we really, as much as we're focusing on what's going on at home, we need to focus on there too, because with what they're doing over there, they're committing genocide against a group of people, and that could very yep. well happen here. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. If they'll do it to them, they'll do it to us. Yeah, yeah. genocide can spread. Genocide can spread, and this is why I tell people: foreign policy is domestic policy. Yes. yes. So we yeah. have to pay attention to what's happening abroad. Boomerang. Do they call it boomerang effect? Boomerang. It's whatever true. we it's do true. out there mm -hmm. in the colonies, it comes back, right? It used to be 100%. like the slave plantations and things outside the country came back as the factory to our uh, homeland. Yep. 100%. And their yeah, indicator why... issues. Foreign policy for me, war and Israel have become my indicator issues. They predict how willing someone is to stand up against the establishment and where mm -hmm. their heart really is. Because I think Roger makes a very astute point, many astute points like everyone, but saying that if they're trying to divide, that's one reason. The other is that it's an insincerely held belief, which means when all they have is the backbone and principles, they won't have it and will cave on reparations, for example, because you yes. can't sustain. That's an indicator species. That's how I view foreign policy. So I agree. And oh, very much, been very much important. Yeah, if you've been watching what's been happening over there since Netanyahu got back in. Oh and has been Gur in, they're oh. fixing to be a big war breakout because of what they're doing over there is going to piss off all the Arab states around oh, it's them. Sick. Mm. Yes. And that's why they won't give up their nuclear weapons is because they have plans of taking land from Syria, from Turkey, from Jordan, they have plans of taking more land than and just we saw this. Mm -hmm. We've History has already shown us this before, how it can spread. Look at yeah. how Hitler, look at how Hitler and the Nazis, they started off in one region and look at how it spread. So this mm -hmm. is very important. That's why you need to know what's happening abroad. Colonizing was the same exact thing. 
Yep. Imperialism, the, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. And so that's why we talk about it so much is because it does connect to what's and, happening here. I mean, look at what's happening in Atlanta. There's two cop cities. The way they treat, the way our government supports the Palestinians to be treated is the way they will treat people of color here. Exactly. Because we exactly. people who support can, them. They come again. and train our cops. It can, yep. it can happen again. I want people to understand that, especially people who are African American. If you think this stuff can't happen again, you need to really wake up. You need yep. to really wake up. Like I said, fascism spreads. Genocide can spread. What happens if another country says, hey, we don't want, you know, when I lived in Germany, there was a Turkish population Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were refugees. Yeah. What happens if Germany says, hey, we don't want them here either? You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's why this is so dangerous. Arendt, Look at right? the shooting like the- recently oh, in France where they attacked some of the Palestinian refugees there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Brandy, uh, uh, I wanted to, you just brought Cop C. I don't know if you were on the call last time, but I'm recommending this wherever I speak to people at the moment. It's new documentary, maybe two weeks old, uh, in terms of releasing for streaming. It's called Riotsville, USA. Riotsville, USA. And it's about um, a CIA operation. It's all using um, original, uh, like, uh, uh, documentation, uh, as in the camera work. It's literally, like, filmed from news outlets or archival footage from news outlets or the actual CIA itself, what it filmed. And they recreated C's after the uh, Watts riots and the Detroit riots, mm-hmm. uh, the upheavals uh, around racial tensions across the country. They replicated it and they were looking at strategically how to like suppress like uh, uprisings amongst the, uh, the population. Yeah. It's really fascinating and, and horror, scary stuff. So when you say it can't happen again, I, I look at that and I think, well, so here's a documentary coming out this couple of weeks ago about something that happened in the 60s. And now his cop C happening right now. It's the same mm. idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, history definitely repeats. Uh, yes. Definitely like. We, we do have to be on the outlook. and But it's funny, the concoctions, right? The way the strange brew, the way that things come come back. Like, mm-hmm. It's not always the same, but it, like they say, it, right? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily repeat, but it rhymes. We've been doing it in South and Central America forever. And that's another reason why I really think Savvy ought to have Madeline on because she's been over there to Palestine, to Israel, and she's seen it herself, and then she's been to Central America. She's actually planning on moving to Colombia here soon. She was down there during the elections, the first round. Well said. All right, I got to head out. It is, it is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, everybody, for hearing me out. I won't talk so much next time. I'm so grateful. Such great minds. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you, Sabby, and everyone. Yeah, heroic. Thank five you. hours.